introduce myself and then hello i'm eagle eagle gardens eagle gardens one on instagram and this is fucking talking shit with eagle this is episode 154 i hope you guys had an amazing weekend uh great sunday got a great guest for your sunday evening tonight automation is freedom uh you probably see them around in a bunch of the chats and the the communities around youtube and on instagram uh how you doing tonight automation is freedom uh you want to tell us where else we can find you and how you were doing today absolutely i'm doing wonderful and you can find me on instagram at automation is freedom and you can find me on cannabis at automation is freedom I did also reserve a YouTube spot for myself as Automation is Freedom, but I've only posted four videos there, but I don't really have much going on. I'm not uh, doing much on YouTube right now. I just wanted to secure the name of the channel should I uh, start to venture in that direction after listening to uh, Brown Guy 420. And I guess I don't know a lot of these people in the uh, in the community. I'm very, I'm a very new grower uh, in this community. I'm uh, probably been growing one microsecond compared to a lot of you guys that have been growing a long time. So you're very familiar with a lot of these names like Kevin Jodry and um, Brown Guy. And, and there's a whole bunch of guys that I, I couldn't even name that are even in chat that are uh, really wonderful growers and a wealth of knowledge. And uh, after listening to Brown Guy state how he was, um, uh, had, you know, gone off the YouTube for a while once YouTube took all the channels down. And then when he, he decided to come back, somebody took his channel name. So he's not Brown Guy 420 anymore. He's Brown Guy like 4200 or something. So I didn't want that to happen to me. And I just wanted to reserve my name, Automation is Freedom, uh, on YouTube. So you won't find much on me there. But check out my Instagram page and my cannabis. I do post quite a bit on there. Um, a little bit about my system. I haven't really been able to talk about it or um, mention it or post too many videos on it describing it uh, because um, just for legal reasons. Uh, but all that's uh, all cleared up now and I'm good to go. Uh, I've got a completed system that I ran in during my last flowering cycle, which uh, ran fantastic. And um, I uh, so I'm still proving it, you know, I'm still testing it and, but I feel like it's ready to go. Uh, one thing I wanna do real quick is I have another laptop sitting in front of me and I want to bring up the YouTube channel so that I can uh, follow along also in chat uh, here. So I just, I just need to yes. take no a No worries, second. please do, please <laughs> do. And you're right, you're absolutely right. I, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that too. I've never really heard them guys go over that, but I am a big component of the very same thing. I tell people all the time, even if you're not gonna post to that platform, get on there and snag your name before somebody else do. I'm on just about everything, but I don't post to all that crap. Who's got time to post to TikTok, Twitter and all that good stuff? But you're right, I hold my name on all of them just so somebody else doesn't swipe in and snag that. It's just a, a good idea. And 
a nice way to have a backup if you reach out to people if you know one of your accounts does get taken down you could always reach out through another avenue that you've slowly built up and go hey i'm over here <laughs> i'm still around that's right i agree yeah i'm uh, just looking through chat now and i see that johnny uh Canacee has joined us and we've got a chicha and uh Prometheus Soil and Budsville. I see all these guys all the time in chat. And I just want to thank all you guys for all the information that you lay down in chat for all of us new guys uh, so that we can learn uh, how to be more efficient and better growers. Since tuning into all these podcasts, I can tell you my game has gotten way, way better. Uh, my buds have gotten bigger and they're a lot frostier. And I'm just becoming more aware as a grower as I spend more time in my garden and around my plants and uh, just getting to know what I'm doing, you know, and uh, it's uh, there's a lot of information out there and I'm sure a lot of it could be misleading and taking down rabbit holes and there's all sorts of different ways that you can grow DWC and you got soilless and uh, organic and then you, you got the cocoa growers and some of them grow organic in that and some of them use the salts and uh, so there's everybody's kind of got their own little style uh, that they developed and um, you know, we're all trying to achieve the same thing, which is grow our own medicine. I, at least that's what I'm in it for. I, I don't ever want to have to buy any more um, cannabis or RSO oil if I can help it. Um, I have had to, since starting to grow, I have had to buy twice. And uh, both times I have regretted it. I, um, the, at one time was from the dispensary and I keep a uh, small, circular ashtray in my basement and on one half of that ashtray was my own homegrown ash and on the other half of my ashtray was uh, ash that I had bought uh, was about a half ounce and I smoked it all and I kept all the ash right there even though I knew as I was smoking it I would cough and I, I, I just disliked it but I finished it uh, so that I could show that picture and I uh, put it up there on Cannabuzz uh, and it's, there's a stark difference. And I know that a lot of guys want to grow for themselves because, um, you know, because of that, they know what's going in it. They know the quality of the elements that they're putting in it. And they know the quality uh, of the stuff that they're getting in return, the fruit. And um, so that's what we all want. Good, safe fruit for our medicine. And uh, to help out a few people along the way, I've got a few friends that hit me up on occasion, want to know when I'm going to harvest. And uh, not very many, just just a couple, and um, and that's fine with me. That's a small, just kind of take care of myself. And um, anybody else that reaches out to me, I'm more than willing to help out. Um, I'm that type of guy in almost anything that I do. I just uh, very limited on my uh, growing, um, you know, experience. And uh, so I I. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys, um, since I am, my background is uh, electromechanical. I've worked in factories almost all my life. Um, uh, the only time was an eight-year stint I spent in the Navy, um, which was uh, fun. It was a good time. Uh, I only smoked three times during that eight years when I was in the service. Um, because I was so afraid of getting caught. If you got caught, you would go to captain's mass, you would lose a couple of stripes, you would probably be um, lose some money as well, and then you would be confined to the ship or um, the shore duty, wherever you were at. And uh, I just didn't want something like that on my record. I was always very fearful. And usually when you went on vacation and you came back, or if you changed your duty station from one location to the other, like I was stationed up in 
Great Lakes for a while. Um, uh, in Northern Illinois on the Wisconsin border, there's a place called Great Lakes. They have a school there. I was there for a while. Then I went to Virginia and at each stop, and then I finally made my final duty station, the ship in Florida. Um, at each stop, you got piss test, you know, you had to take your analysis. And back then, you know, there was no thing as synthetic urine. You, you couldn't trick the system uh, very easily. And usually they had somebody walk into the bathroom with you. So it's not like you could pull something out of your pocket and then pour it into um, the container and then hand it over to them, you know. Uh, so I, I took my chances and I was very lucky not to get caught. Um, so I'm not a perfect <laughs> saint of a person. Uh, even though we all strive to be the best kind of people that we can be. Um, and uh, um, so I've been smoking since I was about uh, 12 years old, I would say. Um, started pretty early for me, uh, got in with the crowd. We'd moved from Texas up to Marshfield, Massachusetts. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that place, but uh, when, uh, when we got up there, I met some you know, other, people my own age, I was probably in about sixth grade or so. And um, that was the first time I actually tried uh, cannabis. And I had such a good time that it just stuck with me and uh, it became a part of my life. And I can just remember, I never um, had the desire to grow at that point in my life. I was never at a stage from that young age till I was probably right now Right now, uh, just three years ago is when I started growing. So from 12 to like 56, I didn't do any growing. I thought about it later in years, um, a couple of times, but I was just content to be getting uh, our, our uh, cannabis. And of course, back in the day, back in those days, the first thing you did was you poured all your bag out onto a, a album cover and then you got rid of all the seeds and the stems. And so you had half a bag left of whatever you bought. You know, you may have paid 20 or $30 and you had four fingers, but by the time you took all the sticks and all the seeds out of it, uh, you were left with um, just a, a minuscule amount. But that's, that's how it was back then, you know? And uh, I'm sure there were people interested in growing back then that I might've been affiliated with, but I just didn't know those kind of people, you know? I was just just getting high, just uh, uh, used to deliver paper routes uh, in the morning, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. That's how I made my money. You know, as a kid, I didn't really get an allowance or anything like that. I had to make my own money. So, uh, and if I wanted to smoke, I, I had to make my money. So I uh, got a couple of paper routes and that's how I survived that. Um, but then I got to about uh, high school or so in, in Virginia, another great, uh, event, uh, or I said a moment in my life that I'll never forget. And uh, I was walking out at lunchtime out towards a parking lot. And I saw uh, my friend Lewis's brother, Brad, and he was driving this old Matador. I don't know what kind of car it was, what, what the make, it's, but it's called the Matador as a model. I don't know if it was a Ford, a Dodge, a Chrysler, I don't know, but it's the ugliest looking car you ever did see. And so he was easy to spot in the parking lot, you know, and he saw me walking out and he rolls down his window. He's waving to me to come on over, you know? So I walk over there and he says, and holds up this bag of uh, pot and, and uh, inside it's gold, gold like you've never seen before in your life. Like, I mean, like if somebody had real pieces of gold in this bag and they were holding it up in front of you, that's what it looked like. 
It was beautiful. I've, and to this day, I've never seen anything else like it. So one time thing that I saw that I got a chance to see that. And he says, oh, I just scored this. This is some Colombian gold. He says, come on, we got to go take a ride. So of course, after seeing that, I'm like, wow, oh yeah, I'm going, I'm, I'm in. So I jumped in the car and uh, we went for a ride and went out, you know, I got nice and stoned. And then he says, you got to get back to class. And I said, yeah, I got to get back. I got a chemistry test. So um, drop me off back at school. I'm late, of course, I'm walking in. I can, the teacher's desk is facing the door that I'm gonna walk into and everybody else is facing the teacher's desk. So when I open the door, everybody's head raises up and looks back at the door. The teacher's head looks up and looks at me walking in. I make eye contact with nobody. I look straight at my desk. I walk straight to my desk. I sit down, I turn over the test and I start doing the test. At the end of the 45 minutes, the teacher says, Reese, I want to see you after class. And, uh, and she dismissed everybody else. And she called me into the side room, like a little closet where we kept all the glassware and stuff for chemistry. And um, she said, you know, I'm not accusing you. But she said, when you walked into the room, there was such a strong odor of marijuana. She says, I'm just blown away. And um, I did all I could do to contain myself from just bursting out laughing because I was in one of those giddy moods, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so she, she uh, told me, she says, I haven't looked at your test, but if you wanna come back after school, I'll let you take the test over again. And I said, I'll take it, I'll be here after school. And I did, I went back and I took the test again. Um, even though I um, never really applied myself in school a lot you know um i had a lot of things going on in my life you know at that time even at a young age um so i uh i uh never really applied myself i, I just did enough to get by you know essentially um i was i was a slacker uh, and um uh is what i would call myself back then um because i just wanted to get high and kind of just get through life and i uh, had no real direction you know i was just young and just, you know, you're kind of just going through life at that stage in your life. When you're going through high school, I, I didn't have any real plans. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I, um, you know, I still had no direction in my life. And um, uh, so it wasn't until after high school and I got my first like real job, you know, then you started working. Uh, then you started realizing the value of <laughs> what you were making, your, your efforts and everything. And, you know, back then you, might have made five bucks an hour or seven bucks an hour. I think I was bringing home $200 a week and I thought I was just killing it, you know, living on my own, had my own little apartment and um, had a couple of roommates and we were making it. Uh, and then as things work out, you know, uh, sometimes you're just better off living alone. <laughs> and uh, so um, I still, I don't keep in touch with those guys anymore. I don't, I still think about them once in a while, wondering what they're up to. Uh, some of the guys from my past, uh, um, but I've, I've traveled a lot. I've lived a very um, nomadic lifestyle. Uh, after my parents got divorced, we moved around a lot. And then I moved around a lot in the Navy. And then uh, after the Navy, uh, I still moved around. Um, and I'm back up here in Massachusetts now. I'm really enjoying myself. And they legalized uh, cannabis here in Massachusetts. And I just ecstatic. I can't believe where we once were, you know, 40 years ago in my life, 
to where we are today with cannabis and it being so open, so many states being legal. I just think it's fantastic. And back in the day when I was just smoking to get high, I didn't realize all the benefits cannabis could have, you know, like I'm just now starting to really educate myself on, um, on uh, RSO oil and what it can do. And uh, so from listening to Spartan Grown, I, um, I decided to get myself one of those little source extracts. And um, I've, I've been having all kinds of back pain in my lower back and in my hips. And I just recently got back to work. And that's probably why a lot of you haven't seen me on the late night podcasts and stuff. I just, I get up real early in the morning to go to work now. And it's a very physical job uh, compared to what I was doing um, at the same company. But because of restructuring and uh, and our business is slow after this COVID and everything. They've, um, I was lucky just to survive the layoffs. I was the very last one to be called back to work after being there nine years. So I'm very lucky. I, was, uh, I thought I was going to have to face an early retirement um, and uh, think about what we were going to have to do. So I'm, I'm lucky. I got, a, I got a few more years. Uh, so I should be able to make it to 62, I hope. Knock on wood. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, so let me see where I lost my train of thought here. Um, yeah, so I'm back at work. And so you, uh, you don't see me much. Uh, try, I'm going to try and get back into it uh, because I was really enjoying my time off during the COVID. He, uh, our company had shut down and everybody was at home and we were all getting paid. None of us were on unemployment. We were all getting paid by the company, our same paychecks. And I believe it's because the company, the owner, um, our business was designated as essential and he was able to apply for one of those PPP loans, which I guess the government covers all his expenses for his employees as long as he brings everybody back. And so he did. He brought everybody back. Then he sold the company to a son and then they had five layoffs. And, um, and I was very lucky, you know, that it wasn't I was worried. I was really worried because I know, you know, it's a small company, 40 employees, and um, then you let five of us go, and now there's just 35, and you know, so just so many roles you can do in a company, and then and then you're just not needed there anymore, or they could hire somebody else, uh, younger, cheaper, um, to take your place. So that's, you know, it's always something that you got to worry about in the back of your mind. Um, so since. Uh, buying my first house, uh, uh, actually my second house, but um, we live in a two family in a nice little resort town here on the coast, uh, Massachusetts, uh, up in Plymouth. And uh, I just love this little area, it's a nice little town. And, um, but water is very expensive here. I found that out very early on. Um, a friend of mine, actually the house that we were renting uh, had gotten sold and so within 30 days, we got a 30 day notice. Now oh, you're going to have to move out because the new owner wants your apartment. <laughs> so we got to scrambling and I got to talking to a few guys at where I work. And uh, one of the guys said, Hey, uh, there's an apartment above me that's um, been empty for about a year. I'll call my landlord and see if he'll rent it to you guys. And I said, Wow, Rob, that'd really be great. I, I really appreciate it. So he called his landlord and put me in touch with him. And the next thing I know, we bought the house. So it used to belong to the owner's mother and um, uh, uh, she became a widow and then he decided to move her into his house. And so this house became available and we bought it. And I'm really happy because I was able to set up the basement 
as my grow room, as my garden. And the first thing I did was I thought about the water and water is very expensive and we use a lot of water in growing. So I put a 55 gallon drum, a nice decorative one that looks nice to be outside underneath the downspout um, outside of uh, one of our, uh, outside the house. And, and lucky for me, uh, there used to be a washer and dryer hookup in the basement. So they had left the little dryer vent in the window uh, right next to where I landed that 55 gallon drum. So I took the hose from that drum and run it through the vent in the dryer vent and then into my basement to another 55 gallon drum that I have sitting in my basement. Now that 55 gallon drum is part of my watering system for my control box. Um, the water from that 55 gallon drum goes over to a six gallon tank container um, that's fairly decorative that sits right outside my uh, tent, my five by five tent. That's my flower tent. That's the one that's automated and um, it's fully automated. So uh, not only can I do watering, and, uh, but I can do pH balancing. My uh, control box, uh, you can set up your, your um, I, you can set up up to 10 watering events per 24 hour period, all right? And uh, my system is a gravity fed system. So um, there's no, um, you know, you don't have to worry about any water running for long periods of time or pressurized water. So all of my manifolds for my watering setup is not glued together. I did that on purpose. The reason I like the gravity fed system and the fact that it's not highly pressurized is that I can just press everything together, push it all together. I don't have to glue it. That way between runs, I can take it all apart and I put it into a five gallon bucket and I clean it and I, um, I clean everything. You know, I put all my um, clear uh, PVC, um, little tubing that goes from the pumps that feed the tank. Uh, so every, everything's automated in the system. So you got up to 10 uh, watering events per 24-hour cycle. Uh, the tank that I'm using can hold up to three gallons, although I put a limit of only uh, two and three-quarter gallons uh, before there's an interlock set up so that it won't fill up any more than that. I do also have a mechanical uh, safety interlock on that tank as well so that if the software ones should fail and the pumps kept pumping that they would hit the mechanical interlock and then shut the pumps off that's how it's designed to work so that you don't get a flooding uh, in your space uh, because that six gallon tank would continue to fill up that tank and then the 55 gallon drum would see that the six gallon tank is empty and it needs water and it would fill it up and then it would just keep going on itself you know and just fill up till that 55 gallon drums is empty. You know, I would assume that's how exactly that would work. And um, I run from the 55 gallon drum over to my six gallon tank is probably a good 50 feet run, um, maybe close to 50 feet. It goes up to the ceiling and then it runs along the ceiling in the basement and then comes down into the tank. When I first had this system set up and I was, you know, uh, first testing everything out and I thought I had a good program and I'm like, okay, I, I know I got it this time. You know, I feel like I got everything right. And I was watching my 55 gallon drum fill up my six gallon container. And I saw it hit the mechanical stop in the six gallon container. And then I could see the water level slowing down. So what that did was it shut off the pump over at the 55 gallon drum. 
once it hit that mechanical stop in the six gallon container, told it to stop pumping, I, I'm all full up. So I turned around once I started to see the flow rate slow down and I started working on the countertop that's in my basement. And I started piddling around doing a few things. And then I just thought, man, something just made me turn around. And when I did, and I looked at my six gallon container, it was almost overflowing. So even though the pump at the 55 gallon drum had turned off because the, the line had run up through the ceiling and then come down, it used a siphon effect. And so it was, it was filling up that six gallon container just through the siphon effect. And if I hadn't have been down there and managed to turn around, then that tank probably would have come close to emptying out completely all over my garden floor. <laughs> so I was very lucky to turn around and see that. And then I ran back over to the 55 gallon drum and, and I have a you know, little spigot on there. So I was able to manually turn it off and shut it down so that it wouldn't overflow. And when I saw that, I realized at that moment that I needed a solenoid valve in front of that pump. So that's, that's how I solved that issue. So this uh, has been an ongoing, probably year, a little better than a year that I've been working on this, that, on this box. And each time I would run upstairs and tell my wife, I finally got it. You know, this is Rev 500, but it's done now. And I don't have to do another thing to it. And uh, she just laugh at me and say, oh yeah, well, you said that the last 499 times, you know? So, but uh, so this, I finally got it done. I finally got all the little quirks uh, ironed out of this thing. And I finally got all the features I feel like as a grower uh, that somebody would need. And the reason I built this thing, I first looked into buying something because um, when I started to grow, uh, like I said, I've only been growing a couple of years. The one thing I did find out is that you are tied to your grow. If you are going to be a good gardener and you're going to just be in that garden all the time. And if you love the hobby, you're going to really just be enjoy being in there. And I do. And, uh, but my wife, was like, we haven't been on vacation in two years. You know, since you started this growing hobby, you know, every time we go to wanna go away or do something, you can't go, you know, we can't go anywhere. So she says, you gotta build something. So uh, that's when I started looking into different control systems that were out there. And um, I, I couldn't really find one that I was very comfortable with. Like I, I, I didn't understand the technology that they were using. And if I did, um, I wasn't comfortable with, with the way it was running, you know? And I just thought, well, if you really want something done, um, you're just gonna have to do it yourself. So I, I, um, I have a background in like electromechanical, like I said, and I have some background with PLCs. And I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with PLCs. Their PLC stands for a Programmable Logic Controller. And it's kind of like a computer, um, but it, it's different. It, it has its own software. And the way it works is it gets inputs and then it, the software does whatever it does and then it shoots out the output, right? And um, the reason I went with PLCs is because they're very industrial. It's a very heavy duty, reliable piece of equipment. It's not like a $10 timer. And, and I don't know about some of these other control systems that are out there. I don't know what they're using as far as a control, a controller and how reliable it is. But PLCs are used in manufacturing plants all over the world. PLCs are used where you wouldn't even think that they're used. Like up here in the train stations for all the safety, running all these trains everywhere. And there you, PLCs control all that. So, um, and uh, just as an example, we had a storm blow up through here like last week. 
And every time the wind would blow, I would lose power. And, uh, and it happened during lights on, lights on, flowers on, and I'm freaking out because my power, I'm losing my power 50 times in 15 minutes. So imagine that off and on, off and on. Power comes on for two or three minutes, then it's off again. I almost thought about running down into the basement and thought, man, I can't put all my equipment through all this. Um, you know, it's just not good for the equipment to be going on and off like that. You know, you lose things when you get spikes like that, right? But I thought, okay, well, this is a great test for this PLC and to make sure that my program does everything it's supposed to do. And uh, so I let it go. And uh, it wasn't until the power got stable that I went back down into the basement uh, just to look everything over, just to make sure my lights were still on and my, um, you know, my fan is still working and everything was still working. It, uh, everything was still working. The PLC held up just fine like it should. And um, so I, I highly recommend uh, that type of controller because I feel like um, I've worked with them out in industry. I've seen what they can do. And so I wanted to bring that to the homeowner. Uh, not, I don't, I'm not building this for commercial uh, applications um, with some minor modifications. Uh, you could easily, um, uh, I could easily build this thing up for somebody. All right. I'm just, uh, I want to sell this, these systems. Um, but I, I custom make each one. I don't, there's no, you know, there's no factory line of, uh, and, and they're pretty hard to do. You know, I've got to knock out a bunch of holes in a big box and then I've got to do all the complicated wiring and then, but it's not any more difficult. If you're a, if you're a DIY guy and um, you can build your own LED light and follow those lighting instructions and build that, you could wire up my system. I, I'm almost thinking about um, taking some money off of the top end for a completed system and sell a DIY system as well for, and save some people some money uh, that might want to purchase a system like this and, and feel confident enough that they could just do the wiring. I would program the program uh, both in the touchscreen and the PLC, and I would buy all the hardware uh, um, and the wires that you would need in the connectors, but you would have to do it all. You would have to wire up the harness, the wiring harnesses, and there's eight of them. And you would have to wire up the outlets that are on the side of the box, and there's nine of those. And then you have to fit all the solid state um, switches, you know, in the proper places. I mean, I could, anybody who was really interested and felt confident that they could do it, I would help you tremendously uh, in any way I, I possibly could to help make sure that you're successful at putting this thing together the right way. And um, uh, so I've got a working model downstairs and, and then I've got this box right here. It's, it's kind of large and I don't know if you guys will really be able to see it. Um, let's see, I don't, let's see. It's, it's right here and it may be too far away, I'm not sure. Um, like I can see it, my screen here, but I don't see it on the YouTube. See it pretty good. Can you guys see it? So on this side, that's yeah. where the wiring harnesses would go. On this back end, we've got two two power plugs. All right, and I'll talk about this in just a second. So I got a couple of plugs, and that's because you don't want to overload a circuit. So because I'm using all the potential is to use all the different appliances that go into this thing, like a heater and air conditioner, dehumidifier, all those things draw a lot of electricity or they draw different amounts of electricity. So 
um, I had to set those up on separate circuits. So I got my lights and my heater and a couple of other real small draw electricity items on one circuit. And then I had my dehumidifier, uh, AC unit, CO2 controller, and um, uh, one other one on the, on the other leg. And uh, the reason that I put the AC unit and the dehumidifier together is because chances are you're never going to use those together. I uh, used my dehumidifier in my tent uh, during the winter time because it kicks out a lot of um, kicks out a lot of heat, and uh, so it helps reduce my heating costs. I don't have to run my heater as much in my tent, and I can keep my room fairly dry using the dehumidifier to set it up to what I want, you know. And then in the summertime, like now, I remove my dehumidifier and I put my AC unit in there. And so it does the same thing. I, I like during flower, I like to cool off my room at night when the, when the lights are off. I like to let that temperature drop down into the mid to lower 70s. And, uh, and it also takes the humidity out of the air. So uh, I put both of those on the same circuit because chances are you won't be using those in a tent at the same time. Like, remember, this is for a tent. This isn't for a commercial operation. This is for somebody that's growing in their basement in a tent, or maybe you, uh, maybe you fixed up a 10 by 10 room in your tent, or uh, I mean, in your basement, you know, a room that you make it, that you framed out yourself and you've used that um, um, stuff from Home Depot, the, the plastic to make the, you know, to finish off the interior of the room. This box is, is, a, is designed for somebody that's um, that type of operation. And it will replace you in the garden. And my intention is not to want to replace people in the garden. This, my, I, um, so instead of going down there and measuring uh, how much I'm gonna put in of uh, food for my plants and stuff, I've already got a tea brewing. And so um, I'm an organic soil grower and I top uh, feed my plants and water my plants from the top down. I have fabric pots. I have them sitting on, um, on uh, you know, a, like a drip pan. And inside the drip pan, I've got lazy Susans. And the reasons I, I have the lazy Susans in there is because I don't want to put a scrog net up. I want to, I'm going to start using um, the, uh, the uh, the posts you know the uh oh, what do you call those things not bamboo i don't want to use bamboo because i'm afraid it could bugs could hide in there so i'm going to use either a fiberglass or plastic or maybe some sort of steel um uh that i can prop my plants up on and spread them out that way and then i can spin them a quarter of a spin on the lazy susan so that i can rotate them a little bit each day if i want to or, or each maybe at the end of each week i'll just rotate them a little bit so that they can, so that the light will hit different parts of the plant. Uh, so this box that I made is 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 just a, to so that you can go on vacation. That's what that's why I built it so that I could leave my house and I could use my cell phone to look and operate my garden from a distance if I wanted to. You could set it all up like you could set up the ten watering events and. Um, uh, also, it's not just a day-to-day -day, like setup. I also have a switch in there that like say I water every day um, and my plants dry out pretty good uh, so that I can do that. I'm in a five gallon pot and my plants are, you know, feed pretty good and uh, they're not too heavy and I've, I've managed to water every day. So 
um, I would just put a one in my switch and then it would water every day. But say you're just watering every other day or maybe you water real a lot heavier than I do and then maybe you don't have to water for two or three days. Well, you could just put a two or a three day number in that switch and then it would just water every two or three days. You know, um, so uh, I, I tried to make this thing uh, when I was building it in mind of a grower, you know, so that uh, I could put in all the bells and whistles that would be necessary, I felt, uh, in order for this unit to do what it was designed to do, which is take your place in the garden just temporarily so that you can go enjoy some downtime, you know? I mean, we all need that, you know, to work all day. And, and I know uh, gardening, for me, it's a pleasure. It's not really a work, but I need to get away with my wife and do things with her. I just can't isolate myself in the garden and just think life is hunky-dory. There's two of us in this relationship. And uh, so, you know, you gotta make it work for everyone if you're gonna have a happy, Happy wife, happy life, all right? <laughs> Just remember that, keep that in mind. Uh, so over here, I have all the outlets and I just have blue tape here now, but eventually I'm gonna get real stickers up here. So there's all the outlets on the top. I've got all the switches so that you can manually do every, you, manually you could do some things right here from the front of the panel here. Um, on my tank uh, that waters my plants, it's, uh, I have a Y at the bottom of that. And uh, so one leg goes to your, to water your plants and then the other leg goes into a testing bucket. I, I really wish, um, I if, if it was po at all possible Eagle, one day, if you could have me back on where I could maybe zoom in on my phone and then I could be down in my garden and actually show uh, my setup because it's, without actually seeing it, and I've, I've tried not to take too many pictures of it um, until I was uh, legally authorized to. So I am now, and so I can share this. This is amazing that you, I, because I just got this done like Friday or Saturday, and, um, and all, we got all the good news. And uh, so I was able to talk about this thing now. Um, so it's been a while. Um, that's essentially my box. It's a... Uh, it's a 12 by 12, six inches deep electrical box, metal box. It's pretty heavy. It weighs probably about 25 pounds. And um, uh, it's got, I've got thermal overloads here on the back as well. So that, uh, you know, if you ever get a short or something happens and uh, you know, you're thermally protected, uh, these, these breakers ought to pop. And then uh, that'll kill the circuit, the power to the circuits there. I, um, I, I was using, it, it's always really good to know what you're, like how much current you're using in your basement, like in, in the appliances. Like you guys, most of us probably know, coal fans, you know, they, they draw what, like maybe 35, 50 watts maybe, so they don't draw hardly anything. A regular fan that you might use to move the air around inside your garden, that's not drawing very much electricity either. But high, high amperage, devices like AC units, dehumidifiers, those things you guys really need to be aware of how much amps they pull, all right, because it's very easy to start a fire, and that's the last thing any of us want. So um, 
I would highly recommend anybody that's getting into growing, you have an interest or, or maybe you've already been growing for a while and things are going great, but once in a while, go over to your outlet and put your hand on the plug that you've plugged into your outlet. Feel it. Does it feel hot? If it does, you might be right on the cusp of maybe being too, drawing too much into that uh, circuit. And there's one way that you could be sure how much current you're drawing into a circuit um, uh, from your from the devices that you have, and that's very easy. You can you can buy an item like this. It's called an amp clamp. You can get them at Home Depot. The, um, I'm not sure if you can see it on you on YouTube. I hope so. Um, and what it what it does is it's got this little clamp part right here. You open it up like that, and then you put the wire through here, and then you you close that. And uh, oh, I don't know what happened to my live feed. Okay, here we go. Thank you, Eagle. Um, so, uh, so you put the clamp on there, and then you just turn it over to amps, and then you read the display. It's very easy, and it'll tell you how much current you're drawing, and it, and it's very good. Like you should have, turn everything on, your lights, whatever you're using in there. And then one thing that you need, I said that this clamp has to go around a wire. So what you do is you take a regular extension cord, right? Just like this one, I got a regular extension cord here. And here's what I did. I just took the insulation off this little strip here about four or five inches, right? To expose the three wires that are inside here. We got a green wire, which is your ground. You got a white wire, which is your neutral and a black wire, which is your load. The load is the one that you want inside the clamp, right? So you plug this in, you've got your, your devices plugged into here. You put your clamp around that, you, you close it, and then you turn it on and have all your devices on, and then you can read how much current is being drawn there. So if you're running a 15 amp current, you know, um, you just want to make sure that you're not up real close to that, you know, especially on anything that's running continuously. If uh, something's running continuously and you're pulling 15 amps and you're on a 15 amp breaker, boy, you're just asking for trouble. Um, for things that pull a lot of current, like say AC units and dehumidifiers and stuff, they come on and off because their compressors work on and off and then the fans just run. So at different times, they're drawing different amounts of electricity. That's okay. Like if that was up at 15 amps, that's okay because sometime it's gonna kick back down. Like it's, it's, it's just good to monitor it, you know, uh, and just be aware. Uh, the last thing any of us wanna do is start a fire. And me in particular, this house that I'm living in, is a hundred year old house. And I've been up in the attic, I've been all over this house and that wood is so dry, it'd be like a match going up. This whole house would go up in no time. And uh, so uh, fire, you know, that's probably the thing that scares me the most. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of this thing. It took me a long time to build it. And I've uh, I thought about a lot of stuff. I've, I've got, um, uh, is, is it'll, I also have, uh, so it runs your main lights, right? Just like a timer, it runs the lights. You you tell it when you want it to go on and off and for how long. It also, I also have a plug in there for red lights for initiator lights. And then you also get to put in um, your time, how long you want those lights to come on before your regular lights come on. And then you also can program them for a different length of time 
after the lights go off when those red lights come back on, right? Isn't that the way those initiator lights are supposed to work? They come on before your main lights come on, and then they go, they come on after your main lights go out. And I guess that's to wake up the plants and allow them to go back to sleep quicker. I guess it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, so I've incorporated that into this, even though I don't use it myself, I know it works. Um, because I've just plugged a regular light into that outlet to test it to make sure <laughs> to make sure that everything's working like it should. Um, so you know I've got temperature control, uh, heater control, uh, dehumidifier. Um, I've got a mixing pump, uh, mixing air stone and tank that's that's all incorporated into the water system so that as soon as any water starts getting pumped into my um, my watering tank, I call it my watering tank. It's, it's like I said, a three gallon funnel. And uh, as soon as the liquid starts going in there, uh, the air stones kick in, starts um, moving things about. And um, then uh, after the water fills up, then the tea will start getting pumped into that same tank. And again, the air stones just moving, going bad out of hell, mixing everything up. And then if you wanted to add something extra, like sometimes, you know, guys add a little extra, like I, I'll add some recharge or some EM1 uh, once a week. I tend to alternate between those two. And I'll just add a little bit into my watering tank and I let it just mix up in there and then I just let it get uh, fed to the plants. Um, I'm sure it makes all my hoses look dirty. <laughs> they were all nice and clean, but now they're all here at the end of my run. I just harvested and um, but they're they all need to be taken out and be cleaned you know that way i get all the stuff out of them um uh, so that i'm ready for the next run and everything's measured like if you say that you want uh uh 64 ounces of liquid into that uh, watering tank that's what you're gonna get because it's measured you know everything's measured so uh you know what you're getting you know what you're putting in there and then uh the and Initially, I um, when I was first setting this up, I didn't I didn't have that set up inside my tent because I I'm uh, probably one of one of the weakest parts is is um, for me is um, is manufacturing not manufacturing but like uh, coming up with a great design of something like my dad he's like you know super duper he can you know he's a great woodworker and he can just put things together you know but I had to really think about how I could mount this inside my tent because you don't want it outside your tent. You know, how are you gonna bring it in, you know, and then water your plants, you know, it really needs to be in there inside your tent. So I uh, put my, my little squirrel mind together and let things just go haywire up there. And, uh, uh, and uh, so I, I made it out of PVC pipe. I used three quarter inch PVC pipe that I cut in like, um, I made a little square, like 10 inch square on the bottom. Then I used the right type of connectors so that I could put this little stand up about four feet tall. So that, that thing stands up about four feet tall and then the stand to the tank sits on top of that and it has its own little metal frame. So the way that I secured that is I took my I took my metal stand and the point of the stand that, that um, supports the tank, I put the point of it across the straight part of the square. And then I marked those, uh, I marked where those cross with pencils. And then I took my circular saw and I set the depth to a quarter of an inch. And then I cut all the tops just a quarter of an inch across all those tops. 
and now my metal frame sits right on top of that and then I wire tied it nice and tight down. So now it's like one complete unit that sits inside my tent. Then on the back half of that PVC pipe, I also wire tied that, uh, zip tied it to my uh, tent pole in the corner. And right, under, right underneath uh, this, my tank sits right underneath one of the openings uh, to the ceiling of my tent. And it also sits right next to an opening on the side of my tent. So from the top, I have my pH meter and my PPM meter in there. And that's where my, um, uh, all my, sen my those sensors come in there. And then my water and my pH balancing solutions come in from the side little port, and then they come into the tent, uh, into the tank as well for the mixing and then the pH. And, like you can set this pH wherever you want. It's gonna balance, it's gonna balance towards it. It's just gonna take some time. So one thing I learned in using my system is that you need to um, be aware. Like I know that sometimes when I use, uh, 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 I have this like kelp, a concentrated kelp um, uh, big bottle, you know, and it's, it's good for, the microbes and I know kelp's really good. It's all organic. And um, whenever I use that, it throws my pH so far up. I mean, I'm up at, I'm up around eight or nine, uh, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like eight and a half or something like that. So I'm trying to get down to 6.8 on my pH so that I can feed my plants, right? I'm way off. So I, I let it go just to see how long it would actually take. And it took about uh, 30 minutes when it was that far off in order to finally balance because um, the balancing is a, is, a, is a tricky thing. You know, um, if, if uh, you want to balance, you want to be able to balance no matter how far off you are, but if you're adding too much, then you're, you're going to overshoot, you know? So you're going to either go past uh, where you want to be. Uh, and, and so you, before the reading on the sensor can catch up, you know? It's kind of like when you dump a whole lot of CO2 into your space initially, and it looks good, but then you wait five or 10 minutes for the meter to actually measure what's in there. And then now you're getting a true reading, okay? So, uh, so I know that when I use a very concentrated stuff, I know too, I need to stagger my watering times a bit further apart because the one thing about my system is you can't have them overlapping. All right. So, but if I'm just doing like my regular tea, like I brew up a, um, a, a heavier tea in, with phosphorus and potassium in it and a very light um, um, nitrogen mix, you know, for my flowering stage. And I've got that brewing up in a one gallon container. And when I measure, when the PPMs get measured, I'm up around, you know, six, 800, maybe a thousand PPMs, depending on the amount that I put in the concentration. Now those, when it pH balances that, that can be done in like less than five minutes because my pH is only gonna be around seven, five or something like that when I add that T. And then, so to balance from seven, five down to six, eight or six, five, that's, that's a lot uh, easier done. So you just, as a grower, if you were gonna be using a system like mine, and I, I would recommend, you know, that you kind of get to know like uh, uh, when you, if you, put in all this extra stuff, you know, like where you are and how long it'll take to balance so that you're not 
um, overlapping watering events because that's when you that's when you'll run into problems. Um, so uh, I feel confident, um, and uh, I I go down there and just babysit it. I just watch it. Everything's all set up. I I can do it from my phone. It's got a Wi-Fi access. I have all the same screens that you see on the touch screen that I have downstairs are also on my phone. And actually, you know what? I think I think my box is still running. Um, so let me just do this real quick, uh, just so I can give you a, a shot of at least the main screen, so I can at least show you uh, what I've got. Uh, I know in chat there, they're asking. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't You've got tons of questions, but uh, first I, question they kind of asked were, uh, what was the programming language that uh, you were using? Okay, uh, my programming language is all ladder logic. So it's, um, anybody who's familiar with programming, that's the only programming language I know, and that's how I program this, this PLC, is through ladder logic. Um, and anybody who's familiar with PLCs and, you know, it's, they use counters and timers and, uh, you know, switches and uh, coils and, you know, all that. So you just have, have to tie it all together. Um, and that's what I did. So I've got a complete program. And another thing I want to emphasize too, even though it's all in one box, if, if let's just say that your pH sensor went out on you, right? Things happen. Sensors go bad, the equipment fails. I've gotten stuff brand new off the shelf at where I work and it has been, and it's a fail, it's a, it's a bad product. So that, that happens. Uh, so you just have to be aware if you work with equipment long enough, you realize things fail. And um, uh, um, I'm sorry, you got lost my train of thought. <laughs> if you could bring me back. I, we were talking about equipment and uh, having it fail. Um, but you would ask that all equipment fails. Oh yeah. Um, the, the initial question was the programming language does the PLC use? And then the next question, Dr. Buzzlier Acetone is asking Alan Bradley or what uh, model PLC? Okay, I am using uh, Automation Direct. Um, I thought about using Alan Bradley, but I decided to go with Automation Direct um, because I thought it was a better deal. Uh, I tried to get me get them to give me a discount, like, but there's no way. I, I have to sell. You have to sell so much first, and then they'll give you a discount. So in order for me to, because I was trying to think, well, how can I drop this price so that everybody would be like, oh man, that's I can afford. I can get that. You know, I live an active lifestyle, and I would like to go away for a weekend and be able to leave my girls. You know, not everybody has that trusted guy that can come into your house and you're willing to give your keys to and say, here's my whole house, man. You got it. You run the show. You know, um, not, every, not everybody's got that guy. If you got that guy, you hold on to that guy. He's worth a million dollars, you know. Um, but, uh, but if you don't have that guy, um, then you need a box. You, you need some sort of control system. And we all use it anyway. We're all using timers and that's all a sort of control you know whether you want to you know it is it's just uh, how much control that's all this gives you all of all the control and um uh so 
uh, with the, so like I was saying before, even though everything's in one box and I have all these different controls, right? Temperature, CO2, a fan, AC, dehumidifier. Um, I've got all this going on, pH, BPM, all that's going on. If you were to lose, like say your pH sensor went out on you, you could still water. If you knew, like if you weren't worried about what your pH was, if you had been running the same tea or you've been feeding the same feed and you're and you say, all right, well, this meter's gone out. I'll just add a few more microbes, maybe recharge in there, help try and balance out this system. But I'm, I still got to feed my plants and I'm still going to use this. You can. You can still water. There's a I put in a bypass switch and I also have a calibration switch in there. So I've tried to make this so user friendly that um, and the devices that I'm using, I, I wish, I wish, I wish so much that um, I could buy all of my products right here in the States. I've looked, I've tried Amazon, I've tried looking for US uh, distributors of the equipment that I need. And I've, I've also reached out to a few, but it's their pricing is so high that if, if I go with one of their sensors, then there's no way people are gonna spend four, five, six thousand dollars for a box. I wouldn't spend it, you know. I'd, I, you know, I'd, I'd have a real hard time justifying it. Um, but um, so, um, so I, 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 I had to go to China, unfortunately. So I got this uh, China pH meter and 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 this nice little um, uh, calibration box that goes with it, and it, that's that's its power source, and. Um, I really like it, uh, and I've learned a lot from using the pH meters. I used to have a little handheld, and uh, before I even built this system, and um, and it threw me off. I mean, I, I almost killed off my plants. They they looked so bad because I was trusting that meter, and you know, trust but verify. And I didn't have a second meter to verify. And how do I know if I buy one of these ten or fifteen dollar meters? How do I know if it's good? Like like. Um, so I decided to go with the fail safe option, which is the drops. I love the drops. I love filling up that little cylinder with about halfway to three quarters of water and putting in three drops and shaking it. And I can easily tell if I'm in the pH range where I'm supposed to be. And I always take a sample from my little donuts. Uh, when I water, I take that little thing and I'll, I've got an indent in one of my pots and I put that thing in there and the water drips into it when I'm feeding my plants and then I go check it out to make sure that it's where it should be. And, um, you know, all things tend to drift and have to get in calibration once in a while. So I've set this thing up so that you can actually calibrate it uh, using the, the two solutions um, that they send with it. One is a four 4.0 pH, and then I think the other one's a 9.16 pH. And um, so I've incorporated that switch also. You just flip on the calibration switch, and then uh, you take that pH meter and put it into your, and then you just would follow the instructions on how to calibrate. And it's very simple. It's uh, pushing one button and watching the lights. The lights tell you what to do next. You know, it's just a series of pushing this this little box, a button on the box that, um, that calibrates it. And then, uh, and then you're back in business. I, I haven't calibrated my pH meter on this run at all. So I'm gonna do it at the end, after I harvest and I clean out that tent and I get it, reset it, then I will recalibrate that pH meter 
before I start the next run. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to see how long I can go without having to pH uh, calibrate, like how accurate am I? And um, without needing to do that all the time. And so far this, this pH is, uh, uh, meter sensor that I'm using has been holding out pretty good. It's uh, I've seen it advertised a few places, um, but I haven't seen the box that I get from China um, at anywhere else. I just see the probe, but I don't see this little calibration box. And I feel like that's a very important feature because that allows the user to calibrate his uh, pH uh, sensor at any time. Uh, so I'm checking how long I can go without calibrating. And I'm also checking uh, how long will this pH pen last. So I just put it in, um, like I said, before this run started, uh, I don't know how long it'll last. I hope it'll last me many years, uh, but we'll see. You know, so I, I just don't know. <laughs> I just keep using it and I'll use it for as long as it lasts and then uh, I'll have to get another one. Um, so I, um, Let's see, I, I don't know, are there any other uh, questions? Uh, I, I haven't really been watching this, um, my, uh, oh yeah, I wanted to tell you guys too, like the heater, right? Um, in my tent, I'm just running a five by five uh, tent. And I, and I know they make heaters in all different styles. And, and so when I was looking for a heater, I knew I wanted to get something that was fairly low power. Right, because again, I'm, I'm, I'm always conscientious of power. So um, I managed to find off of Amazon, one of those little radiator heaters, and it was only 400 watts. I bought three of them. I can't find them anymore. They're, they're the bomb. These things are the best thing. And um, uh, they only draw 400 watts, and that's if you haven't turned up all the way. And you know, in a tent, it's just a matter of time. That's all. You don't need a 1500 watt heater in a five by five tent. I mean, I wouldn't use one. Uh, and, and just like my AC unit, the original AC unit I had drew 14 amps. That's a lot of current. It was made for a bedroom. And it's, it's one of those stand up self standing uh, air conditioning units that has like a vent dryer on the back end that then that's where all the hot air escapes to. And so I had that going through one of the, one of the access holes on the bottom of my tent, you know, that's how I get the hot air out. I put that, that hose through there. And, um, but I bought this one from Home Depot that uh, only draws eight amps. So I lowered my electricity usage by six amps. And when you're using it, you know, 12 hours at a time, uh, that, that's a big cost savings. And, and my tent, you know, it'll get cold in there. It just, it just takes a little bit longer. Just like if you're using a smaller watt heater, it's, it's going to warm up in there, get you to where you want to be. It's just going to take a little bit longer. So you just got to be a little patient. You know, you don't, um, when you go with the high stuff, when you go with the big stuff, um, then you really need to be conscientious about how many outlets you're using, you know. Uh, and again, if somebody, I build this thing custom. So if you were to call me and, and get a hold of me through Cannabuzz or Instagram and DM message me and you and you were serious about getting a hold of one of these things from me, um, I would custom build this for you. So let's just say I'm using right now, um, uh, I draw maybe eight amps uh, or nine amps right around there for my lights, for the, all the lights that I use on this one circuit. 
and then I had my PLC on that circuit as well. So it's 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 running about eight or nine amps because the PLC doesn't use hardly anything to run. Uh, and and the only time those other there's is any draw on that is when one of your pumps is running when one of the and they're all DC so they're it's all very low low voltage uh, low current. You're not in in my setup. You're not dealing with a bunch of high pressure and uh, high voltage stuff. You know, it's just not. So, I I would I would ask you when you contacted me, like, how many watts are you pulling for your lights? You know, what kind of heat are you using? You know, and then um, we might have to make some slight changes to this box in order to meet your requirements. You know. So I'm not just offering a cookie cutter box. It goes out to everybody. I'm, it's a custom box and I'm, I build them myself. It's just me. And uh, um, and I have a regular job. So so um, my time to work on these is very limited. I could probably push out one or, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to say, I don't know how long, I don't know how many I could push out in a month. It, so um, it would take some time. And uh, um, I know I could do, a few a month. I just don't know exactly how many because some of this stuff is just time-consuming work. You know, when you start doing all the soldering of the cables, when you got to knock out all these holes in this metal box, all these circular holes, all these square holes, they all got to be punched out and they got to be punched out right so that there's not a lot of wiggle room, you know? You don't want to go up to your outlet and find out that it's wiggling, you know? You want it to fit nice, you know? So, um, so I take my time and I want to do it right and I make sure it's working right and I will test it before it leaves this house um, and make sure that everything is running. I will set it through a test to make sure all the sensors are operating, all the pumps are operating, and then all you got to do is just the final connections, you know, um, to your end to your end devices, you know, um, because you'll all these cables I make, uh, I think are on 15 or 20 foot runs. I'd have to measure them again. I think it's, it could be 20 feet that I made them on. Uh, so I made it so that you could put this box almost anywhere and then just run the wires where they need to go. You know, like inside my tent, I have my CO2 monitor and I have my uh, my humid humidity monitor, my temperature monitor. You know, those, those are all sitting real nice inside the middle of the tent. And I like to keep them right at the, uh, at the right in the garden uh, foliage, you know, I like to keep it at the same height. I'm very lucky that um, in my tent and the way that I've designed it, uh, I've got two, I've got them separated. So I've got uh, my, my watering manifold sits in the middle of my tent. So it kind of separates my tent to two sides. So I've got the plants on both sides of my tent and then they each have their own lights sitting above them. And um, uh, because of that, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not real crowded in there, you know, in the center part, and um, uh, it, it allows me room to do stuff and uh, um, flexibility. Um, let's see, there's also a data log. There's also data logging. Um, I can't say I'm in love with the data logging screen on the touch panel. That I would say that's the one thing about my setup I don't care for. Um, that's not where you would go to look at the data log. You wouldn't go to that screen. Just know that it's being saved. And what you can do, there's a free program. And, um, and I was walked through how to set it up. And, uh, and so you just, you would download the file that's on your 
on the touch screen. I've, I've got, um, my house is all networked, right? So in my basement, I've got a Wi-Fi extender down there, range extender. So I can take my laptop down there and my phone and I've got internet signal down there. And I need that because my touch screen, which sits down there, has to be hooked up to the network so I can phone in uh, with my telephone. I don't phone in, I just, it's an app, you know, you just punch it up, bring it up on the app, and then you go through the screens to, to do whatever it is that you wanted to do, you know. And I've also got alarms set up, and you get to set those alarms for yourself. Like I got an alarm for my humidity at 80%, I get an email. And boy, I can't tell you how that has saved me. I have been up here and um, what, what I like to do is uh, I like to leave my coal fan running to control all my environment conditions inside as long as, uh, as, long as it can. Uh, but then eventually the humidity, because I am in my basement, I am in New England, it does get humid up here and um, the humidity will start to creep up. And sure enough, uh, uh, and you guys know, right? When lights out, uh, you you get that humidity spike. Every everybody's aspirating, right? You got all these leaves and all this humidity in the air. And if it wasn't for that email alert, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have known. All I had to do was, okay, I got the email alert. Oh shit, that's right. I forgot to turn on my AC unit. So I punched it up on my telephone. I didn't have to run down to the basement, three flights of stairs. I just get on my phone push the button, turn on the AC unit. Boom, taken care of. Three minutes later, I look at my, um, I also have one of these uh, thermal pros, right? I use that in my, uh, uh, in my basement, in my uh, grow rooms as well, right? So I can, so I have another way to tell what the temperature and humidity is in there besides my sensor that's in there. So this is like my redundancy. So I can kind of check to make sure that everything is in fact what it is. Uh, to make sure that one of my sensors hasn't failed in my in my grow space. Um, so sure enough, uh, it was 80%. I, three minutes later, it's uh, you know I can see it dropping, going through the 70s down into the 60s, right where it needs to be. You know, so it's it's things like that. You know, uh, little little things that a grower might miss. You know, if, if I had to miss that and then it had been 80% all night, I, I don't know what kind of damage I might have done to my plants. You know, I don't know if I could have introduced powdery mildew, if I might have set the conditions right for that to occur, or, or maybe bud rot, you know, if I'm close enough to harvest. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I don't, you know, I'm so new and I'm still learning, you know, <laughs> about all this stuff and all the pitfalls that you can run into, you know, and the, and there are many. And uh, so it's it's good. I'm, I'm happy about what I built because as a, I built it from a grower's perspective, I didn't I didn't do like all these LED light manufacturers did when they first started building lights for us growers. They built red LEDs and blue LEDs and maybe you got some white ones in there too, but they weren't full spectrum. They either gave you all blue or all red, you know, the blurple lights, we all got them, uh, blurple uh, lights. And I still use them, I still have them. I still use them in my veg tent and they kick ass in there. So as long as they do good um, in my veg tent and I'm not missing anything, I'll, I'll continue to use them. And um, I had a big beast of a rapid LED that I bought that I built out of cobs, you know, nine cobs into this huge uh, frame that I built um, and I put together and along with, the, you know, they look like, uh, what's that guy? Art Simpson, right? He's got that hair, spiky hair, right? So I got those aluminum heat, 
things, right, with all the little spiky things on them. So they look kind of cool, but it was it was a bear to muscle around. You know, this thing probably weighed 60 or 70 pounds after I got it all done, plus the frame, you know, and then I'm trusting it to hold up in my tent. And the longer I looked at it, and it was so hard to move around, I, it really freaked me out. You know, I, I, I decided I had to do something about it. So I ended up breaking it into two lights. So I have a, a string of five cobs and I have a string of four cobs. And I put those in two separate little uh, fixtures, frames. Um, and, and that's what I did. I turned that one big light into two little lights that push out about 300 watts each. And I have those in my, um, I have three tents. So I have two veg tents and one flower tent. And so I veg everything up for my flower tent. And I try and keep that going all the time. You know, try and keep that uh, um, full without any downtime. And uh, I just upgraded after seeing, uh, I realized that I needed more space in my tent. You know, I wasn't satisfied with a five by five. So I'm going to totally revamp my basement here when I get back from vacation. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've got plants in bed, but I'm going for a week. I'm going to be gone. And uh, my system's going to handle it all. I'm going to move all those plants into my veg tent, into the flower tent. But I have a veg cycle, of course. My box is set up for veg and flower. And um, so for the lighting and uh so i'm gonna set it up for the flower for the veg cycle and um and uh let those guys uh let those gals uh live in there while i'm gone and uh you know, we'll see this will be the first time i've actually been gone for a whole week and then i come back so <laughs> uh knock on wood as long as i don't have any failures any pumps power failures or anything like that i should be okay and uh you know in veg I feel like you're, you, you, there's a little give there. There's a little bit of forgiveness on the veg side, right, guys, right? Um, your humidity can spike up. That's okay. They'll take it. You know, they love it. They love that type of environment. So um, I won't have to have as many things running while I'm gone, just essentially the lights and just keeping the water cycle going. I'll probably put a, um, I don't think I'll even put the air conditioner on. I might have it in there in case I need it, but I, I don't think so. Uh, there won't be any reason, you know. There's no reason to drop the temperatures. I'll just just let it be the lights and, and the watering cycle. And I, I have all the confidence it's going to run just fine. And, I, and, and another thing, too, is you can monitor the watering. It's not just setting it up and then you let it go and then you're out in space wondering if things are running right. I've got a screen in here. That you can watch that watering event. You, you on that screen, you're putting in how much ounces you want per plant, and then it does the math depending on how many plants you have. So if you've got, say, you've got a, eight plants in your in your um, in your tent, and and you want, I don't know, a quart to each one, uh, uh, whatever that would work out to be, stay total. So remember you're limited by two and three quarter gallon max capacity so but but you can do several waterings you know that's the benefit you can do sh smaller waterings but several of them um uh so so this tent will be good to go and uh i think uh um it, it should water just fine and and it should be just fine and when i get back um, I'm actually going to look for a retirement home. Can you believe that? I'm, I'm, this is what kills me. I hope that before I move uh, there, so I still have a few years. So it's a, it's an investment. You know, it's an investment in our retirement because I feel like um, there is just so much uncertainty 
and interest rates are at the lowest I've seen them uh, in a long, long time for a mortgage. So anybody out there who's thinking about buying a house, boy, this is the time. Don't wait. Get yourselves locked in and then start looking, you know, because at least you're locked in. Most most times, if you lock into a mortgage, you're good for 60 days. You're good on that lock-in, so um, on that rate. So, you know, with the election coming around the corner and you just don't know, there's a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, you know, uh, right now we're looking at around two and a half, three percent interest rate for a 30 year mortgage. And if you double that just at six percent, even if it just went up to six percent and 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 I'm afraid what I'm afraid of is, is that if if it, if it goes the wrong way, we're not looking at six percent. We're, we're going to be looking at like 15 or 20 percent. This is going to be, become buying a house is going to become hard uh, again. And we, we went through that. We went through that once in the 70s with Jimmy Carter. I don't know if any of you guys were around to see that, but I was. And I was just a kid. But I remember being in the lines to get gas, odd and even days to go get gas. And interest rates were so high like that at the time. You, you couldn't buy a house. So uh, anybody who's on the fence and you, you've been thinking about it for a while, don't hesitate any longer. Get a hold of a, a mortgage guy and start submitting the paperwork so you can get your your investment. So, so I'm going to a, a, a non-legal state. So I'm moving from a legal state, which I've enjoyed. I mean, think about it. I come from the past where the, everything was illegal everywhere. And you'd go to jail just for having a little tiny seed, you know? And, uh, and then you never had, to, then you had to worry about the cops that were out there to just take your stuff. I mean, I, I got a story about that too. When I was in Virginia, we skipped school on Friday, went driving out to the Williamsburg Parkway out in Virginia. Beautiful, beautiful place out in the country, out just a beautiful place out in the fall. The leaves were changing and we saw this little dirt road and we turned down that dirt road and we drove down that dirt road about 50 yards and then it just ended. It was just a road to nowhere. And so we thought, all right, uh, we're going to smoke. This way we came to the spot. Now we're going to light up and smoke. And we're sitting in the car, me and my two buddies. And I'm in the back seat and they're in the front seat. And I, I was selling them a half ounce. I, I had an ounce on me. And I was going to sell them a half ounce. And uh, and then my friend looks in his rear view and says, oh, no, guys, there's a, there's a police car pulling up right behind us. There's nowhere to go. I mean, where do you go? You're on a dirt road. There's woods all around you. You know, so we just sat in there. Sure enough, he come up to the car. <laughs> hey, guys, what are you doing back here? And of course, we had just lit one up. So, of course, there's smoke everywhere. And we couldn't roll down the windows fast enough to get air it out. And he uh, pulled them two guys out of the front uh, car, had them, uh, you know, search them. And they didn't have anything. I'm, I'm the guy that's got it, you know. So he finally pulls me out of the back. And... Uh, says empty out your pockets and so sure enough I had a half ounce in my right front pocket and uh he he took it from me you know and he opens it up and smells it looks at it and says you guys I'm not gonna take you to jail I'm gonna let you guys go and I'm gonna just confiscate this is crap I don't know why you buy this and spend your money on this he took it man he took it and that's it I, I mean to this day, either he smoked it himself or he sold it. It wasn't bad weed. <laughs> you know? And uh, so we got back in the car and, and he left and we were just sitting there still. And I said, well, you guys, you still want to buy a half ounce? 
And I said, he never did tap my ankle, which is where the other half ounce was. It was in the sock in my ankle. That's where I put it. So we still had something to smoke. They still bought a half ounce from me. Um, and we had a little something to smoke. Uh, so that was my, that's my one police story. <laughs> we almost got in trouble. Uh, kind of dodged a lot of little bullets like that throughout my life, um, which is great. It's good because, uh, you know, back in the day, you just get into so much trouble over such a little thing. You know, when you think about it, um, back before the 1900s, if you look at medical journals, they used cannabis everywhere. They used cannabis for all sorts of ailments. It wasn't until the cotton industry. I, I think that's where it turned. The cotton industry got a hold of the uh, legislators and they decided to illegal cannabis and marijuana because the cotton industry didn't want to compete with the hemp industry for clothing. I think that's what I think that's where this all went. And we're, you know, so we've been at an uphill battle fighting against something that's been demonized all these years. And we and this is another thing I love. Many props to you guys out in Chad, you guys at, at Eagle himself, and all you guys in this community that come on here. And I've listened to you guys, and you guys have a wealth of knowledge, and you guys break the stereo stoner type. This is what I love, man. Every, you know, we're not just those guys in those days and confused. You know, we're not like that. You know, I mean, uh, it's nice to have those moments and to have fun and joke around. Well, but but we have lives and we're productive human beings. We're not just a bunch of stoners who just get high and just have no life. You know what I guess? You know what I'm saying? So I, I want to add to the breaking the stoner stereotype with this damn boss and and all you guys to get on there from and i don't even want to start mentioning names i have names that i could mention but i don't want to leave anybody out because i feel like you're all i've gotten so much information from all you people that get on there and and the eagle um gives this forum to to at least give a shout out to the community and say hey i'm here you know reach out to me um and uh you know, many props to all you guys, man. I, I really enjoyed listening to you guys. And I would love to uh, go to some of these shows, you know. Uh, I know they have one up in Boston, but it's it's lame as far as I'm concerned because you can't get high there. You can't go and partake. So what the hell, man? I went to one with my wife. We went, we walked around, we, we gathered plenty of material. We saw a lot of neat stuff. And it's very interesting, but I wanted to partake, you know. And there's none of you guys that we're at that that are at those shows. So I'm gonna have to go to one of these cups out in Colorado or Michigan where I get a chance to meet all you people. You know, I'm dying to shake your hand, Eagle, and guys like Rasta Jeff and the Embracing Organic Show guys, and then all the Michigan Grow Bro guys that do all the all your other shows that you guys do, like Tara and Dan and Skillbo and Sequence and uh, Spartan Grown and all the rest of you guys, man. Yeah. And all you guys from chat, man, I'd love those. Just shake your hands, all you guys, man. I see your names all the time up there. And um, here I have this laptop set up and and I haven't even been looking at chat. So I apologize to you guys that have been, I've had this thing up and I, I've only glanced over here once or twice to see what's going on. Um, uh, so, but many props and uh, I, I love this community and, and, I like, and I like the people and it's a lot of friendly people and I've learned a lot, 
and RSO does kill cancer. I'm, I'm just so totally convinced. Uh, those people, if you type in Rick Simpson oil testimonials on YouTube, you'll be surprised how many hit people have uh, put their stories out there on YouTube. And, and I picked two out, two out in particular that I showed. Um, I it's always real hard for me to approach my father uh, that I'm doing this. Um, uh, my dad's 88 years old. He's uh, he's still kicking around. Still got it all together in his head. And, you know, he's a little bit overweight, but he's still getting around, driving. You know, does everything. So maintains his old household. So, uh, uh, but he came out here to visit me um, maybe six, eight months ago. He drove out and uh, with his girlfriend, 83 years old, <laughs> and uh, so. Um, but, so I decided I was going to show him, you know, because she's a cancer survivor. And so one thing that she told me was she says, if I got can if it comes back again, she's had both her breasts removed, um, she had double mastectomy. She says, if it ever comes back again, I'm not going through that again. I'm not going through the chemo, burning your throat. You can't eat. You can't taste nothing. The chemo kills all your regular. So your body becomes so weak from all the crap they give you to try and kill this cancer that um that it's killing you you know it's like then then you get the flu and you die of the flu because you got nothing left to fight the flu you know so um i'm just a big believer after seeing all these videos so i brought it up i brought them two videos up and showed my dad and one of them was a guy who had stage four pancreatic cancer it's the one that sticks with me the most because at the end of the video if you see his wife's reaction to the realization that he is alive with her today, still working now, back at work, still playing, now playing with the kids. And he's a young guy, younger than me, with young kids and had stage four pancreatic cancer. And he was dying, dude, he was dying. They showed his picture. If you see this video, you come across this video. He's sitting in a recliner. He looks like a hundred year old man the cancer throughout his body had reached a level of up to like 5,000 of a measurement. I guess they measure the cancer cells maybe. I don't know what it is, but it was over 5,000. They told him he had less than a month to live. So he decided to have a going away party for all of his relatives that he knew that could come and see him, that he could say goodbye to. And lucky for him, he had family in Colorado. And what they do? They brought RSO oil, but they didn't give it to him. You know what they did? They put it in his wife's stocking that hung over the fireplace. They didn't even know it was in there until after everybody had left and they were cleaning up the house that they found 15 little vials of that oil sitting in there. And uh, he refused to take it at first. He was like, I'm, this is a pro-legalization movement. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of that. And then he thought about it. Dude, I'm dying. I'm dying. And uh, he started to take this. And you know what? He's alive. He's back at work. He's working again. He's playing with his kids. He's having his normal life. His last count on that video was back down to when he originally first got diagnosed, which was like 100. So it's almost all gone. So RSO was doing it. You know, even the doctors were amazed. And where, where he was and his wife at the end of the video, when she said, she's like, I can't believe he's here. 
I can't believe I still have my husband. He's back at work. He's playing with the kids. She was tearing up and breaking up. She could barely hold it together, dude. You know, that, that's what this community is doing for people, you know? And uh, I, I just think that's really important. And, uh, you know, so I spread the news, man. I tell, I tell everybody. I, I tell everybody I come across to, and I'm so disappointed. Like, I just got the message last night that a cousin of ours died of lung cancer. Stage four, she just died last night, 1130 at night. It was, um, it was my ex-wife's cousin, but I knew her. I knew Barbara. And, um, and I just wish I had known. I wish, I wish somebody had told me she was battling cancer. I, I would have done all I could to make the oil and taken it to her myself. I mean, I just have a little source extract. And one of the reasons I bought a bigger tent, a five by 10, is so I could up my game a little bit. You know, in the state, you you're able to grow 12 plants, you know, so I'm going to up my flower game a little bit, you know, so I can make a little bit more, uh, so I can, so I can make some oil and, and I'll take it. I know it works and I don't know how much I'm supposed to take. I, I know I, I follow the recipe. I, I decarbolize it before I even extract it. And then I'm using, um, Everclear is my alcohol and I'm using the extract craft. So it does a real good, uh, um, job of uh, getting out almost all of the alcohol, almost all the alcohol is gone out of that thing when, uh, when I take it. And then I didn't know that most of the guys are just using double O caps, capsules. I, I bought the triple O capsules and then they're just filling up the little end. I'm filling up the big end. And dude, I'm, the reason I'm taking it was because I thought I had cancer. I was getting all this pain in my lower back and in my hips. And I have cancer on both sides of my family. My dad had prostate cancer. My mom had breast cancer and lost a breast to a breast cancer, but they're both still alive. They're both still with us today. Um, so thank God for that. Um, but they gave me these lidocaine patches, all right? I mean, because I'm in the military, I can, you know, I go get all my health coverage through them because it doesn't cost me anything. And uh, so I go see them. And uh, so they gave me these lidocaine patches for the pain they work for like two or three hours and that's it. And then they're gone. And that's an opioid base, right? It's lidocaine. It's a like cocaine base, just like all a lot of the other stuff is. So um, I thought, you know, this just isn't working for me. So I decided to get the source extract and, and I started to fill up and I filled up the big size of that capsule. Now I've never had any luck with gummies or I would love I want to meet some of you guys that make these extracts because I got to take an extract that gets me off. I have not had an extract that, that, that I feel like gets me high unless it's a different type of high for everybody. And I'm just not picking up on that yet, you know, because I know it works because when I take that pill, I have pain relief. I, my pain in my lower back and hips don't bother me. And I can go to work and I can put out all day long and get a good day's work. And it'll last me 24 hours before the pain is back and I got to take another pill. So I would much rather go that route than go with the lidocaine patches, you know, or any type of opioid. I found that this works for me, but I don't feel high. Like when I look at my eyes, they're still white. They're still clear. I don't, I don't get that like head buzz. And maybe you're not supposed to get that. I don't know. Like, I need to talk to some of you guys and ask a bunch of questions because I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be like, am I really high or am I not? I might just gummies don't work for getting me high in that manner, but they work. I know they work because my pain is gone. So 
That's how I know. And I gave my wife, I probably shouldn't tell this story. She's a real lightweight and um, she's a sweetheart, man. And she keeps me grounded. And uh, so I said, yeah, you, you gotta try one of these. I said, it'll take the pain away in your hands and stuff, but not realizing that her body is different than mine. You know, I, I was going, I was thinking about it if it was me taking it, but she took it. Oh my God, man. She said, Reese, she said, I am so, she said, all day long, I was out of it. She says, I felt like I, you gave me a roofie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't mean to roofie my own wife with RSO oil, but I guess I did inadvertently. <laughs> um, it, yes, go it ahead. It does work differently on, on people like that. I mean, obviously what you're doing, it sounds like it's working. It sounds like you're just maybe building up a tolerance to it which is a good thing because then you can function and not be that they're you know, knocked out like that. So it sounds like you've just developed a, a little bit of a tolerance to it yeah. like that. But, you know. Probably and so. Even at that, it, she could take less of a dose to help her. But for her hands, I mean, they make a lot of topicals for your hands. Okay. That, uh, uh, that help work amazingly. I mean, okay. stuff, the anti-inflammatories, they come uh, properties that are found in the roots and stuff like that. I mean, the whole plant can be actually be utilized. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one thing I like about you making the oil there is, you know, sometimes, you know, you might not, it doesn't, the, the RSO, you know, we want to wish it was a cure-all. And, you know, sometimes, like you said there, there's people that, uh, for one reason or another, maybe age or one thing, don't want to try the medication. And then at one point they're like, okay, this is all that's left. And at that time, it may be too late. But what the great thing about it is, it may be too late, but from then on, they have a greater quality of life. The sickness right. isn't there, they're sleeping better. And you know, that time they have left, you, you've greatly improved for them. So That's I don't right. think it's ever too late to get on the regimen if you've got some type of sickness going. And like you're saying, uh, it's great for uh, pain like that. To be honest with you, these tattoos, uh, before I go get ink done, one of those RSO things there, uh, tablets, <laughs> and I'm good for a session. You know, most times after a good dose of RSO, the tattoo guy's done for the day. His wrist hurt. I'm like... We're not done. We, we, you know, let's finish this thing up. And they're like, oh no, my back. I'm like, you need some arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start just making some just for her because I want us to get on it. She's got cancer in her, both sides of her family too, and I just wanted like a preventative. You know, I feel like, you know, we take vitamins and. We, you, you know, you do all the things, try and eat right. And uh, so I think uh, that taking a little bit of RSO oil would be worth it. I just want to give a shout out to Tyler. Um, I don't, uh, let me scroll back up here a second. Uh, Tyler had written on Tyler Selby. I hope, I hope I'm saying your name right. Um, but he was just sharing how the edibles don't do much for him either. And uh, so it's, not, it's nice to know that I'm not, just uh, 
um, an oddball out of everybody. And I know, <laughs> so it's, it's nice to hear that other people have the same experiences, but I am gonna start making a little bit for my wife and just put like a little grain of rice size in a little half a capsule or something for her. I just feel like we should be taking it. I, I worry about cancer, you know, and uh, um, just the costs involved. And, you know, I just don't want to have to, I just want to try and do whatever I can. And uh, I know it, it may, and you know, the funny thing is about this plant, we have so many different strains and, uh, you know, maybe one strain wouldn't work for a particular person, but maybe another strain would, you know, for the same ailment, you know, like maybe, maybe my black widow wouldn't work good for the cancer, but maybe, maybe chem dog or maybe um, gorilla glue or maybe one of Rasta Jeff's strains, you know, I'm just, um, you know, I was just, listening I know. to uh, the DWC, the Dude Gross show the other day, and they had this cat on there the other day that had uh, been bitten bitten by a tick and he had like all kinds of uh he had picked up all kinds of ailments from that and was on the nasty regiment of pills that were uh just crippling it and he found a, a relief with a combination of uh rso and a different methods cannabis methods certain strains that's the one thing that i thought were really cool he had found actually certain strains that had worked for him and that's what he was utilizing i didn't take note of them strains but he did in that interview pass them along for anybody that you know had the problems there and it was pretty insightful i I'd never thought about you know it could help with like lyme disease and them sort of problems but he said he was alive only today because of the regimen he had discovered wow so, yeah. that's fantastic yeah, I, I think it'll help. I, I mean, I feel like it's such an untapped resource. Like we don't know because all the studies that have been done have been negative studies. Even today, when the universities get great money from the government, they're doing studies on how cannabis hurts us, not cannabis, how, how is cannabis helping us? You know, they should be doing studies on just solely studies on how it helps us, you know, because there's so many different diseases out there that we don't know what it might be helpful for, you know? So I, I just tell anybody, if, if it's true that our system, that our bodies have a cannabinoid system in it and that this plant fills that void, then we were designed to have this in our system. And, and I'm all for making sure that it's in there because it's got, it's, we were designed for a reason to have it, you know? So um, I'm not gonna let uh, Uncle Sam uh, tell me I can't, you know, I'm just, you know, you just get to a certain stage and, and you just realize that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to let the government uh, restrict me from curing my health uh, or taking care of myself, you know, in, in a, a self-medicating, you know. Um, so I just hope it all goes legal. That's, that's what I, my hope is. I hope the whole state, the whole country will eventually, even these red states, I mean, if Oklahoma can go legal, then any red state out there can go legal. Um, so I'm hoping that eventually it does. And um, I, I'm really, I, go ahead. I'm still kind of on the fence about that. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, to be real, I mean, for real, real. Because I've oh. seen in a lot of states that have uh, went wreck the decline of the medical programs and the programs getting beat up by 
by the wreck. And what I'm honestly afraid of, I, I sincerely think that uh, Big Pharma is kind of wanting to hope, is hoping that wreck goes through because oh, if they keep we keep beating that medical drone they lose dollars they right. lose dollars by That's every right. medical benefit we come across that it helps yeah. now uh if they they help push the wreck uh then the medical kind of and this is what i'm afraid of and this is what's already happened in a lot of states even here in michigan uh well it's wreck well, now I don't need to, you know, Uncle Sam to know that I've got a card or whatever. And I'm afraid when it comes to like research uh, funding and dollars, as the wreck goes forward and the medical cards go down, they're going to go, well, see, it was just a bunch of potheads wanting to get high. Nobody's got medical cards anymore. And, you know, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I'm your point. I can. Yeah. I can see your point. On and that. I know a lot of medical people that have done just that. Well, it's wreck now. I don't even, you know, why do I need the card? Well, you need, there's a lot of protections behind the card for one yeah, reason. That's true. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. I, yeah, I hadn't thought of it in that perspective before, but you, you are right. Because uh, they're just dying to get their hands in here. I, I know they are. You know, any, any big business is looking at this cannabis industry with dollar signs. I mean, I know, uh, I, I know the people that have, you know, um, that have been, uh, that want to get into this business that have money, you know, because all they're about is the money. And, and I've stayed away from that, you know, because I don't, um, you know, I didn't want to get involved. I, I had an option. I had an opportunity uh, just recently to maybe do something. And, and I passed because I, after hearing Brown guys experience and, and a few other guys, you know, they get brought in and they're, they're doing some good, but then once, once the system's in place, that's it, you're gone. You know, they, they don't want you They you know, they're, they got their own people that they'll bring in or whatever, you know, and then you end up with the short end of the stick. So, um, and, and uh, so I thought about that real hard when, when I had this opportunity and I, and I'm glad I passed. I'm, I'm just glad, I'm just glad I stuck with my box and, that's, that's what I'm going to try and get into this business for, uh, to try and help people free themselves so that they could at least have a life. If you got a, if you're married, or even if you're not, you know, even if you're just a single person and, and maybe you want to be able to go away for a weekend and do something and, and uh, you want you, you know that you care about your girls and, and you know that they'll be safe. So you want a system that's going to take care of that for you. So... Uh, I've been growing for 20 years. I haven't had a vacation. Wow. 20 years. Oh, my goodness, Eagle. Holy God, you got to get out of that. <laughs> you gotta... No, I, I know everybody's I get out. I get out and go to Cubs, but, man, I'm right back home. I mean, anybody will tell you. I'm looking. It starts getting on to a certain time. I'm checking my watch. I got to get back home. I got tents to open. I yes. got things to take care of. That's right. Yes. And, and you're you know, right, you know, as you get older, them friends that you can trust that, you know, with the keys to your house and that, and people, things happen. People sway up, move off, you know, that right. list gets That's shorter right. and shorter. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really think I've got a good product here. 
I have looked out. There's there's other things out there. You know, if you look around, there's, there's a few other things, and I'm not going to name any names. And I have looked out at some other products, but I, um, like I said, I didn't go with any of the other ones because I just, um, I just didn't feel like they were right for me. And uh, uh, from from what I was doing, you know, and uh, and um, I don't know. I feel like I've got a pretty good thing here, and. Um, um, Sounds like it. Yeah, it's, I've, I really put a lot of thought into it. A lot of safety features, and um, uh, and it's it's it really works great, you know. So I'm like I said, I'm going away next week, and uh, I'll be gone for the whole week. And like normally, I just go down there, and I'm like a mother hen, you know. I'm like that's my babies, you know, and I gotta watch over them. So I watch everything. Like like I said, you can watch a live watering event on the screen, on the touch screen, or even on your phone. Like if you if you call up for a certain amount uh, that you want watered, you, you can watch it. You, I've got live, I've got, um, I've got, you, I have the ability so that you can watch it climb up to, you can watch the water climb up to the set point that you set and then it quits. And then you'll see the tea come on if you want a tea, like you have that option. You don't have to give it tea every time. You can just give it water. If you just want to water alone, you can just water. If you don't want a pH, you can hit the pH bypass switch so there's no pH balancing. It's all under your control, man. But if you want tea every time, you flip the switch for tea every time. You can have tea every time, you know? So I keep a gallon of tea brewing all the time. So if I want to top dress, you know, um, like I'm still learning. So I'm in, I'm probably in smaller pots than I should be. And uh, so they, by the time I'm out of edge, they've probably gone through a lot of the stuff that's in there, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm like playing catch up. You know, a lot of times I feel like I see all these beautiful gardens, all lush green leaves and everything. And I'm like, wow, man, look at that garden. You know, I'm like truly amazed when I look at you guys posting these pictures and stuff. And and I, that's something to strive for, you know? So, so that's what I'm, so when I start to get some yellowing in there and stuff, I hit it with the tea, you know, I always get that brewing. All I got to do is just hit a little switch and, and I know I got my pump in there and the line to my tank and I know it'll, it'll get in there so I can feed them, you know? And, uh, it's a blast. I, I love doing all this stuff and, um, I, I've, uh, and I love the community and, uh, pot's been a part of my life ever since I was real young. And I, I think even back then I was medicating, even though I didn't know it, um, I, I didn't realize it. It was my way of escaping, um, you know, some of the troubles that I was having in my life at that time. You know, it's, it's amazing. Even at a young age, you can go through a lot of stuff um, uh, that can really uh, pull you in all sorts of different directions. So I'm glad I had pot time. Uh, uh, keep my mind happy and uh, and now I use it especially when I get if I need to sleep or I'm too wild up I, man I'll get some of that chem dog I got smoke that and that'll put me right out and uh, it'll it'll give me the yawns and I'll be getting tired that was a, I had another medical scare uh, just recently when I had my chem dog it was it was going to be my best harvest ever my buds on the top of those plants were giant, like I've never seen them before, swollen up real big, and I'd let them go longer than normal. So I really learned a little something from that, from not just cutting it off um, 
at eight weeks, you know, if, if things look cloudy, I, I, I was waiting to see a little more red. And so I was giving it more time to fade out and grow in it. And I noticed it swelling up better. By far would have been my best harvest ever. And I ended up in the hospital, in the VA hospital. My blood pressure was 265 over 165. So in other words, I was about to blow a gasket. And I thought that the blood pressure machine was wrong, you know, so I did it twice. Came up with the same number, 265 over 165. And I had real shortness of breath. I could barely take a big deep breath at all. My chest was in so much pain. I was just laboring. Um, and my wife, I said, I don't know if this thing's bad. Why don't we check your blood pressure? So we checked hers. Man, hers was beautiful, 120 over 72, you know, so I was like, oh, man, so that means I am sky high. So I was real worried. I wasn't breathing well. We contemplated going to the emergency room that night, and I, um, I have a recliner set up next to a window, and I had the window on open and felt the cool breeze, and I just said, look, I'm just going to prop myself up here for the night. In the morning, we'll go in the morning, and uh I, I tell you the truth, I, I wasn't sure I was going to make it through. <laughs> I, my chest was, uh, was bothering me so bad when I would breathe. Um, uh, but my wife, being the, the good woman that she is, and, you know, whether you got a woman or a man like that in your life, boy, treasure those people. Because my wife, the first thing she did was get on the computer and start researching natural cures that we, something we might have in the house that could help me. And sure enough, she came up with this cayenne pepper, a whole tablespoon in about six ounce glass of milk. So, you know, that's pretty concentrated shit. And she said, you got to drink the whole thing down. I said, why? I said, what is this? What are, you, what are you giving me? And then she told me, she says, I read that if you give this to a person who's having a heart attack or a stroke, it can actually reverse it because the heat of the cayenne pepper does something to your uh, vein walls to the veins in your arteries, relaxing or something, does something beneficial. So I took it, drank it all down, burned all the way down and uh, had it in my stomach. I, I didn't feel good. My, my pain was right up there, nine, nine out of 10. I was right there the whole, then I fell asleep, woke up in the morning. My pain was about a two. I could breathe. I could actually take a big, deeper breath. My pain was still there, but subsided tremendously. Uh, we still went in, took me, we went in, sure enough, uh, got admitted. They kept me there about three days. So they worked on, now I'm on lisinopril, <laughs> lowering, uh, lowering my blood pressure so I can, and uh, I know it's been coming for a long time. I, when I had a regular doctor and I was going to see him annually, he would always tell me, look, I gotta get you on a pill for your blood pressure, it's just too high here. You know, and I would always convince him. I would, I'm very, you know, I'll exercise, I'll eat right, I'll do all the right stuff. When I come back next year, you'll see it's going to be lower. And, uh, you know, it just never really was. And, um, uh, but it was also, I've always held a slightly elevated high blood pressure. And maybe that's good. Maybe that worked out to my benefit. You know, maybe if I'd always been a low pressure guy, maybe one of them veins would have popped on me and I would have had a stroke and died, you know, uh, or been crippled. So I'm kind of lucky uh, that my wife came up with that. And I also want to give a couple other shout outs about some things. I put out there apple cider vinegar and honey as a good for acid reflux. And it does work good for acid reflux. 
But there is also another thing that might be a little bit easier to take that I just found out that is great for acid reflux, and that's aloe vera water. You can get it. My, my father-in-law gets it through BJ's, gets a gallon container. I think my wife orders it now online through Amazon. It's aloe vera water. You just take a shot of it when you're feeling that you're having the, uh, the reflux, and it gets rid of it immediately, and it tastes just like water. You think you're drinking water. That's how good it is. And it's very effective. He, I haven't tried it because I, I don't have the problem anymore. Um, I used to just do the apple cider vinegar and, uh, and honey. And that was what I always used. But uh, he swears by it. He, and he had bad uh, acid reflux. And he's been using the, uh, aloe vera water. So any of you guys that suffer from al uh, acid reflux, remember that aloe vera water. Just take a shot. And, uh, and that'll do you, uh, help you out. And uh, there was one other thing I wanted to share, too, because uh, um, uh, I can't think of it now. I'll probably think of it after, after the show. <laughs> That's a good uh, little, little medical tip like that. Um, it's handy that we, we do around here because we're very natural. I don't, um, I, I don't like to take the pills at all or take any medicines. I'm not on any. It took me... You know, it took that almost a heart attack to get me on lisinopril. So that just goes to show you where I'm at as far as um, I believe in doctors. And, I, you know, if I had a broken arm and, you know, I need somebody to set it. But I don't need a cancer doctor. No, I'm, I'll fight it with the RSO. And, and if the cancer wins, me fighting RSO, then fine. But I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go through all that shit with chemo and all that just to extend my life a few months. I don't think so. Not me. That's not me. Um, no, I'll do it with the RSO and I'll, and I'll eat as much of it as I have to, because it seems like I, I can, <laughs> it seems like my body can handle it. <laughs> so if I could take a triple lot pill that's been filled up to the very top and, uh, and I go to work and I can function and I'm not laid out like my wife was. Um, uh, yeah. It's RSO for me. That's how I'm going to battle it, if it happens. Well, hopefully it won't ever happen. <laughs> um, but I'm going to join you in a smoke, Eagle. I had this little one-hitter I've been saving. Oh, and I forgot to tell you the rest of that story. So I ended up in the hospital, and uh, and I just hard, I just put those plants, hung them upside down in my tent. And uh, three days later, when I came back, uh uh, humidity it spiked in there and um, it wasn't it wasn't in my control tent and so even if I had noticed it it wouldn't wouldn't have been anything I could do about it the best thing I probably could have done was maybe put a little uh, maybe a little heater in there just to dry out the air a little bit maybe on a real low maybe I don't know but when I got back I had all bud rod all the big giant buds that I thought that I was so proud of that I couldn't wait to take down gone every one of them every one of them I did and uh, so I wanted to ask you guys um, can, can you wash those like if it has bud rot like could I have uh, washed it with my alcohol and then process it into RSO oil would it have been safe for me to take it that way I, I don't know I, I, I threw it all out because I didn't know what I could or couldn't do with it I only saved the very smallest buds that were near the bottom that didn't have any bud rot. So that's what I managed to save for myself to carry me through 
till I harvest again, which is where I'm at. And I'm down to my last couple of buds. So just worked out. <laughs> well, bud rot, I'm gonna say absolutely not. PM, I don't suggest it, but I know there are processes out there, people washing it to bud, and then they suggest to to actually eat it because they say that any PM to smoke isn't that great, but your body can handle it as it like to be eaten. So if you're like, uh, you've washed it and then you could probably make RSO out of it still and you know, use it that way. But I don't think I would suggest smoking it after that point. Again, the, the info's out there. I've never had to do it, but I know there are processes out there. Hydrogen dipping in hydrogen peroxide, uh, baking soda, water, lemon, water. There is processes of washing PM off. But uh, again, I don't but, think uh, I did the people right that thing. say it's, yeah. I did, get, I did the right thing to throw it away. Blood okay. Yeah. All right. Very Absolutely. good. Then. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's nice to get a confirmation that I did the right thing. Uh, so I got this one going. I got uh, these buds don't look quite as healthy, but um, I'm anxious and it's a different strain. It's not ChemDog. This time I'm growing um, a Gorilla Glue strain. Uh, so I'm anxious to see it. The, the smell is a sweeter smell uh, than the ChemDog was. And um, uh, the trichomes look great when I cut it down. I had just a few reds. I had a real good fade going on. So I feel like, uh, you know, just watery at the end here, probably the last week or so, uh, just water only. And even before that, because I'm organic, my teas uh, up here near the end, I think I was, the PPMs were only like 100 or 200. So I was just barely giving them anything, you know? Um, and, then it, and then it was just straight water for the last week and they faded real good. I mean, I got almost all the and uh, the leaves all yellowing and like crumbling up. I, I, um, I like to remove the the big fan leaves like after they've like crumpled up because they just they pull right off. They're so they just like almost it's so easy to strip that then uh, then I hang them up uh, upside down and let them dry out real good. Then any of the leftover ones I get you know with the scissors uh, trimming and uh, and I. Put them into the jars, you know, into the mason jars, and uh, and that's 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 my smoke till I harvest again. But I want to, I want to, like I've been for the two years I've been mainly just growing three or four strains, and and that's just because I've been cloning and cloning and cloning. But um, uh, I've been saving a little bit of cash, and and I want to start buying some seeds, you know, and I, I want to really go, uh, try some arrested just stuff, and. Um, I'm a big fan of his, and uh, so I want to I want to pick up some of his strains, uh, but I got to make sure that I get some that um, won't challenge me in my height. You know, I'm in the basement, so I'm restricted to uh, my ceiling. I think is like six six, but you know, you lose that height because of the lights, and you got cold fan, and you got other things in there that kind of restrict that height growth a little bit. And I know I can super crop, and I can do other things to help slowing down a little bit, you know, and, and I will, uh, but I'm just anxious to, to tr try different things. I see so many really nice pictures of people that post on Instagram and Cannabuzz of some just really beautiful, beautiful flowers, you uh, know. So, uh, yeah, I want, I want to well, be here. 
Well, I'm sure you will be there. Well, I'd like to, uh, you know, I don't know if you've sent me any information or not, but we are doing the grow along. If you would like to get on that, I would be happy to uh, send you some genetics so you can get on that and grow along with us. Absolutely. Uh, at, the, yeah. at this point, it, we're still, uh, I'm just getting out of the jelly bean tier. So if you put in your not order, but if you give, you know get in on it now, you'd be falling into the Agent Orange bracket. So okay. I can send you some uh, Agent Orange is the, the varietal. Okay. And, uh, is it's well cost? known. It's good for, nope, absolutely nope. free. Wow. I, awesome. I, yeah. I, yep. So far, we've got about 100 people that are doing, are in on this. I'm just asking that, you know, post some pictures. The idea of it is like a community grow along. So newbies post, seniors post, and, you know, kind of give a little bit of advice back and forth, you know. And, Sounds great. Yeah, I'll um, I'll hit you up on Instagram. I'll send you my address, my uh, home address, yeah. right? And then nice, you could just nice. mail, could mail it to me. That'd be fantastic. I would love to do that. Yes, absolutely. I'll do that. Um, like I said, I have this next week, and then uh, we fly out on Saturday morning, and then I'll be gone all next week. Uh, I'll be gone all the following week after that, leading right up to Labor Day, uh, Monday through Friday, and. Um, yeah, so we're gonna take a big plunge here, and um, we don't, we don't, we we uh, want to move somewhere where we can enjoy the outdoors more uh, year round than we do up here in New England. You know, New England's very pretty. I like it up here. I love to change the seasons. To me, I like that. I like this. I like to see the roll from spring into summer, fall, winter. Um, but I don't like driving in the winter. I, I don't mind the snow because I can always dress warm enough and I don't mind looking outside and seeing it falling kind of does look pretty and going for a walk out and stuff, but I don't like driving in it. I don't, I don't like driving to work. I, I see accidents all the time. And, you know, I, I just, yeah, I just don't, uh, I just don't like driving. So, uh, and we want to be on the water. We, we always, when we go on vacation, we always like to go to, to a lake or we like to go down by the ocean or, you know, we go to a river or something, you know, uh, we always like to be around water. So um, we're going to buy a place uh, near a lake or on a lake. And um, so that in retirement, uh, and I hope to look, uh, I just hope um, even if they go medically legal, I'll with you there, you go, if they go, if the state will just go medically illegal, so legal so that I can grow. Because <laughs> I've always wanted to have a greenhouse. I got another real good tip for all you guys that got greenhouses that aren't built yet. And even if they are built, you could still probably benefit. Um, I, I, uh, I guess I'll share this because um, I'm not gonna do this. So uh, myself, I might in my own little home thing, but it's not gonna be a commercial where I'm gonna try and make money on it. So, um, so I'm gonna, I think this is a great way to keep your overhead costs down. And that is when you build a greenhouse, you uh, bury it six feet down, put the floor six feet lower than the above ground, all right? And then the rest of it will, you know, go up above the ground. Um, but make sure that the ground level is six, about six feet down. Then from the top level of the ground, right? From that level, you wanna dig down 12 feet down and you wanna dig a trench 
that's down 12 feet. So you're gonna have to get somebody with a backhoe um, or uh, one of those, you know, digger units things there and uh, dig you a trench. And inside that trench, you wanna put corrugated tubing that's uh, six or eight inches in diameter. Now you want, you want that trench to start at one end of your greenhouse and you want it to snake around underground and then come up some, I don't know how many feet you have to sneak it around, but it's gotta be a little ways because that you're allowing the air that's traveling through those tubes to come to a medium temperature that's always found, at least in New England, it's 12 feet down. You can look up this information. It's, you look it up on Google, how far down do you have to go to hit the, the medium temperature? So up here in New England, you can keep your ground, you can keep a, a, a building cool or at a temperature in the wintertime, it wouldn't get any colder than 59. That air coming out of the ground wouldn't get any colder than 59 degrees. And in the summertime, it wouldn't be any hotter than 61 degrees. So it's a very, very narrow range. So if you're working at temperatures that are right there, um, then you don't have too much to go to heat it or to cool it in order to get it to your ideal environment in your grow space. So I'm just saying that I was thinking if I was gonna stay here in New England and I was gonna build my, a business here and I was gonna get one of these licenses and, and I was gonna build a greenhouse and that was the way I was gonna build it, exactly just like that. Because what I was afraid of was that these guys with big deep pockets, you know, beer companies like Budweiser or the Marlboro, whatever, any of these big companies could come in and they're gonna, they're gonna up in New England, there's all these empty factory buildings, all these old brick buildings, big buildings, big, huge square footage, right? Well, that's great to grow in, a lot of room. You can section it all off any way you want. But the one thing you're gonna still have to deal with is heating and cooling all those rooms. And it's gonna cost you a lot of money but they don't care, right? They just wanna flood the market with enough cheap weed to drive all the little guys out that can't afford to sell their weed so cheap. So they wanna drive them out of the business, right? That's the whole goal. And then they monopolize after that. Then the prices go back up and they got to. So I wasn't gonna let those big guys kick me out of the game. So I thought my biggest cost savings would be my environment. If I could save on my heating and cooling costs and then collect rainwater and I would put 55 gallon drums inside, I would find places to put them inside, maybe even stacking them vertically on top of each other because they create a heat. They, they create a way to, to gather heat, don't they? They would absorb the heat in the wintertime. They would help retain the heat and then might help heat that garden area. Plus you're keeping um, you're collecting rainwater, so you're not paying for the water. This is what I would suggest to you. I don't know if I'd stack them inside. They may collect heat and store heat like you're talking about. But uh, <clears throat> this is what I helped a friend of mine. Uh, uh, pretty much, I kind of designed it. But we did, we buried his tank underground, his water tank. And that's what... I would suggest you do. I mean, then in the summer months, you're not cool. You're not fighting to cool those tanks down, you right? Because then, then they're like 
90 degrees, you know, at that point, if you buried your tank, like you did, like you're saying for the cooler air, now you're keeping your water now at that 61 degrees. That's right. And now you're feeding with cool water all the time. He mm. killed it this year in that greenhouse. He got, he said at one point that greenhouse was easy, hundred degrees. And them things were still just flourishing because they were wow. constantly being fed that cool water all day yes. long on a dripper. And well, so, that's yeah, great. that's what I would do. I would put the tank underneath ground because yes. uh, it would keep it at a cooler temperature. It's not hogging up any space above ground. That's right. And uh, Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, that's a great idea, Eagle. And collecting the rainwater, that's a, that's another thing. Why should you pay for water? Water's free. And, and if you live in a state where you get a lot of rain, and we get a lot of rain here. Since I set up my watering setup with the 55-gallon drums, I have not run out of water once. And I'm running three tanks. And then, you know, and I'm, I'm watering every day. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky because it has rained enough to keep me going. You know, I... I I, I, I do cheat a little bit. I have uh, 31 gallon empty milk containers that I keep full of water, also the rainwater in my basement also as an emergency. So if all else fails, I still got 30 gallons down there that I can use before I have to reach for the faucet. Okay, so that's all. I just try and avoid the faucet because I know they put a lot of shit in there and and I know you can set it out and get rid of the chlorine and stuff, but what about the fluoride? What about all that other stuff they put in there, you know? I don't know what it, it might be good, it might not be good. I, and I'd rather just take my chances with the rainwater because that's what plants get out in nature anyway. I know a couple out in, uh, I'm pretty sure they're out in Oregon, his and her grows on uh, YouTube there. Uh, they're actually uh, uh, collecting the water out of their humidifiers filtering nice. it out and using it as well so i had always wondered about that thinking. yeah i had wondered about yeah. that because you know i empty out my air conditioning water and i pour it out i i just i don't know i'm i'm i don't i i, I know i measure it and it doesn't seem like it's got a lot of pecans in it or anything but i i just uh you know, I don't know. I, when it goes through the mechanics and all that and goes through the system, I, I guess it's still just probably water. You know, I, I'll have to try that myself because I am I'm throwing water away, you know, every every night. Like it, I'll go down there in the morning and I'll empty out, you know, probably three or four gallons of water that's accumulated overnight. You know, I've got it again going out of one of the little uh, holes in the bottom of the tent and then it goes over to a five gallon a bucket sitting right outside and then it's uh i've got the ac unit propped up high enough so that it's uh so that the discharge on the ac unit's higher than the five gallon bucket so it, it, it'll it'll push its way in there you know the water though i don't have to worry about it backing up and going into the ac unit um yeah and i i throw that away and i'll have to start keeping that and trying it i will i don't even i I bet you could actually like, cause you can add a little bit of peroxide to the water. To okay. Keep it, uh, fungus out and stuff out of there. So you could, you know, I, and I ever heard you could put like five mils per gallon and be safe. So okay. you could actually put like, <laughs> if you've got a two gallon reservoir there, you know, put 10 mils in there and then just let it drip in there like it normally would. And it would help 
you know, clean up any pathogens that are anything that were in there from the process. Right. I think you'd be all right, for sure. I'll definitely give that a try. Um, uh, uh, my cool wife, <laughs> I thought she was asleep, but she just came out here and said uh, somebody had asked uh, if there was a soil moisture option. Um, I haven't looked into Thank that. You. <laughs> I, I haven't looked into that, whoever that was, um, but uh, it's, it's possible. It's, it's certainly possible. Um, they make all kinds of sensors and it would just, all I would need uh, uh, is to buy the right sensor that would um, be compatible to my system. And uh, most of the sensors out there are run 24 volts and um, they're either, either using a four to 20 milliamp signal back or a zero 10 volt uh, a signal back. And I can work with either one. Um, I would just need to know that ahead of time. Like if that's an option that you wanted, um, I could certainly incorporate that into the system. Yes. Uh, although it might take a little engineering for that in particular, because um, you would have to let me know exactly what you would be expecting out of the, the soil monitor. Like, would you just want it to know, like you just want to know if they need to be watered or, uh, and if they, if they didn't need to be watered and you were scheduled for watering, then you would want to be able not to, you would want it to shut it off. You would want to make sure that that watering event didn't happen, I guess is what, how you would have to tie that in. But like I said, I'm, I'm open. And uh, uh, if that's something that you really wanted, or if you're running, like, because I'm, just thinking of people running on a single or a two outlets, you know, one outlet to run certain things and then the other outlet to run certain things. Um, uh, if, if your setup needed, say, more, like I'm just running enough, I can run my lights and my PLC and even my heater because it's only a 400 watt heater all on one 20 amp breaker, right? So that, that's great. And, I, and I've got room. I've got plenty of room so it won't overheat at all. And you know, the heater's cycling on and off anyway. You know, the lights are the only thing that are on all the time uh, during that duration. So um, uh, fixing that up, that, uh, man, I'm so sorry I took that hit. <laughs> because uh, um, I was going right along and then uh, I saw a flash here walk by and I, I know I was gonna actually I was, she I was gonna ask it's I feel like a shitty host now because Peter no. asked like a long time ago and I had it marked I was just waiting to kind of throw it in there and then sure it's funny she came through she must have because he's asked a few times <laughs> she must have seen it she's not even like 10 minutes ago she he was like i don't know if you asked him and i missed it but could you please <laughs> please ask him and then oh, she great. come out you know will you, will you please answer <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome. great that is great that's great I got to love this community. <laughs> We're all here helping each other. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if somebody was serious and you wanted something like extra, like, like I said, like I'm, I, I was thinking of people that could run everything off of a 20 amp breaker. But let's say that your grow space in your basement 
you run two 20 amp breakers for your lights because you're running that much light. I'm running LEDs, so I can run a lot more lights for a lot less power than you guys that run HPS or maybe even EMH, I guess. I don't run those style of bulbs because I got into the game late and LEDs were just starting to get going. So I decided I knew that LEDs saved money and they didn't go out the heat. So I, I wanted, that's the way I went, you know? And, um, and I'm happy, I'm happy with it. Uh, I'm happy growing with LEDs. So uh, you guys that might grow with HPSs, we would have to talk about that and like what your current setup is with your lighting, because I would want to make it to make sure that it's safe. And if it, if it turned out that you used a couple of different, um, uh, um, different circuits, I would, I would have to, I, I would have to build a box for you that had enough pigtails coming out of it that you could plug into those circuits, you know, because, because if you look on the back of my box here, right. So I had, I had the two, I have the two outlets, right, that you can plug in. So it's it's designed to run off of two outlets if you're running everything. But like I said, because I know uh, I'm running in a tent, I'm running in a tent, and the uh, uh, I have both those outlets plugged into the same power strip. I'm running both those things. I'm running all my box off of one 20-amp outlet. The only way I get away with that is because I'm not running. Uh, okay, let me back up a second. I'm I'm running both those during the winter time into one strip because in the winter time I'm just running my heater, my lights, and my dehumidifier. And my dehumidifier is a small little one. It's a, a little one, but what I like about it is that it has a little pump inside of it that can pump out the water to a bucket that I got outside of my tent. And, it, and it's got a pretty strong little pump in it because it'll pump out to a, a head height of six feet tall. So that's pretty good. And, and the length of hose that came with it is about 20 feet long. So I can run all those things on one outlet. So in the summer, in the wintertime, I plug both those things into the same power strip because, again, I know what my power usage is. I don't need two of them. But in the summertime, when I run my AC unit, it tends to draw more electricity, and I don't want to run that at the same time that my lights are on um, in the room and my fan. And then, you know, you have other things. The cold fan kicks on when it's supposed to. And um, uh, I, like I said, I'm using my cold fan not just for uh, smell control, but also to control, help control the environment in my tent. So uh, if I didn't, if, if my lung room was a perfect lung room that was in the right environment that, um, that I could draw from so that when the, when the cold fan kicks on, it's drawing from that lung room through some of the vents at the bottom of the tents, you know, they get the little vents and stuff. So I've got those a little bit cracked open so I'm, I know I'm losing probably some CO2 through seepage that escapes that way, but I don't mind, you know, I don't mind doing that. And, and I'll tell you, since uh, using CO2, and this is only the second run I've used it, I'm really happy I went to CO2. It's um, because inside my tent in the summertime when I, I'm not using my AC unit 24 hours a day, I'm just using my AC unit at nighttime to drop the temperatures and control my humidity. 
during the day, I'm letting my temperatures get up into the high 80s. Sometimes I'll even look and I'll see, oh, wait, it got it. I, so I set my set point that if it ever got to 90, that my cold fan would kick on and start venting the room, you know, to allow some of the cooler air that's probably in, in the basement to come in there. Because over time, the heat tends to uh, build up in those tents, you know, everything's enclosed, you know, everything's all closed up. So, you know, the heat just tends to keep building. But the one good thing is that these plants were made for that kind of temperature and that kind of environment, right? Most of these plants come from areas around the world that are a whole lot hotter than, than we kind of baby them in our homemade environments, right? Uh, and we set up all these uh, uh, parameters, you know, oh, don't go over 88 or uh, don't go below 72 or, you know, whatever. I, I don't know, you know, so I'm, I just let it go. And uh, I know my tent doesn't usually get over 80, over 90 degrees. Usually 90 is about, I know that's where I've got my cold fan set up to go off at. And uh, so I know it doesn't get much hotter than that in there. And I keep them uh, watered. I feel like the reason I can get away with that is because like you were saying earlier, Eagle, about your water temperature being cool and my water may not be, you know, it is in the basement. So that water is somewhat cooler uh, than it would be just normally com coming out of the tap probably or sitting outside in the, in the tank in my five, 55 gallon drum that's sitting outside my house. It, it's the one in the basement is probably cooler. And because I do tend to uh, water my plants every day and a pretty healthy watering you know when i lift up those pots they, they still feel pretty heavy and um and i'm thinking that um that because of that i'm able to get away with a slightly elevated temperature uh on my um in my grow space uh and then another thing that i learned too was that in the summertime i pull my drivers out of my tent uh, because i don't need that heat i don't need the drivers for my light to add heat uh, in my tent. And because I've got about a six foot run of wire between my driver and the light, I can do that. I can move them outside my tent and still have enough line to move my lights up and down the necessary amount I need to. And then in the winter time, I move those drivers into my tent because they help heat up my tent. And so I'm using less heat on my heater, you know? So I, I'm, I'm trying to do things, you know, to try and uh, cut corners on my uh, electricity cost, you know, because electricity is so expensive. And um, uh, so, you know, anything you can do, uh, try and throw, you know, little tips like that out there. Hopefully, if nobody's already doing or thought about doing things like that, that's, that's always an option. And, you know, if you've ever touched uh, your hand to one of your drivers, it's been on for a couple of hours. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but man, mine get hot. I mean, uh, they are hot, man. They're putting out some heat. And uh, so I have them, uh, I don't have them attached right to my, uh, to my poles in my tent when I do move them inside. I bought a small length of chain from Home Depot, little tiny chain, little with little links that I could bend using a pair of pliers out, opening up the link. And then that way it fits right through the hole on my driver, and I and I've got my driver sitting maybe two or three inches below, below the pole on the on the ceiling of the tent, and I, I do that, you know, because again, I'm am just 
maybe too paranoid about fire, you know. So you gotta have that um, big 20 gallon, like uh, 20 pound, uh, have that 20 pound fire extinguisher sitting outside your grow room so that if you ever did have to go in there, you know, uh, you gotta don't have it in the grow room. Make sure it's outside the door so that you can grab it and go in there. Because <laughs> uh, if you catch it early, a lot of times you can put out a fire uh, that, that if you run, like everybody wants to run first, and that's probably the wisest thing to do, just get out of the house and uh, and maybe have a go bag with maybe some important things in it. But um, uh, I don't know. I know me. And uh, if my smoke alarm in the basement goes off, which is uh, hooked up to a smoke alarm I have up here in my kitchen. So it's it's one of those remote ones. You can get it through Kitty. I think Kitty is a brand, K-I-D-D-I-E. And um, so if it goes off in my basement, not only does it ring in my basement so that my first floor tenant knows I got a fire and I've already told them, they know what's going on. It's a legal state, you know, so we all talk and um, I got good tenants, good people down there. So, um, so I let them know, like, if you ever hear a fire alarm go off, you know, get a fire down there and get out of the house. But I'm going to grab the 20 gallon uh, fire extinguisher and I'm going down there and uh, and I'm going to see what I can do. And if I realize it's out of my hands and I'll get out of there, I'll get out of that basement. Um, but if it's not too crazy, I'm going to fight it. I'll get in there with that little 20 gallon tank and try and put it out before my whole house burns down. <laughs> you know, uh, that's just me. Uh, um, just kind of guy. Um, before I get too far along in that, don't get to ask his question because I do greatly appreciate the people in the chat. Peter Griffin asked, like, right off the beginning, when you talked about being in the Navy, he asked yep. if what your rank was, ET uh -huh. or FC. FC. Tell him FC. That. He knows. FC. I was an FC. Yeah, fire <laughs> controlman. It's uh, the name's deceiving. Fire control, whenever I tell anybody, yeah, I'm going, I'm going into the Navy, I'm going to become a fire controlman. They're like, oh, you're going to fight fires on the ship in case you guys get hit with a missile or something? No, 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 that's not, no, it's electronics, fire control. It's uh, working on a radar system. Uh, so I worked on a, my job was to work on a track radar system. And uh, we still got the longest skin-to-skin -skin shot, I think, in the Navy. Uh, we were down at the missile range uh, out in the Caribbean off of Puerto Rico, and we hit a drone 130 miles out, skin to skin. And we hit it right on target uh, with a missile. So um, that's pretty amazing to be that far away and know that you can hit something like that. And uh, But to tell you the truth, I, I never would have wanted to go to war uh, because our ship was designed... Uh, we were the ones that were supposed to go out in front of everybody. We were like the spearhead. So in other words, we're the first one to go. <laughs> uh, our job is to take out as many airplanes and incoming missiles as possible with our system. Now, our system was an antiquated system. It's not the Aegis system that they have today with the big screens on the side of the, the, uh, the ships on the big, um, the main part of the ship on these Aegis cruisers they've got these big radar screens that cover the three 360 degrees ours uh wasn't like that ours was a was like a handoff system like we had a there was another radar tech that took care of a different type of search radar and they would hit up on a 
on it. They would hit up on something and then they would direct our radar over there. Uh, but I worked on maintaining and operating it, and uh, that was my job in the Navy, and I liked it. It was a good job. I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't stay in the reserves after I got out. Like when I realized I didn't want to make a career, and I was just gone too much. You know, gone, missed birthdays, anniversaries. Uh, it's tough when you have a family because the Navy's perspective is that uh, you weren't kidded your family in your sea bag and your sea bag contains all your uniforms and everything that you carry on the ship with you when you go <laughs> and since your family wasn't included in that the as far as the navy is concerned that's they're secondary you know and uh the mission is is primary and uh so yeah i found myself uh missing a lot missing too much you know and uh it's cool i'd, I'd, I'd come home and I wouldn't even tell my my ex. I wouldn't even tell her at the time. My wife. I wouldn't even tell her that I was coming home. I'd just surprise her. I'd fly home from Chicago in my uniform and hitchhike home from the from the airport to uh, here. I'm, I was living in Rhode Island at the time when I was in, and uh, my family was uh, when I when I was going through boot camp and everything before I got to my ship. Then once I got to the ship, then my family joined me in Florida, and I was uh, stationed out of Florida on an old. Uh, cruiser, an old uh, guided missile cruiser. Uh, but in its day, it was the bomb, man. It had, uh, we could, at the time, when I first got in, uh, and, and when these Aegis cruisers were first being developed, they weren't they weren't in the Navy at the time when I first got in. So the best platform the Navy had was the one I was on. And, um, and uh, so we, we were out in front, that was our job take out as many as we could. Uh, the aircraft carrier, that's that's the, that's the diamond. That's everybody protects that. And all the other ships sacrifice themselves for that, the aircraft carrier. That's the ship you want to be on. You know, there's a submarine out there too, take care of other submarines. You know, you never see them, but you know they're with us. They're down there. And uh, so anytime you go out on a cruise on a, where you're showing projecting power, that's what, that's why they do it. You know, I'm sure that's why we sail around the world and we hit up all these countries and we go visiting, you know, and uh, and we're always told before you go ashore, don't you even get in, think about getting into any trouble. Because not only would you have to face the captain when he got back on the ship, but he'd already tell you before we go in and pull in that he's not gonna bail you out if you get into any trouble, into any laws in the foreign country, you know. He was, our captain was uh, very strict. And uh, we were over in Singapore when uh, I don't know if you guys remember when the Marine barracks had gotten bombed in Beirut and we lost like 230 Marines all at one time. And it's the first major car bombing that they did. Uh, uh, so we were we were in Singapore at the time uh, on, uh, you know, leave. We were going to be there for four days. And I was out in town and I saw the MPs come around and I was, and they came up to us and they were like, get back to the ship, we're leaving. Everybody's back to the ship. They, you know, they managed to get every damn sailor that was attached to our boat back to that ship, find everybody and get them back on board. And we were underway that very night. And the next morning we were going through the Strait of Hormuz in the Middle East, getting into the we, they were setting us up. We were tracking airplanes coming off the flight, off the air, off the off of Iran's airport, um, and 
Uh, we just needed was to get uh, the word, you know, the fire. Uh, we were tracking everything coming off there. It was, uh, you know, it was, uh, we never did anything. The country never did anything. I don't know, I forgot who was president at the time. I don't know uh, who that was, but I, I don't think we ever, we never launched anything at that time. Uh, it would have been in the late 80s, so it's probably Ronald Reagan was in at that time. Uh, so that was the, I, I mean, I've been to several different countries and been to several different places. When I went across the equator and for somebody on the East Coast, that's very rare. If you're stationed on the East Coast as a Navy guy and you go, what, there's always an initiation, you're a polywog. For as long as you're a Navy guy, you're a polywog, unless you go across and the equator. And then once you cross the equator, you have to go through the ceremony. You know, it's kind of like a hazing type thing. And uh, that's when you get your shell back. You become a shell back after that. And I was lucky enough to be stationed, even though I was on the East Coast, we went into the Indian Ocean and went south, south far enough to go across the equator. And man, because we were on East Coast ship, there might've only been 20. Uh, I was on a ship of 400 guys, maybe 20 shell banks. But the most important one was the captain. <laughs> so we weren't gonna be any revolt on us polywogs thinking that we were gonna take over and you know, uh, this wasn't gonna happen to us. <laughs> no, we went through the initiation just like all them other guys did, man. And I can just tell you, from getting hosed down on the deck from early in the morning and you couldn't get upright anywhere. If you got upright on your two feet, boy, you were getting knocked down, man. And the wisest, and because there was all this, uh, the way they painted the decks and the way that they made the decks, they had this stuff called non-skid on there. And you had to be on your hands and knees. So all the night before we knew the hazing was gonna commence the next morning, all of us were making pads for our knees because we were gonna be on our hands and knees the whole freaking day. And we were, and it started out at the bow of the ship, getting hosed down with fire hoses. And, and then all these like, all along the decks were like these little uh, grates that you could put your fingers in. Like if you were hitting real rough seas and you were out there and you would get rolling off the deck, you could grab a hold of one of these things and hold on and, and stay on the deck. You know, they were made for being out there in really rough seas. And um, so those, they would fill up with water. And because I was one of the last ones to get up on the bow of the ship, I happened to be the closest to all the guys that were doing all the beating, all the shell backs and making people do, you know, things like blow out the water out of that thing. So when you put your head down, your ass goes in the air and they had a piece of fire hose that they cut that was about three feet long. And that was the paddle. So you got whacked. And um, and uh, yeah, it hurt. <laughs> and uh, so then and we had heard that they were collecting food for like two weeks prior to this initiation. And they were storing it somewhere. And we were scouring the ship trying to find out where it was because we were going to toss it because we had heard they were going to make us crawl through that shit. And sure enough, they sure as hell did, man. They had built this like... Um, it, it must have been about 10 inches high, like a trough that held all this liquid in it. And when it smelled like rancid, and it, you could see pieces of like food, sausages and stuff floating in there. And I was the third guy through. And I could hear the very first guy who was an officer throwing up 
And Ryan pushed it, the guy in front of me. I'm pushing on his ass. Move, move, because you're inside this tank. You're, in, you're inside this like tunnel. You're like in an enclosed tunnel that's like maybe got 10 or 12 inches of water, liquid in it. It's all food waste that's been collected for the last two weeks. And then you, when you come out of that thing, you got this fat old master chief sitting out there with mustard on his stomach. And you got to get this like little, I don't even know what kind of fruit it was out of his belly button. And sure enough, as soon as you get close to it, he's like bringing your head in, smashing all around the mustard. And, and then when you end up on the aft end of the ship, that's where all the stocks were. You know, that's where like the, like in the old days, like I got put into the, the freaking stock, you know, where your hands are in there and your neck, you know, like you're standing up and you're, you know, like they put your head in there and your arms and then they put the, the thing down on top of you, you know, the bar and, and, and you can't move, man. You're like, you're, they lock you in there and, and your ass is getting wailed on, you know? And, uh, and then finally, at the end of it, it's not all that bad. It, it, it was fun, you know. Doctor, acid, you, Doctor Buzz, you light your acetone. If you haven't checked out his comments, he's obviously uh, right there with you. He said, "Blowing out iPads, Eagle." I bet he remembers that. Yeah. He said he was uh, a golden shell bag. I mean, he, he uh, the whole time you guys been talking, he's or you've been talking, he's been wanting me to relay things. Nice. So at at this point, it's way too much. So I either suggested to scroll back, or when you go back and watch the video, I will watch it again. I will. There, there's a lot to be said there. Well, that's awesome. And that, that's who. That's who. That's Doctor Buzz Lightyear Acetone. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Ah, oh, shout out to you, Buzz Lightyear. If you were in the Navy, man, fellow night, fellow and, Navy, man, shout out. He is, and I, I just want to say Peter Griffin said it best when, you know, he said, thank you both for you guys' uh, time in the service there. Much wow, respect wow. to you both. Appreciate, I appreciate that, Peter. Yeah, I sure do. I really do. Yeah, I appreciate those. And, and, I always, and I always say the same thing when I see these young guys in their uniforms, man, walking around in the airports and stuff. You better believe it. I walk up to them. Yeah, they need it, man. These days, guys need support like that, you know. They said it's a different age out there, and um, you know these guys are just just doing just doing a job, you know, just trying to do a job. That's all. And, right. and I can't fault them for people way above them making decisions, you know, and they just have to follow the rules. It's, that's the way it is. And uh, so shout out to them guys. And uh, yeah, so yeah, going through that was great. And then the very last thing was the dunk tank. The very last thing, they actually set up this tank that was about five feet uh, tall, and it was maybe uh, four by four square, and it was filled with fresh water. And that was it. Once you got into the dunk tank and when you came out, they said, they asked you, what are you? I'm a shell bag. And then you stripped off all your clothes, you, everything. They, they told us, you wear your rattiest clothes out there. Because it's all going into the garbage. You're, they're not washing that shit. They're not washing any of that. And uh, so um, I could see one tender that wasn't too far away from us. 
like I could see it with my bare eyes. So I wonder if in the big eyes, if they were over there watching us go through the ceremony, if any of their shell bags, you know, uh, I, I don't know. To this day, I don't know. But we went to a little island. It was a British little island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Um, man, I can't even remember the name. I, it's it's right, right on the tip of my tongue. But all it is is an airstrip. That's it. It's a little island and an airstrip, big airstrip. And, um, and it, it's a British territory. And I'm sure it's got very... You know, it's important, I'm sure, for military. You know, that's why they got an airstrip there. Uh, we can't have bases everywhere. So we need places like that. Uh, so, yeah, the Navy was fun. I had a good time in the Navy. And uh, so I went through that ceremony. And like I said, most guys from the East Coast never get a chance to go across the equator. So not, not only did I go across it once, but I went across it twice. So lucky me, I wasn't just the recipient. Now I got a chance to be the shellback carrying the hose. <laughs> it was awesome. And I almost missed the trip. We were going to go we were, this time, again, out of the East Coast. We were going down to Panama. And then we were going to go through the Panama Canal. And then we were going to go south. We weren't sure that we were going to go across the equator or not. But rumor has it, we were going to go. So there I am, I'm living in base housing and I have a bicycle and I have my big pack on my back and I'm riding to the dock because that's the best way to get right up my bike, right on the dock and chain it up on the dock and then go, go walking right up on the ship. So I'm riding up and I go to turn a corner and that bag slips off my shoulder, hits my front tire and I crash, right? So I feel okay. My arm hurts a little bit, but, but I'm all right. I get back on my bike and I finish my ride and I, and then I go on board. Now, my arm starts bothering me more and more each day as, I, as I'm working with it and everything like that. And it turns out when we got to Panama that I had a hairline fracture in my elbow. So they had to put me in a cast and they were going to leave me there in Panama. And I, until the ship came back through to pick me up and then break me back home because they didn't want me on the ship with only one wing. So I'm like looking at the chief, who's the medical guy, the doctor uh, on our ship, and he's going to make the call. And he's a shellback. And I told him, I said, chief, man, you need me. I said, I maybe have one wing. I said, but you need all the shellbacks you need, you got. I said, we got a whole new crew. I said, because you know, every four years you're getting new people. New people come on board all the time. But in the Navy, it's usually a three or four year cycle, you know, and then guys get rotated out, you get all new guys. Well, I was on a six, six year stint on that boat, six years. So I got a chance to see all new faces come on board. And um, so I told the chief, I said, you got to leave me on. And he said, I'll leave you on if you promise me not to go above the main deck. If you stay below the main deck, you're okay. So I said, all right, chief, I, I can do that. So, um, you know, it's ladders everywhere in the Navy. And even though I had this thing in a cast, I got to where I could get up and down them ladders pretty damn good. Even just having one arm, you know, and using my limited range of motion with my other arm. So we had a problem with our radar system, but unfortunately the radar was way up, up on top of the main deck, way up there was our, was a, we were on the forward radar system. So they sent me up there 
And I said, all right, I'll go, I'll go up there. I can get up there. So I went up there to look at the problem and, you know, do some adjusting or whatever. And then I hear my name, Petty Officer Webb. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I know who that is. That's the medical chief who told me I'm not supposed to go above the main deck. So now I know I'm in trouble. He says, come to my office immediately. So I knew I was in big, deep doo-doo. So uh, sure enough, I went in there. And by the time I got there, he's already has a, the chief of my division, you know, our guys, a fire controlman already in there too. So thank goodness the chief liked me and just kind of smoothed things over a little bit. But I never went above that main deck the rest of the trip. Uh, but I did get a chance to go through the initiation again. <laughs> and this time I got a chance to dish it out a little bit, which is kind of cool. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm a double show back and, uh, and uh, I got some nice, my wife, uh, I used to have all the certificates that they give you when you cross these things. Like I've got one for going through the Panama Canal. I got one for being a show back. I got one for going through the, um, there at the Indian Ocean. You can go through, uh, there's that cut there. I forgot what that's called. Ah, there's a name for it, but we got one for that too. And my wife, thankfully one year, um, put all that stuff in like a, a frame, a picture frame on the glass. And uh, so it's really cool, man. So uh, I think I still, I have those, but they're in a box, you know, they're not displayed anywhere. Maybe when I get to my retirement place home, I'll, I'll pick a little room there, my little man cave or something, put them things up there. Cause they're really cool, man. They got some really nice, I'm, I'm a big fan of art and stuff. Like I love your background Eagle. I love whoever did that for you. Props to you, man, for having a talent that can do something like that. That is so awesome. And, and like, I see that little guy in the eyeball of the, the skull and the head too, you know, like you were wondering that one episode you had gone in, Hey, I think there's a little guy in there. And I think there is too. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of stuff like that. So when my wife put that stuff on the glass for me and put it up on a frame and it's, they're nice, you know, it's a, uh, I can't wait to hang those stuff up, you know, uh, you know, as a, a reminder uh, of some good times that I had. Yeah. So I would always. Uh, Sounds like some real good times. Yeah. It, I look it on your face as you tell the story. I mean, they look like some good, really good times. Yeah, it really was. I had, I had in the Navy, I, I, um, I you know, it's funny. One time we were out in, uh, we were out in the Caribbean doing uh, some drug operations. So we'd take some Coast Guard guys on with us because we couldn't legally board another ship. We had to take a Coast Guard crew with us and then they would go on their little boat over and search an, a vessel, you know, or whatever. So uh, we came back to port, but we were only going to be there a couple of hours. And so all the pay phones that were out on the strip, this was before cell phones, you know, so all the pay phones were all taken. And I got off the ship. I wanted to call my wife and tell her, look, I'll, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm in, we're, we're going to be in for a couple hours. I'll, I'll come home for, for lunch or something, you know, just to see you. And uh, uh, so all the pay phones were taken, but my bike was sitting there chained to the fence. So I unlocked my bike and I rode it home because I was just five minutes away on the base. And so I, I spent there, took lunch, you know, and I was keeping an eye on the time. And I said, man, we got to get back to the ship. 
But before we do, can we go by the com the the um the store? They had like a store where you could buy things. You know, they had like a grocery store, and then they had like this other they called the PX where you could buy all sorts of things. So I wanted to get darts because we had started up a dart tournament on the ship. Can you believe that? While we're underway, up and down, we're throwing darts at a board. <laughs> it was the most challenging dart game you ever had. And we played teams, you know, so we had like the, in our division was one of the bigger divisions, the FCs. So we had about 30 guys in there and everybody participated, man. We had a huge tournament going on. It's a lot of fun. So I bought all these things. And did you know, when I got back to the uh, dock, my wife was driving me. So I left my bike at home and she brought me back to the dock and I'm walking down casually. Doo -doo -doo, and then I see one of my buddies. He's like, Reese, get your ass on this ship. They've paged you twice. We're about to leave. You're going to miss ship's movement. And, and you, dude, that's the worst thing you can do is to move. It's a miss ship's movement. I mean, I ran on board. I ran down below. I got down into our birthing compartment. I'm like hiding. And then my uh, work center supervisor comes over and he says, Reese, that's all right. I told the chief that you were up in the radar room. So we don't have any speakers in there for the intercom. So you wouldn't have heard the page. But it's a good thing you got your ass back here. <laughs> so, like I said, dodged another bullet. <laughs> I could have gotten into big trouble, even if I had just missed it, even if they were only six feet away from that shore. But I couldn't get there because the 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 uh, the plank, you know, the gang plank was already pulled away. Dude, I was in trouble. I would have gone to captain's mast. I would have lost some stripes, lost some money. I would have been combined to the ship probably for 30 to 60 days. That's a big, you can't, you can't, you know, that's a big no-no, missing ship's movement. So uh, here I thought I had hours and man, I, by the skin of my teeth, I made it back. Yeah, <laughs> they had paged me two or three times over the intercom system. Petty Officer Webb, report to the bridge. <laughs> It was a lot of fun, man. I, uh, a lot of good times. Yeah, met a lot of good guys. And uh, one of my one of my best friends, I, I don't know what he's doing today. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, you wish you could uh, communicate with, you know, and uh, you wonder what they're what they're up to, you know. And uh, he, he was a great guy. He had spent all of his Navy career in the Philippines. And uh, but he was in he was in on a ship that was in dry dock. He had never been out on a six month cruise ever. And he came to the East Coast and he was going out on his first six months. We'd, we'd gone on that little cruise out to Panama and back. We were only gone like three months, all right? And on that cruise, when we were in Panama, he and I had gotten so drunk. And and from the, from the main gate where we were out in town, you know, and then we got back to the main gate. And from that main gate to where the ship was, was like five miles. And they had a bus running. So it was getting close to midnight. The last bus was on its way. And my friend decides to take a dive on the ground. He like just falls. He's like had enough. I'm like, dude, you got to get up, Brian. Get up. I said, we're going to miss that bus. We're going to have a five mile walk. I said, you got to get up. I took all I could do was to lift him up, man, with my one wing, my one wing arm <laughs> to pry him up. He's a big guy, you know, leaning on me. We finally got over the bus and got that ride back and uh um yeah uh 
So that was that was another good time. And I, I don't know where that guy was, but I, I'll never forget. He he begged me. He was our, our supervisor. He was like, just extend for this six-month cruise. Just come on the cruise with me, man. He says, I'm, I'm not going to do good on this cruise without you. He's an older guy like me. You know, I didn't join the Navy at 18. I was, I was older. You know, I, I went out into the working world for a while first while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know. And then I thought, well, I wanted to get an education. And I joined the Navy so I could get the GI Bill and use that to go to school afterwards when I got out. That's that's what brought. That's why I'm here. That's why I can do the things I can do. And um, uh, so it's all because of the Navy, you know. And um, so I I, uh, I I do uh, uh, I didn't extend for that cruise. And I remember walking down there. I had 30 days left before I got out, you know, but that would have, they weren't going to take me on the cruise. They were going to leave me behind uh, for the 30 days. And um, so I went down to the ship, you know, waved to them guys. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's hard. Uh, you know, wishing them luck. Uh, that guy, Brian. Yeah, I'll never forget him. Brian Devlin. I don't know what he's doing today. He is quite a character, man. Never met a guy like him. Funny guy, really just make you laugh. Real fun guy to be so, around. You know? Have you ever thought about like searching up like hashtags? I mean, I, I'm sure you guys may have like had like a nickname for your squad or whatever. I don't know. I don't mean to sound ignorant here, but no, uh, no, it, no, you're not. There might no. be a there, there might have been a certain phrase that you guys used that you could, like, on Instagram or Facebook, uh, search, like, that shellbacks or something like that, sure. uh, you know. That's that, right. Uh, That's may, a good you idea. Might, you may find a few old friends uh, with, still supporting them hashtags, you know what That's I mean? Right. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. Try, anyway. Yeah. I did actually hook up with one guy that I knew from the Navy. Uh, off of Facebook, and I, I use friends of mine on Facebook. He's he's still down there in Jacksonville, right where that right where we decommissioned the ship. That was the last cruise. That cruise that they were going on that I stayed behind was that ship's last cruise. And then I don't know if they were going to mothball or sell it. You know, a lot of our older ships go to a lot of these other countries around the world. You know, that's part. That's how they build up on their military. Like if you look at Italy and uh, some of these other countries around the world they've got a lot of our old equipment ships uh mainly uh yeah but yeah i might do that eagle that's a that's a real uh, from time to time i think about people in my past you know and uh but because i've uh, led a such a no i i sometimes i get jealous about my wife uh, not in a mean-spirited way or anything just like i say well i wish i had that myself you know but but my but my walk through life was different you know and mine was a very nomadic lifestyle. And I, I don't think I lived in one place all my life from the time that we moved to the States permanently when I was about 11 from Puerto Rico to Texas, um, maybe five years in one place, uh, all my life essentially up until when I met my current wife and then I've been with her and then uh, we, um, we went to Honduras well, after, shortly after we got married, we invested in a property down in Honduras, out in a Caribbean island called Roatan. Just east of there, it's a little chain of islands called the Bay Islands. And uh, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I've always had many different ideas throughout my life of things that I've wanted to try. 
uh, as a business because um, uh, uh, even though I've always worked for the man, worked for somebody else, the desire has always been to work for myself, to have my own business, to be my own boss. You know, everybody wants to do that, you know, and um, maybe not everybody, but I do. And uh, uh, so I've never had that opportunity, but we attempted that opportunity when we went to, to Honduras and uh, we built a little place there, uh, 30 by 60 house and four little cabins. And uh, we were gonna have, um, they were 20 by 24, right on the ocean, right on it, man. Uh, it's on a little island called Helene, only a half a mile wide, maybe a mile and a half long. Had a big mountain across the middle of it. <laughs> big old hill, about 200 feet high. So when I, when I tell my son now, I used to walk uphill both ways, damn straight I used to. When I walked to the south side, I was going up that hill. And when I came back to the north side, I went up that hill again. Because <laughs> uh, it split the island in half. And, uh, uh, but it was nice. It was a nice community, a lot of friendly people. Uh, it was another experience that we really enjoyed. And uh, so after 10 years um, of living, uh, well, we lived there three years, almost three years full time. Um, and then, uh, and we didn't have electricity out there. Uh, I had a solar wind generator system that I set up. Um, uh, they have power there now. And uh, we had to dig a well in the ground to get well water. And then uh, used a pump, an old, uh, uh, they call it a trash pump, you know, run on a Honda engine, you know, little uh, five horsepower or something uh, engine started up and then they'd pump. And uh, I used to pump the water up, uh, up the hill, up, uh, up on top of a cistern that we put up on top of uh, a telephone poles, about four telephone poles, build a platform up on top and put a big old tank up on top of that big black tank. And then I strung a line that was a, uh, a one inch line that narrowed down to a little half inch line uh, that climbed up the rest of the way. And that pump could do all it could just uh, get a little trickle, but it'd fill that thing up in about an hour. And then we'd have enough water for about three days. And uh, that well would be back full again by that time. And uh, so we made it work between that and a little Honda 2,500 watt generator that I used sparingly uh, while we did everything. and. Uh, um, but we uh, came back, we had to come back and uh, before things got finished completely. And, um, uh, but we saw it, um, we, we went down there many times afterwards during the last, I would say 10 years, that, uh, it's been a total of 13 years since we originally bought uh, down there and we just sold. So, um, couldn't believe it. It was during the COVID. Um, it was the only real estate transaction going on the whole island that agent told us. Um, this is another American bought it. He wanted to put up a farm. He's got a big family. He's got like five or six kids. Um, married an island girl down there. And, and so I think she's got a few kids and then from previous marriage and then they have some kids together. And uh, so many props to him and good luck, you know, uh, working it out and uh so i'm so we're looking for a retirement place <laughs> so but we're gonna we'll stay here uh in the states and um uh i would say 
living there, I didn't appreciate it as much as when I went on vacation because I was there all the time. And I had that beauty around me all the time, the ocean, swimming, snorkeling, uh, doing all that stuff all the time, as much as I wanted. I get my fill, go out there, spear fishing, anything, you know, uh, because I, that was my job was to build that place, to get it ready for guests. And um, uh, so it was a lot of fun and a lot of work, a lot of hard manual labor because nothing was automated, nothing. Everything that we got, everything that I bought from the main island had to be brought over by boats. And then I had to hire guys to carry all that lumber, bags of cement. I had a hundred bags of a hundred pound cement delivered to me for a big job that we were doing, right? And I'd hired a bunch of guys to carry that. And being the worker bee that I was, I got right in line and we had to carry those bags of cement from the beach up at least a hundred yards to get to the house where we were keeping them. And I put, uh, I think on my fifth bag carrying it, uh, my right-hand man came up to me and he says, Mr. Reese, he says, you're going to have to sit down. He says, you got to stop. And he says, you can't carry them bags. He says, your face all red. You're getting too hot. You're getting overheated. He says, not good for you. And um, he says, you need to sit down. He says, you, you pay these people to carry all this stuff. You know, Marshall don't carry nothing. Mar Marshall lets them, he pays them guys to do all that stuff. You're too old. <laughs> Imagine that. I was, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I was in my 50s, <laughs> late 40s, 50s. Uh, and I was too old in his eyes. And, uh, but he was right, man. My face was, I'm sure it was all red. I'm sure, you know, all sweating. I used to sweat so much, I'd barely pee anything because all my water would come out of my sweat glands. I think I'm on here by myself, chat. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna face the chat so I can kind of see um, what uh, everybody that's still here might be writing <laughs> because, uh, my favorite oh, oh yeah i think you're you're here now all right you're back you would look frozen there for a minute so i'm not sure what you were able to hear and what you weren't uh, about when no i was just i was here i was just listening oh okay very <laughs> good yeah all right so so um you know we we had gone back down there many times on vacation uh, after we quit after we had ended because we, we just couldn't keep going we um had run out of cash and you know uh uh it was kind of my doing as a project manager. I take that responsibility on myself, you know, but, um, but I knew that in the end, it would still be a good investment. And, and that's why we went there to begin with anyway. So uh, we had to wait it out, but uh, we just sold. And uh, uh, of course it's never what you would hope it would be, um, but um, it's enough to work with uh, so that, um, you know, because we're heading into retirement, you know, unfortunately for me, uh, I've never worked anywhere that's had 401ks and stuff like that. So I've never gotten involved in any of that stuff. So I have no retirement. My retirement is social security. So that's not much. And um, uh, so um, I've got my box, uh, hopefully, um, as uh, to help uh, me survive 
and then I just have to be wise with my uh, monthly income, you know, so, um, and be wise about how we handle uh, our investment. So, uh, you know, you get to this stage and uh, you start thinking about things like that, you know, because <laughs> uh, uh, you, you just, the, the reality is, you know, um, I'm lucky I work in a place that's um, very um, uh, elderly folks friendly. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of people my age that work at this factory. Um, a lot of, you know, some of the ladies in the secretarial part of it and or purchasing and uh, some of the other guys are at least as old as I am and a couple of guys older. And uh, so uh, I'm just happy because, you know, there's a lot of places you, you get replaced, you know, after a certain age, they just, you know, they're ready to bring on somebody younger, that they, they can pay less and to do your job. And um, you know, that's just the way it is. That's reality. So you just have to deal with it the best you can and try and prepare yourself the best way you can. So, um, so for us, it was investing in the real estate versus 401k investment, you know, and um, so far we've, we've done well. And, and I can honestly say real estate throughout my life, even with my first wife has, has done, we, I've done well with uh, even just land. It's, it's just being in the right place. You know, it's, it's, it's knowing um, that what you're looking at has the potential to grow in the amount of time that you want it to, you know, so that you could, and then be able to get, sell it, you know? So um, both times, even here with my ex-wife, I bought property up in Maine and people would say, man, you bought property up in Maine, there's nothing up there. But uh, we bought property right on the ocean and we went to Northern Maine where we could afford it. And even though it took us eight and a half hours to drive there from our home in Rhode Island, eight and a half hour car ride to get there one way, uh, I'm, we made money on both those real estate transactions, both on the one that was just land, we uh, bought for $15,000, ended up selling it for 45, uh, just within a couple of years. And then uh, later on, we bought a log cabin up there that was on six acres. That's the one property I wish I had never sold. I wish, to this day, I wish I still own that piece. Uh, six acres on a peninsula. We were out at the end of the peninsula, had an eagle's nest on the property that had eagles in it. Um, it was in the bay. It was in a little bay. Uh, and the owner told me, he says, if you walk out there at low tide up to your waist and leave tra lobster tracks, lobster traps, and wait a couple of cycles, so high tide, low tide, you you'll have lobsters. And uh, and sure enough, it I never did that, but at low tide, I'm a big scallop guy. I love scallops. When it comes to seafood, well, you throw scallops in front of me, I'll, I'll dine them all. I love scallops and uh, they're very soft and uh, I just like the flavor when they're done right and garlic and fried up right. Anyway, um, <laughs> my uh, youngest daughter, my youngest daughter was out there. I still got a little video of it somewhere holding up a little clam, big old, Secret big one like that that she picked up in ankle deep water that she picked up and and as I looked in the water I could see them all over out there I could have gone out there and picked up all shallow them all uh, the tides up there thirty feet tides I had a dock that was thirty feet high 
Uh, no, it wasn't quite. It was it was almost thirty feet high. It was more. It was closer to the shore. So when the tide went out, it was totally dry, and it was about ten feet from the edge of the dock to where the water's edge ended at dead low tide. And every six hours, the tides up there, thirty foot tides. Um, so that water was coming in out a lot. Yeah, big time, man. We spent the Christmas up there when the, our companies that I always worked for were usually closed at Christmas time. So we went up there for Christmas one year and got snowed in. A blizzard rolled in <laughs> while we were up there. Because it snowed so hard, you couldn't even see the tree. I had a big old evergreen tree out in front, pine tree, 100 feet tall. Couldn't cut it down because it's too close to the shore. You know, they, you're restricted. You couldn't take it out. And uh, you couldn't even see that tree. The, the snow was so blinding thick when it came down as you looked out the window you couldn't even see just a few feet out and past the window it was so thick and uh yeah it's a really pretty pretty spot i even saw an eagle swim saw an eagle swim one time come down i was up there and i have a uh, when i was in the navy i was part of a shooting team so um so i had all my equipment you know I'd, i i wouldn't take any of my rifles or anything up there but i'd take my spotting scope and uh and so i i'd love to look at the eagles on the little island opposite us they'd sit on the trees up there and then they'd scope out a fish you know in the water and fly down and scoop it up you know i used to love watching that well i saw this eagle fly down grab a hold of something and he got pulled right into the water boy he got his no get up and go out of flying it out but he wasn't too far from shore and he swam to shore using his wings and he pulled up a big old fish that he didn't let go of that were still in his talons right up onto that shore. Yeah. And I even woke up my middle daughter. She's the only one I said, you got to get up and see this girl. You're never going to see an eagle swim like this again. So it's really cool. Uh, yeah. I love wildlife and I love being out in the country. I like, I'm a country boy. I love uh, one of my most favorite places to live was Texas. When I lived there with my father and my senior in high school, I, you know, I've got to be too much at home with my mom, and so I had to go live with my father. And um, and uh, it's just different, you know. He lived out in the country, six miles outside of town, on a hundred acres, and uh, we were surrounded by many bigger ranches with several hundred hundreds of acres. Uh, so they never had a lot of traffic back then. We still had party lines out there. I'd go to try and call one of my buddies from school, you know, that I met because I was a senior in high school, just new to a new school. That I don't know if you guys are familiar with party lines, but you'd pick up a line, and there might be somebody else already on the line talking. So you'd have to wait until they got off the line. You'd have to hang up. And that'd be somebody, one of your neighbors down the road. <laughs> it's amazing where we've come from uh, to where we are today uh, with cell phones. You don't see a payphone anymore, hardly ever, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there aren't any places with party lines anymore. I'd be real surprised to hear that. No. <laughs> yes. There's got to be some hanging in a few basements and fucking somebody's claims, you know. But you, <laughs> you know, in fact, the last time I seen one, and it was it was a few years ago. It wasn't even, you couldn't even put coins in it. You had to have a card. Wow. <laughs> to stick in it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's funny. That's really like, mean. Man, who's who's this hard up? <laughs> Thing probably cost five bucks to stick your card in. I was like, holy cow, man. Yeah, there's a few relics still out there. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so I, I really uh I really am I'm impressed with uh the way you guys get together and it had that rafting trip and you got all these meet and greets and stuff up there in Michigan. You guys are doing it right, man. Getting the community together and meeting new people, you know, getting a chance to meet all these people in chat. So uh, what I really like about Cannabis is that they got a, uh, they got a, in the about section, you, you can join uh, different groups, you know? And so I've joined the group from Massachusetts and, um, uh, Man, there's about 80 people in there. I was surprised. So I went and friended every one of them. And uh, so I want to try and get the word out once this COVID crap goes away. Uh, that, you know, to have a meet and greet. Like, I already got a state park picked out that's kind of centrally located in Massachusetts. It's uh, about an hour and 15 minutes from me because I live on one end of the state. But it, but uh, as you look around the whole state, it would be about an hour away from almost anywhere. Uh, at its furthest distance. So it's it's kind of a centralized place and it's, it's a nice place. I used to go there a lot on my motorcycle called Purgatory Chasm. Great place to go smoke. I really like like going there. Uh, used to love a bunch of them over there. Miranda Family Farms is over there in Massachusetts and Boston. Oh, wow. Chris Mertz is over there. from Really? Wow, in, uh, no Massachusetts. way. Wow. I want to say that... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, there's no, I want to say, but Charlie's Farm 420 or Farmer Willie is from Boston. He calls wow. me Eagles. Hey, <laughs> nice. Eagles. How you doing today? And kid's <laughs> got a bunch of stories. Yeah, yeah you're shitting. There's a bunch of people in this chat that are from the Massachusetts, Boston area. For nice. Sure. For sure. Right, that's good to know. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to get on, you know, uh, get, have one of those meet and greets sometime and you know, there's all kinds of fun stuff, even even right around here, even right in here between uh, Massachusetts and Rhode Island. There's, uh, there's a real nice river that uh, I haven't been there in a long time. It's called the Blackstone River Valley, and it runs from Massachusetts right into Rhode Island, right out to the ocean. And, um, and it, uh, the last time I was... Oh. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to throw out a shameless plug for old there. I've had him on the on the show, but uh, Miranda Family Farms. If you look him up, he he's a good source of uh, genetics and stuff over there. Okay. Uh, in Boston, he carries a bunch of genetics. If you have to actually like go pick some up hand to hand because you no don't kidding. trust the mail or whatever. Okay. But yeah, absolutely. And, uh, he actually does uh, support a bunch of cannabis events over that way. So, all right. What uh, What's the name of his? What's his handle? Miranda Family Farms. He's always helping people out over there. Awesome. Yeah, I wrote it down, so I'll remember to look it up. Fantastic. Thank you. I know I, I, I tend to get around eventually back to around to what I was. What I what I'm thinking about, but it, a lot of times I'm like scattering. You know, I, I, I tend to be uh, going a million different ways a second, and I'm, I try to keep it all together. 
so multitasking sometimes too much uh so i have to write things down so i remember you know so i can go back and look and I, I think uh, Zen Premium Cannabis off of the Embracing Organics. I think he is somewhere in Massachusetts, but I don't know where. Um, he's on that Embracing Organics show. Uh, I'll, need a, I'll need to look him up, too, maybe on Instagram and uh, hit him up. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of good, good people here, you know, and everywhere, across the whole country, you know. And uh, so it, it's just nice that we've been kept in our closets and hidden away from each other because of the law and it's just nice to see that it's turned around you know that we're coming back around and and uh that uh you know this this we're a whole huge community out here you know and uh nice to see us all supporting each other and helping each other and you know for those people that can't grow for whatever reason uh that we're here to help them you know that there's there's, there's those of us here that you know you might have a friend or two and uh you know i Know, people tell me all the time, man, how, why, why is something, you know, uh, the price, you know, my price is cheap. You know, they're like, oh my God, man, really? You're, you know, I'll give you more. <laughs> no, no, if I'm not just giving it away, these guys, to a couple of my friends, uh, it's it's barely anything. Maybe maybe a lunch, you know, give me a lunch one day. That's cool. I'll, I'll take that, you know. I, I get to take my wife out to dinner or something, you know. Uh, uh, but I don't, I don't like to kill the guys, you know, because it's expensive enough if you have to go to the dispensary, you know. The bigger they are, it's expensive, you know. I don't go there. I've only been there once, but I see the prices, you know, and it's not cheap. And after the taxes and everything, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. So uh, I don't know what happened, automation, but uh, your, your audio, they, it went down for me, too. But they're saying they're having a hard time hearing you, too, in chat. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, maybe, uh, maybe I'm just not talking directly enough into the speaker. I don't know. Uh, it was it good. Better? It's still a little bit low, but I don't know what's going on. But uh, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I hadn't hit any settings on that laptop. I hadn't hit any settings on the laptop. I, I'm not sure why it would. I don't know. We just had somebody kind of messing around in chat. It's quite possibly it's a hacker oh. on Zoom. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I haven't dealt with any of them, so I'm, I, count my, I count my blessings. I hope I don't run into anybody like that. <laughs> you know, those guys could really screw up your world in the electronic world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, well you've watched the shows. There's been plenty of nights where uh, they've taken down the stream you know oh, since no i've learned kidding. to just yeah I've, I've just learned to deal with it it's happened a few times on embracing organics and uh there's been one night actually i actually had to fight the uh mouse i could see my cursor floating across the screen and i had to grab my mouse and i'm like oh no you don't it was like <laughs> towards the end of the 420 uh event there Wow. And they were trying to kill it. And I'm, I'm sitting here going, no, no, you don't. Uh-uh. And, wow. And, Boy, but, that's really amazing that they can do that, you know? That's, uh, oh, there's some nights. I have two, because of them, because of this, I have two separate internet providers. I have a satellite connection, and I have another uh, landline connection. 
and they can take there's been times where they've taken them both out i've been sitting here and i can see things going awry on my end and then i know i can see what's going on and then my internet connection just goes boop 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 and they all disappear and then i that's when i lose when you see somebody else take over the show that's what's going on and then i sit here for a second and then my interaction all four come right back boop 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 (laughs) and then it'll let me connect again wow i'm not i'm 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 uh i'm not laughing at you i i just i just it's i'm amazed at the ability of some of these people you know and it's like wow you guys should really find something really constructive to do with that talent because you've got a lot of talent if you can do that you know why come and screw with this guy's show that's doing a lot of good and you should be putting that positive energy into that ability you know because uh you got to give those guys props wow uh, to be able to do that i wouldn't like it (laughs) but um and i wish and i would hope that they wouldn't do it you know to me or to anybody you know uh but I, I wonder yeah. why, if you giving them compliments, is wonder why they turned your mic back up. Because <laughs> 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 That's for real. <laughs> this guy ain't so bad. I'm micing back up because your <laughs> mic did go back up. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, hey, uh, Hey, Johnny Canaseed, I want to say hello to you and a few people out there. I see Ned Denver and Buzz Lightyear and uh, Lexi Aldridge, 25. I just want to Spiky Pilot, and I'm sure there's other people in there. As I scroll about, I just want to say uh, thank you very much for tuning in. I really appreciate all you guys. I didn't know if I would have a lot to offer to this community because it is... Um, you know, it's a it's a growers community, and uh, and I'm a new guy, and uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm here. You know, I want to learn, and uh, but you know, but it, it's nice to to get to know the other faces, and that's that's what I like about your show, especially because every night you're giving somebody a chance that um, you know to to present a side of them that that doesn't come across in chat. You know, like. You, you get a vibe for people in chat a little bit, you know, but until you really get them on here and you really get to see them and hear their voice and, and hear the way they speak and, you know, you get a whole new perspective on what that guy's all about, you know, or that person. Because I know we got a lot of women growers. Um, shout out to Miss Nugs, Miss D's Nugs. Shout out to her too. Yeah, nice garden you got going there, girl. Yep, veg garden looks good. Yep. And uh, yeah, I'm taking it all out. I really take it all in as much time as I can. You know, I'm uh, like I said, I'm committed at work eight hours a day and then the drive to and from there. And then, you know, you got your family life. And uh, and then uh, and then, of course, I got my garden and, and I'm down there all the time. And even though it's automated, I, I still got work. I got to do in my veg tents and um, and I'm still hovering like a mother hen. I like like I was saying in my uh, I don't think I ever finished the thought was that you can watch an actual watering event live, uh, not via camera, but just watch the numbers on one of the screens on the PPMPH screen, I call it. If you go to that, to the touch screen, you can actually watch your water fill up to the proper amount that you called for and stop, and then watch the tea fill up to the proper amount and stop. And then you can actually watch 
how many PPMs are being measured. You can see that live. And then you'll see it cross over to start measuring the pH. And, and then you'll see it start adjusting, you know? And so depending on what set point you set. So I, I give the user an ability to set up two separate set points on your, on, on, uh, for any, uh, for, let me see, uh, let me make sure I'm wording this correctly. Each watering event has a particular set point it will balance to. In this program, you have the ability to set up two set points, a high and a low, that's what I do. So on my first watering uh, of the day, and I usually do three waterings you know, during my day, um, but I do it every day and I, I do light waterings. I'm doing like uh, maybe a gallon uh, distributed between my four plants uh, the first time through a gallon total, and then and then maybe a light watering after that, depending on uh, you know uh, the feel of the pot. You know how I'm looking. I'm looking at the pot. If I if it looks really dried out, dry, I'll give it more. You know, it just depends. Um, and um, so uh, the first watering event, I might uh, I'll choose the low set point, and I might set it up for like six five, and then uh, the next watering event. I set up for six eight, you know. So so I'm getting the first waterings going in at six five. The next watering that's going in, it's going in at six eight, and then the third watering, you know, you can set it up any way you want. I'm growing in soil, so I know that I need to stay between six and seven, you know. And I know that primarily in veg, I I, I want to be in the lower range because that's that's a heavier nitrogen, you know. You want to be able to get the nitrogen. And, and so you gotta go down there to get it, you know, in the lower pH range. And then for the flower, when you're dealing more with the phosphorus and potassium, that, that comes alive more in the upper part of the pH range, you know? So I figure in flower, I'm, you know, so I give them both. So I'm, I'm trying to pH the both uh, during my flower cycle so that I try and keep my pot, I guess, as pH. Cause I don't, I'm not, I'm not uh, watering to drain. I'm not watering to, um, uh, what's it called? I guess so that so that water comes out of the pot. You know, I'm not I'm not flooding it completely. Uh, I could, I guess, um, but I I just found the way I'm doing it's pretty good, and um, uh, and I'm happy. I'm getting good results uh, that I'm happy with smoking and uh, and ingesting. So um, uh, so, but I know that if I really wanted to test the pH of my soil, I would either have to take a soil sample out and then put it in water and let it soak a little bit and then test that water. Or I need to uh, put enough water in it so that I kind of flush some out the bottom and then I could test my PPM and my pH at the same time then, you know. But I'm growing organic, you know, and everything I've been learning says that I shouldn't have to do that and that the microbes in there uh, should be maintaining my organic, uh, uh, you know, situation for my plants uh, uh, relative, relatively stable, you know, as long as I create a good environment for them. So that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, and um, so, you, like I said, you can, you can watch that all live and you can watch that take place uh, to make sure that it happens. You know, if you're like me and Mother Hen, and I know that when I'm gone on vacation and I know that uh, when, when they're supposed to get watered at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, I'm, I'm going to watch that, you know, I want to see it happen and, uh, and just for comfort because, because I'm an old lady at heart. I'm an old lady to them, to my garden. 
and I'm like a mother hen, man. They are my babies, and uh, so, uh, yeah. So, how many times do you think when you're on vacation you're gonna hear, "They're okay, leave that fucking phone alone." <laughs> yes, I am gonna hear that. Absolutely, yes. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'm just pick it up sparingly to check in and just make sure that things look right. And uh, like I well, said, well, I can see you. You know, it being the first run, I can see it. You want to check it every few minutes. Sure. <laughs> I can see on the other hand, her, yeah, her point of view too. This is why you built the fucking thing. Let's <laughs> let's enjoy this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're supposed to leave that alone. You built it and it's taking care of itself. Now you gotta put your you gotta turn the mother hug the mother hen switch on and enjoy vacation with me. <laughs> so yeah. I still got a little one at home too. Uh yeah, I still got a 13-year-old at home. So he's my youngest. And uh so I have five kids total. I've got all my other four from my previous marriage. They're all older. And uh uh, the next youngest one is a boy as well, and he's uh, 25. So, uh, and then they go up from there. All the rest of them are three girls. And I thought I was never going to have a boy. I almost gave up after the third girl was born. I, I was did. like, when we had our fourth one, I was like, I don't even want to know because I know it's a girl. And we didn't find out. When it was a boy, boy, was I tickled to death <laughs> to see that little tally maker. <laughs> I was so happy. No, I actually oh. got a boy. You know, You're the victory life. story I want to hear. I was just telling this story the other night that uh, yeah. about my girls. The first time, Brittany, they told me that she was a boy. Lexus, they told me in two ultrasounds that she was a boy. When wow. it came to Courtney, I was like, I don't even want to know. You're wrong anyway. And then she turned <laughs> out to be a girl. And I, I, told, I actually told my wife at one point, I was like, if I don't get fixed or you don't get fixed, I am going out in the rock, out in the yard, and I am just going to crush these balls with a rock <laughs> because I know I'm never going to get that boy and we will probably end up having 10 girls and I won't be able to take it. So I ended up, yeah. I had, and, but while we're on that subject, you know, it's a funny story. I had, by the way, the worst vasectomy and most embarrassing vasectomy that anybody could ever ask for i'm in there and they've got me about ready and the doctor comes in and he says excuse me sir but you don't mind if we have a couple medical patients come in and uh we kind of teach a little bit while this goes on and i'm reluctantly <laughs> oh, no. going uh okay and then the next thing i know i am surrounded by mainly female to be doctors i mean there had to be 15 20 people in the room during this all staring at my junk the doctor's flipping my pecker back and forth with friggin pencil <laughs> <laughs> I've just got my eyes shut so hard, just wishing this would be over. Yeah, I know, you know, after that, I swear, I never, because you're supposed to get uh, 
tested, you know, to make sure it all went okay and stuff. I was so embarrassed. I never went back. I never <laughs> went back. I was like, no way. I, I can't look anybody in the eye at this doctor's office anymore. <laughs> that's a great story. Oh, that's a great story. Oh, that's funny. You're right, though. I could, I know exactly what you're talking about because when I was in the VA hospital here just recently, they did the same thing. Like they brought the the main doctor, you know, an older doctor came up and and he had a bunch of student doctors with him. They were a bunch. They could have been my kids. They were so young, you know. But thankfully, I wasn't going through a vasectomy like you. That's really a some story. Oh. You're lucky they didn't oh. have cell phones back. Oh, actually, they probably did. <laughs> they probably they did, but probably not as big of a thing. Yeah, they, I, there definitely wasn't an Instagram and a Facebook at that time. That's for sure. Thank thank, yeah, thank God, right? Because the first thing anybody does today is they whip out their phone to start recording before they ever do anything to help you or or do oh anything. yeah first this is just for notes <laughs> just for notes <laughs> oh, um, that's great oh that's a that's a real good story yeah. fortunately for me i don't uh, have one like that <laughs> i'm glad you got your boys i'm glad you didn't give up and you yeah. ended up getting your boys yeah yeah, I was amazed. I uh, and really, and this last one too. I um, we weren't sure, you know, whether we were gonna find out, but I, I think we did. I think we found out ahead of time, so we knew, and uh, we were gonna have a little boy. And uh, yeah, he's he's what I love about my family, and um, uh, and I include my ex-wife in this because uh, we've grown a lot closer over the years, and. Um, uh, including, you know, like we just all do things together. Like at Christmas time, we go over there and celebrate Christmas. All of us, me, my wife, my son, all my other kids, my ex-wife, my mom's over there now, even my mother. I've had a real strange month. My mom who uh, suffers from dementia, she's, uh, she's also 88. Uh, she's still very physically fit. She's still medically and physically in good condition, but mentally she has issues and she, you know, so we all just have to deal with them, you know, and- um, Have you looked into the lion's mane? I, I have not, but I, I am gonna think, um, I have heard that it helps with brain and I'm gonna mention that to my ex-wife. The one thing about my ex-wife is uh, she would, I would have to tell her that she can't tell my mother and that she would need to introduce it to her separately, you know, like give it to her because, but I know my ex-wife, she's kind of like, a, doesn't keep a secret kind of, you know, I'd like, you know, it won't work if you tell her, she's just not going to do it, you know? So, because my mom's still real feisty and she just fights you over anything. She just, she, she hears voices and she listens to those voices. And so because of that, she needs care and, um, she was with my sister, but she's here now with us. And uh, so we've been splitting time between my house and my ex-wife's house. And uh, because my my mom, uh, when my kids were real young, we were in Florida when my mom was living in Florida with my stepdad and he grew up and they, all my kids grew up with my mom. So they know her as grandma, you know, abuela, the Spanish. 
because my mom's Puerto Rican and um, and boy, she got the temper to go with it. Uh, that Latin America boy, she was just right there. And even to this day, you know, so you can't make her do anything. You just have to kind of deal with everything and kind of have to indulge her uh, fantasies a little bit, you know, to not let her like I would never let her just go off anywhere. But you know, she still thinks that there's gonna have, she's gonna be able to take a helicopter ride from Rhode Island back to Texas so that she can get her things from my sister's house, you know, and it's only gonna cost $20 and the helicopter direct flight. And, you know, so, so she deals with things that aren't real, you know? Um, and uh, so one of the things, the latest thing, well, before I say the latest thing, uh, maybe about a month ago, when uh, after she had been at my ex-wife's for about a week, she uh, told the family there that I was not really her son. And uh, and I don't know who I'm, I'm not sure who I'm supposed to be. And, uh, uh, but then my ex-wife said, Miriam, out of all of your children, Reese is the one who most looks like you. You can't deny Reese, he's yours through and through. So, you know, she's, and then now the latest one is that I'm working with my current son in South America, in Suriname, where I was born, you know, and, um, and that my current wife is in jail, <laughs> in prison. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you just never know with my mother where she is going to go. She thinks that there's these families that follow her, right? She used to tell me about when I would talk to her on the phone when she was living in Florida after we had moved away that uh, these families, the Gonzalez and Martinez used to break into her house, swim across the pond, break into her house, steal stuff, and then swim back across the pond with this, with her stuff, right? So I said, but, and then, then when she was telling me the story again, when she was living in Texas, right? Fast forward 10 years, and uh, she's living with my sister. And I tell her, well, mom, you, you don't have to worry about the Gonzalez Martinez anymore because you're in Texas. And she says, no, Reese, they have houses everywhere. So, the, so in her mind, she creates a scenario where that's still possible. And like, she couldn't get away, you know, they're still after her, you know? So I feel for her. And uh, we've tried to get her, uh, uh, we're gonna try and get her mental health. She refuses to go to a psychologist. And she, if you were just to talk to her, she could come across very normal to you. And, uh, but if you observed her, say over several hours, you would eventually see her murmuring to herself and, uh, you know, you know, she's dealing with the voices, you know, so um, it, it's just sad, like in a way, I think here she is really pretty healthy physically wise, but she's dealing with all this strife here at the end of her life, you know, it's like sad, you know, I feel like I feel sad for my mom, because I feel like at the end here, she should really just be enjoying the end, you know, and um, like my father, you know, but my father doesn't deal with mental health issues. And I don't really blame my mom, because I feel like it's out of her control. You know, it's just, you know, something's just not wired right, or something went wrong somehow, you know, because she wasn't all that way. I mean, she raised us, and she didn't have problems then. And even after she had gotten divorced from my dad, she's still 
you know, managed a job and a household and, you know, cared for us enough to where we all got out on our own. So, yeah, I kind of feel for her, but she's happy now. And even though I wish she was with us, I want her here with me, with me and my wife and my son. But she's happy with my ex-wife. She's happy with my other kids. So as long as she's happy there, I want her to be happy. And as long as they're happy having her there, it's better than putting her in a home where I'm worried about the kind of care that she might get from somebody who isn't so sympathetic about my mom might be too feisty for them, you know? Like, she's still very physical. She'll fight you, you know? She's just that way. That's, and uh, you can't make her do things. You have to do it a different way with her, you know? And uh, so I feel like the best option is to keep her with us as long as we can. Uh, it's not to say I don't have her on a list. I, I think, you know, eventually, like my dad said, you know, eventually, Reese, it's just going to get to the point. It's just we're not going to be able to handle it. And uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But I'm going to give it a try. Well, the old college try. I hope you do, do. Because I, I don't talk about this very often, but uh, I take care of a sister that's in the same boat. Nice. Props to house, you. Props to you. Be, because, nice. Uh, it, it can be very challenging. Oh my goodness! They're all the time. Things are missing. And yes. Yeah, people get that to steal she, it. she had years ago. Oh yes, that's terrible. I, I know. Didn't want to say it, but yes. Yes, yes I know. So, I know. And, yes, yes. Same thing. My mother is the same way, and it's. And it was tough. it was one. It was the same thing. It was uh, Ma. In this case, Ma took care of her. And then when my past, uh, brother, nobody else wanted to step up to it. And we couldn't, I couldn't bear to see her get put in a home. So she, she's here. And, and many props to you, dude. Does she live with you? Yes. Props. So uh, good for you, you know, dude, man. That's not easy. I can, no, it's not. And I'm glad to see that you're willing to, or, to do it too because and then again it get, there's going to be times where you're not going to have to vacation because uh it can't it's not that's useful. right yeah uh, exactly yep i know i hear you man i'm the, i'm in the same boat right now i really am so uh we're just we're just going to try and make the best of it for as long as we can you know and uh as long as you know, if her attitude would just lighten up a little bit and just accept the fact that maybe she's just going to be with us, you know, but my ex-wife tells me, you know, my kids, you know, that she'll pack up all of her bags with all of her belongings and she'll wait out on the front porch saying that they're coming together. The voices told her they're going to come and pick her up today and take her and she'll wait out there and every passing car, she stomps her feet and makes, you know, and gets pissed off that the car didn't stop. You know, and uh, so it, it's tough. You know, it's just a it's a really tough thing. And, and you're a very honorable. It's a very honorable thing that you're doing. And, and just think I had, about this. I uh, had look. this is no this is no joke. And this is a talking because it relates to what you're saying there. Um, I come home one time. This is probably about uh, 10 years ago. I come home one time 
and there is a state trooper in my driveway. Actually, he's in front in front of the house. Oh boy! And I think to myself, "Oh shit! What in the what is going on?" And uh, so I back into the driveway, and he uh, immediately. And you know, this is where the I just this is it is what it is. Yep. I just picked up a cute puggy of. Uh, some just stanky home grown. I mean, it was all I could do on the way home. To, I mean, it was pungent. It was in a cooler in jars and still pungent. So I am, I, I am actually think I'm about ready to be busted, to be honest. With you. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh, it, this story is as good as the other. So I, I, this is what happened. I see him and I back into the driveway like I always do. And he pulls into me nose to nose. Oh, shit. And I am thinking, and it's, uh, it's, by the way, it's one of my daughter's birthdays as well. And I have a cake with me. And so I leave the cooler and I fucking take, uh, I get out with the cake and I set it out on the dash. And he's like, uh, excuse me, sir, can you here? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, um, who lives here with you? And I'm like, well, my kids, wife, and fucking sister. Okay, um, well, we want to know because there was somebody from this house was just across the street, and there was a, a old lady, her husband had just passed, so she was like, looking in the windows and knocking on the door and swearing that Mike was living there. Yes. And she oh wanted to go and had this lady just terrified because the stranger, you know, beat yes. on the door. And uh, so, yes. So he's sitting there talking to me about all of this. And I... I'm explaining to him, yes, that, that I have an Anakin sister, and she's uh, she was hit by a car, by the way. And that's uh, what I see. It was it was a head injury. I uh, see. Okay. So, uh, I'm explaining to him what has what's going on, and uh, <laughs> uh, I believe it was Lexi. I'm almost positive. You know, yeah, I'm almost positive it was Lexi that did this. So I'm explaining to him what what happened and what you know what what my situation was, and he's like, okay, well, you know, you should you know explain to the neighbor what's going on because we were just pretty new to the neighborhood at that point, and we had actually chose this house. We got out of the city because we were afraid of this type of thing happening and her you know, getting further off actually. Yes. And um, so, so, and he's like, okay, well you need to, you know, it'd be a good idea to contact the neighbors and give them, you know, contact numbers for you just in case something like this ever happens again, that they can contact you and let you know that, you know, she's out and about and, uh, we're like, okay, thank you. 
and Lexus comes out and she's sitting there holding my leg. She's young at this. Yeah. I want to say four or five at this point. Yeah. yeah. And she's just looking at me and she's looking at this cop. She's like hogging my leg, looking at him. And for some reason, he looks down at her and it's like, oh, she's a little cutie. And uh, she reaches down and grabs a handful of dirt and wings it right into the car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, already, I'm like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh. He just looks at me and just says, good day. <laughs> Rolls up his I'm like, wow, oh, no. I'm like walking her up the house. I'm like, why did you do it? She never ever gave me a good reason why she did it and what possessed her to do it. Wow. Like she must have had a spidey sense about it or oh, whatever. But yeah. yeah. Wow. Totally dusted it with a handful of dust and dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been, I maybe leave my daddy alone. I yeah, don't know. Right. What yeah. the, run, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Hey, uh, you know, getting back to the, the neighbors thing, I we experienced that. I haven't experienced that here, but my sister has with my mother. In other, so she was making sandwiches for the neighbor's dog because she was convinced that the neighbor's dog needed to eat. And so she was making sandwiches and throwing the sandwiches over the fence. And, uh, and then she was knocking on the neighbor's house thinking that her sister was there. Her, and her only surviving sibling is one sister that's still alive in Florida. So at least my ex-wife has gotten them together on the phone and they've communicated talking to each other, you know, uh, but her sister is, you know, just as bad as my mother. She's kind of lost it, you know, so, um, and one of her sons, I believe, stays in her house uh, with her that cares for her. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what it is, but I think my mother has, goes back in time a lot, like, um, where, uh, she, she thinks about family and uh, her sisters and her siblings, and she's always talking about her sister and wanting to go see her. And um, and so she's always convinced that she's in the neighborhood. And so she'll knock on pieces people's houses, you know, and say, "Is is Nilda there? Is Nilda in in, in the house?" You know. So um, so my my sister just wanted to make me aware of that potential, you know, and that she hadn't done it in a long time. Like she quit feeding the dog. Thank goodness they. They told her, you know, uh, it somehow got through to her so that she quit throwing sandwiches over the fence to the dog, you know. And I'm sure they were probably roast beef or turkey or something. I'm sure it's probably pretty good knowing my mom, you know. Um, uh, I don't think it would have been anything that would have hurt the dog. Uh, but uh, so I, I know exactly what you're dealing with, and it's, it's just a real hard thing, you know. Um, but I... Uh, I even reached out to my mother a little bit. Like she says, oh, you're, you're probably smoking that stuff, aren't you? Like when she was here, uh, she, I, we were going to the store or something or maybe walking down the breakfast downtown here. 
and uh, and she mentioned that to me, and uh, I finally just told her that it's it's legal now. It's not illegal anymore in this state. It's legal, and it's legal uh, almost in a, a whole lot of other states in this country. I said, no, things are different. It's not being demonized uh, as much as it used to be, and people are starting to see it as a worthwhile medicine that actually helps people. And uh, so I was kind of glad to, to be able to say that because I know she's still enough together to get through. Like like I said, she could talk to you and she, she would seem normal. It's just that you would have to observe her over a period of time to kind of see her be the state that she's really in, you know? Uh, um, so I don't know that she, I don't know uh, I, I would like to try the lion's mane. Uh, I do want to try that. And, uh, and I will certainly look into that and talk to my ex-wife because she's know, a good cook, you know. And, a, and, RSO, I, I've heard things. Uh, lion's mane recently, as far as lion's mane goes, uh, it actually, in some cases recently, Building, rebuilding parts of the brain so much that they recall every things, are recalling things that uh, people instances that without the injuries aren't even remembering. You know what I mean? Just amazing. As, so, it's actually rebuilding the brain in some instances. And Boy, I've that's really amazing. Great things with uh, the RSO or uh, too is uh, I've actually seen studies that seen if the if we would have been here 30 years ago and she was, would have been able to uh, been fed a regimen of RSO back then, that uh, we wouldn't even be having this conversation today. Wow. That uh, it would could have probably rebuilt things for then neurologically. Yes. So. Rewired things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could, have, it could have made the pathways fixed, you know. Oh, and I know one other thing I wanted to share with whoever's left in um, chat. I don't know how many are left. But, uh, um, but I, wow, that's amazing. This late. Wow, that's great. Um, but I wanted to mention anybody that has arthritis, if you have arthritis, you want to get honeybee stings. If you're not allergic to, bee, to bees, to a bee sting, you want to get a honeybee sting right in the area where your arthritis is. And it may not just solve it on one sting. It may be that you have to do a sting every week until the pain is completely gone. But once gone, it will not return. I don't think it will return. It hasn't in my case. I had some arthritis in my shoulder, my left shoulder, and I could not lift the weight of my arm above the plane of my shoulder. I could not get it above the plane of my shoulder. It hurt too much and it was getting worse. And uh, so the doctors never x-rayed it or anything because once my wife, again, my wife, the doctor, who is not really a doctor, but is a doctor. She's a witch doctor, not in the sense of, you know, evil stuff and, you know, uh, dolls and pins and stuff, but she's she's a good woman, and uh, she should have been a doctor. She really just should have been, and uh, so she she recalled that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I met my wife at a beekeeping class. There was only about twenty of us in there, and um, or maybe less than that. And 
here's this beautiful woman sitting in this class. She went there for the bee stinging, for the apotherapy, that's what it's called. And I went there for the honey because I had a sweet tooth and I use honey and like my coffee and sweeten up my cereal, it's like a sugar, you know, uh, I just like honey. And uh, so we met, we eventually got married. And then uh, uh, when my shoulder got real bad, she found out that near my work, there was a retired dentist who was giving beast things at lunch and uh, for people that would just show up. And I will really wish, I think he's dead. I think he's passed because he was very old when I got this done. And this was done 15 years ago. Uh, so I, I, I mean, he might be still alive, but he was treating people with Parkinson's, with MS. He was trying bee stings to see if they could, if they could improve their conditions. And, uh, but we knew the arthritis worked because my uh, wife's brother he is my age exactly. We're like just a few months apart. And he had rheumatoid arthritis throughout his whole body. He was diagnosed when he was just 12 years old. And they were planning to replace all the joints in his body with plastic because the arthritis was so bad. That's, that was their current remedy at that time. And can you imagine, I mean, think of where we've come with prosthetics and stuff now. I can't imagine what they would have used way back then to try and replace joints and stuff, you know, on a 12-year-old. So uh, her mother had heard about this beekeeper up in Vermont that was giving bee stings for people who had arthritis. She read about it in the paper. So she took her son up there. He got bee stung everywhere throughout his whole body. And I don't know if it was just a one-time event or several events. I don't know. I just know that he was stung everywhere. And when he came back, he was done with the arthritis. I mean, it was, he was free. He has been free. He's like my age and it shows no signs of arthritis. And uh, here I am, couldn't lift the weight of my shoulder above my shoulder, uh, the plane of my shoulder sticking straight out, right? I couldn't lift it up like you're raising your hand. And... Um, uh, so I went to this dentist and he gave me three stings across the top of my shoulder. And these are live bees. And what he would do is he would keep them in a mason jar and put them in the refrigerator before he would go and grab them. Once he put them in the free, I think it was a freezer maybe, but not very long because you'll kill them. But it slows them way down. They can't do nothing. It's like giving them a hundred year, you know, birthday. And, uh, so then he would open up the cap and then reach in there with a long pair of tweezers and grab one, put the top back on, and then he would just touch the bee as it was live to my shoulder, and it would sting immediately. And then it would he would pull it away, and you would see the little sack that's left behind. It actually it looks like a little heart pumping, a pump, a pump, a pump, just like a heart does until it shrivels up like a like a raisin. So picture this, it was a grape, then it struggled up like a raisin once it pumped out all the poison and pumped it into you through the uh, needle, through its own, uh, you know, needle, the stinger. And he gave me three of those. So the next week, uh, next week, I, I was still in pain, no, no relief. So I went back the week later, gave me another three stings, lower this time, a little bit lower. The next week, still 
all pain, no relief. I went back again, three more stings, a little bit lower than those. No relief, no relief at all. And then, uh, and I remember me telling him, look, I've been coming here and this is my third week, 12, 12 shots, you know, and I said, I don't feel any better at all. And I'm thinking that maybe this just isn't going to work for me. And he said, stick with it. He says, when it happens, it'll be immediately. It's just one of those things that's not a gradual thing. You will know the difference. So I'm glad I did. After the fourth set of three stings, and he went back up on top for the fourth round. That week after that, dude, 15 years. 15 years, no pain at all. I can lift my arm straight up above the plane. I couldn't lift it above this. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. The weight of my arm. I didn't even have to have anything in my hand. I just couldn't even lift the weight of my arm up like that. Because of what was going on in my shoulder. Arthritis was eating it up. And it was too much pain for me to lift it up. So the bee stings reverse the arthritis. They cure the arthritis. So I think my doctor says I have arthritis. That's what's in my back and in my hips, in my lower back especially. She says it's real bad. And 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 if I, after a good day at work, or if I don't have the RSOL oil, I feel it, man. It's it's killing me. But I'm not a beekeeper right now. I used to be before I went to Honduras, but I gave that up when I left. But I'm going to take it up again once, uh, once we make the move. I'll be getting some bees again. It's a fun hobby. It's another fun hobby to add to the regiment. It's, uh, you know, I want to start growing regular vegetables and fruits and stuff. I want to do all that, you know, because, you know, the food that we're getting from the grocery stores is just made to look real nice in the grocery store. But its value as far as nutrition is zero. You might as well just be putting cardboard in you as far as I'm concerned. And maybe I haven't done any testing or anything to prove that, but I can just tell from the taste. It just tastes awful. And. One of the things we think that we're getting all this, our farmers here in the country are regulated to such an extent. We know that they're growing decent food. Their, new, their food is good. However, no, okay, and maybe some of it isn't too, but I know that we're getting food that's not regulated from overseas. Look at the food that you buy, the grapes, the apples, I don't know about apples, but look around at the produce, at the meat. Look at where it's from. Look, I saw it in there from somewhere in South America, the grapes. But I picked the California grapes because I figured at least our stuff should be regulated. And if they're following the rules, it should be better. But I know for a fact, if you grow your own, you cannot beat it. I know because when, when I was first married with my first wife, we gardened and we grew our own stuff. Broccoli, squash spinach, all that. We did it all, man. And it was good. And you can taste the difference. It's just a world of difference, dude. And you know, when they have to take a whole bunch of tomatoes into some garage and flood them with nitrogen so they can get them to turn nice bright red or whatever it is that they do to these things, then you know they're not ripening on the vine. They're not getting everything they should from the plant so that you're getting it when you eat it, you know? That's the whole purpose, you know? So... I don't know. I'm just really in at the end. It's a shame that we kind of wake up, some of us, at the end. <laughs> I call it at the end. I figure once I hit 50, that's my peak. I'm uphill, 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 up to 50. Now I've crossed over, but I'm 
uh, but I'm not in the ground yet. I'm still physically capable and mentally capable to do a lot of stuff, you know? And so I've still got a lot of rich life to live, but in my eyes, I've already crossed the peak, you know? So for me, that's why I keep saying that. Shut your mouth. You shut your (laughs) mouth. I'm I'm 48. I'm two years from that peak. And I'm not going to call that my peak. 50 (laughs) is not going to fucking be my peak. It's not going to happen. Hey, your peak could be your 70. You might end up living to be 150 years old. You just never know, man. I hope, I hope it ain't 50, man. I'm just, I'm just. You shot me right in the foot, brother. I'm, I'm going to be flipping around all the rest of the night going 50. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chad. I didn't want to be a downer here at the end. <laughs> no, it's all love. It's all love. It's all growing love. I'm, I'm eating RSO because oh. I believe it's going to add about 25 years onto my life. <laughs> uh, we're only as old as we feel. That's as right. As long as we're feeling young, we're all right. That's right. You got that right. You got that right. You know. And uh, I just I, I, I can't continue to give you and I uh, can't um, give you enough praise, I feel like, and the people out there in chat, because they're not all the big names. You know, you don't always have the big Kevin John trees and you know, all these big name guys on there, these big breeders and farmers and stuff. You you give a shout out to everybody. And, I, and that's what I love, because everybody has something to share and and me from a new grower's perspective to hear all these young guys that have so much knowledge man and imparting knowledge on the terpenes and the cannabinoids and you know using this for that and uh this kind of nutrition to do that and you know man i I love tuning man i'm like a sponge i love soaking it up you know and uh uh, you know, I know I, an old dog, new tricks, no problem right here, man. <laughs> I love that. I'm here to learn. You know, I want to improve. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut. No, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to finish I, right there. Yeah. I just, uh, you're being polite. I was just going to say that uh, I wanted to thank uh, Dr. Buzz Lightyear Acetone because, uh, and you, to be honest with you, because uh, as I'm thinking him, but I'm thinking you also, because when he brought up when he brought up the the uh, the Navy question there, it really sparked you up. And as I listened to them stories, I was honestly thinking to myself, "This is what I love about the show is uh, hearing that other side." You know what I mean? And you. you it's hearing all the, you know, the backstory on everybody is what yeah. I've always loved about it. And yeah. uh, seeing you light up was definitely the highlight, of, actually, about of the week. Because, uh, you know, not that it, the rest of the week hasn't been good, but I haven't seen that spark all week. And uh, <laughs> I actually, that spark set a spark off in me that I, I needed, no. to be honest with you. Nice. So um, I thank you both for, you know, him for the question you for the story and the excitement so i you know it is what it's about you know yeah that's right yeah i'm gonna have to get asked dr light here 
No, you'll have to ask. Well, like, we need to ask him what uh, branch. I, I mean, I know what branch. Was he a, a ET, FC, uh, some sort of a EW, maybe electronics warfare? I don't know. Oh, uh, he's because he, he said in chat. He did. Okay, oh, I'll he see said it when I'm chat. I'll see it when I watch it and replay. Then I'll see it because I'll pay attention to chat. Yeah, I that's sure why I didn't relay because it, at one point it got like all military on me, and it oh, was okay. like. A bunch of like code names, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I have no. I'm sure you guys are gonna click, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. This is a great community. It just really is. It brings people together from all different walks, and it's just really nice to hear all these different stories. You know, it just is. His reply is he was an FC one. FC one. All right, a fellow FC. I almost made it. I was ready to take the test uh, to for FC1, but uh, I didn't take it. I, 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 you had to wait. In the military, you had to wait a certain time frame before you could advance. Just didn't get it given to you automatically. And then you had to take a test. And when I was in, it was very competitive. You know, um, they had quit giving the bonuses because they started to fill up those uh, ranks, you know, so I didn't get the big $30,000 signing bonus for coming in, you know, uh, but, uh, but that's cool, man. And FC, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. We, we'll have plenty there of stuff go. to talk about. Yeah. Oh, look at this. I see Jones says he's an IC man. You see that uh, Jones N2 Grove that says IC, I think, oh, I don't know if he means IC or if he means the military, if he was in the military and he's an IC man, I think those guys ran wire. I think they were like telephone, telephone stuff. If it's, if I think, if, if I know right, maybe, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right. Buzz, I'll let you hit another comment for you under Jones to grow there. I'm just specifying there. Oh, yeah, he was on a non-Aegis ship, too. Cool. Hey, uh, yeah, I'll have to find out what type of ship. Yeah, I was on a guided, um, uh, I was on the USS Dale, which is a CG-19 was the number on the boat. So it was a guided missile cruiser. And uh, the newer cruisers, they got the missiles come right out of the deck. The deck itself holds like a little silo and it comes straight out. But on our ship, it was a whole system, man. You had these missiles that would get up on these rails in the gun room. They called it a gun room. And they were like on a, almost like on a, like a revolver does, where they're like all in a chamber. And they would rotate out onto this, two of them would rotate out onto this platform. And then they would get run right out there to the, to the launcher. And then they would get up on the launcher and be mounted on the launcher. And we had a, we were a double ender. So we had missiles on both ends. We didn't have a gun. Um, we just had missiles on both ends, and then we had an anti-ship missile called the Harpoon that we carried. I think we had eight of those, and then we had for incoming missiles we had the SeaWiz system, and that that was a that was like a Gatling gun set up on automatic shoot uranium tip rounds that would eat through metal until it just disintegrated whatever missile or airplane was coming in at us. But it was a very short range. It was a very close-in weapon system. And it was like a little drone. It looked like a little R2-D2 unit in Star Wars. Except, uh, you know, it just was like a little dome. And sticking out of it was this Gatling gun, six-barrel Gatling gun that could shoot like 3,000 rounds a minute, man. And these rounds were huge, big old rounds. 
and accurate as hell. And like I said, tipped with uh, uranium. So that means they eat right through the metal, man. Eat right through it. So, yeah, uh, the military knows what they're doing. Uh, you know, for what they're designed to do. Nobody wants to go to war. Nobody likes war. But you want to be on the side that's got the good stuff because you want to win. You don't want to be on the losing side. I'm sorry. You know, you know um, and hopefully we've seen the last war. Uh, I hope we're pulling all these guys home. I just, you know, uh, I, you know, it's just, it's, it's not in our interest uh, to be involved in all these wars everywhere. And I just don't think so. And, um, so, I mean, we need to still stay strong. Got to keep a strong presence everywhere because, uh, you know, when you're weak, that's when you're vulnerable. And uh, so we don't want to, you know, it's good that our guys have good equipment and they need good equipment and they need to be able to destroy things and break things. And that's what the military does. Uh, but they do a lot of good stuff too. You know, like they had that hospital ship, right? They run it up there for the COVID up in uh, New York and one out in L.A. And, you know, hey, they took care of me when I was hurting. <laughs> so, I can't complain too much about the military. Um, hey, Eagles, it's a, this has been a, a blast. And I want, I want, to, I want to enjoy another, another one on, on live. <laughs> So they can tell I'm not I'm not a robot. This is like checking that little box. It says, you know, sometimes when you got to check that box and make sure that you're a real person. I'm going to light one up on here so you guys can see that I'm a real person. I'm not a clone and I'm not, you know, a blow up doll. Otherwise, I'd be like. (laughs) 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 I got a funny backstory on that. When I was about 18. I had a van and, you know, I was living on my own. I had a couple of roommates. We always used to go to this beach called Moonstone Beach uh, here in Rhode Island. And we always talked about getting a bunch of blow-up dolls, three blow-up dolls, and taking them out there to be our rafts out on the beach. <laughs> never did it. We, we never did it. We never got the balls enough to do it. But we used to talk about it and get high and talk about it a lot. <laughs> it's uh, amazing. That's a funny shit. That would have been some funny shit. It would have been funny, I think, to see three guys running out into the water with these blow-up dolls. (laughs) For sure. For sure. (laughs) That would have been, yeah. Good thing there wasn't cell phones back then. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So true. Imagine that. There's so much stuff that's not recorded. Thank God. Right, right. Well, you know, before you decide to to check out on me there, uh, you know, there's a couple things that, you know, I do. You probably even know already is the Zoom numbers. Keep them in case like... uh, you ever you're up and about when uh, the rabbit hole's going on because uh, you can always check in when the rabbit hole's going on, or if there's a panel show, if you know you see us, uh, if it's advertised or whatever, you know that there's going to be a tech show on, and you want to come on and talk and give some advice or tell us more about your your box. That'd be free. great. Feel free. Thank uh, you so much. Absolutely. Yes, I would love to do that. 
I would I would love to take you guys for a tour. Once I get this five by ten set up, when I get back off vacation, I'm gonna set that thing up. And I get when I reset everything, and I'm gonna rearrange my basement a little bit, and I'll still just have three tents. I'll have two veg tents, and I'm gonna have that big monster flower tent. And um, I would I really wanna take you for a live tour in there, like use my phone, my good phone and my good Samsung phone, um, and take you for it. It's got a good camera on it, and and. Uh, and I have Wi-Fi down there, uh, so I should, I don't think it would cut out on me um, to be able to, you know, maybe on the weekend uh, once I get it, because I could climb inside the tent and then kind of zip up, because I know that I, I, I tend to get kind of excited and sometimes, and then I talk kind of loud, and I don't want to wake up my, my, my neighbors, you know, they, they live, because they, they're, they're, they're right above my grow space, you know, so... Uh, I was on the other side of the basement, um, I wouldn't be above any of their, uh, I wouldn't be below any of their um, bedrooms. But because I'm on the side I am, that's my side. Um, I, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm below one bedroom, you know. So, but as long as I keep it down, then uh, I could do it live. Um, you know, I'd just like to show you the setup so you could actually see my tank. And I, I have on, I think my Instagram, on maybe a live Instagram feed. I, I'm, I was trying to delete that one so I could make a new one because I, I don't like the way it turns out. And I still might delete it where I kind of do show um, uh, my uh, my tank and then the PVC little stand I made. And I don't made delete it. Use it for a backup and direct all your followers to your new account and then keep ah. the old one as a backup. Okay, okay, I gotcha. Right, okay. Don't delete. Okay. Yes, that's right. Okay. Very good. I'll do that. I mean, just the, uh, the old, just that one video on my, on my feed, but you're right. I'll hang on to it. I'll make a new one and, and uh, that'll be a, a better one. And, and I also, for my system, I wanted to say that I also made the same PD stand on the outside of my tent. And on that stand up near the top, I put a, a platform, a piece of wood, and on that, I have my pH balancing solutions. And, uh, and, and I have the, and then on top of that, I have like two little, I call them my goal posts that stick up off the PVC, some wood that I attached. Um, I used uh, like clamps around the PVC and then I clamped it to the wood so that I could uh, have a nice sturdy. Uh, and on that is where I put my little pump. And so the little pump doesn't have far to pump the pH balancing solution into the tank, all right? Because I'm using, I was trying to use a diluted, uh, and, and as long as the, al the alkaline side never gave me any problems it, it, with it being diluted, but the uh, pH down, the acidic side, it would grow uh, some kind of mold inside of it. Like if I, if I, I would take 10 milliliters of pH, say um, general hydroponics pH down, right? The yellow one or orange looking one. And I would take 10, milli 10 milliliters of that and mix it in um, a quart, a quart of water. And I was using that in my setup originally, right? 
but uh, and I thought that would work, but but the pH down would get some kind of mold growth in it, and and I don't know what it was. I would clean it out with um, I would empty out the solution. I would clean out the glass because it was glass with alcohol, and make sure it was nice and dry and everything was clean. And then I would take the same ten milliliters and put a a quart of water in there, and I would fill it back up, and I would pour it in there, and within a few days it would start to get mold again. And uh, so I, I know that, that I, I just um, I had to overcome that hurdle. And so I thought, all right, it's not working diluted. Um, I thought about using apple cider vinegar. I, I thought about using that just straight, but then it would just be straight apple cider vinegar, not diluted at all, you know, I think. Um, no, you, shouldn't you use white vinegar for uh, down? Is it white? Is it white? Is it white vinegar for down? Oh, okay. Then, but if you use vinegar or the apple cider, there's still because of uh, mother in some brands. So oh, that's right. Like, yes, it's got the mother in it. That's right. Yeah, I might not want to add that. Oh, you're right. It would be white vinegar if I was going to do it that way. Uh, and I guess you could because now I, I, I had two bottles of that hydroponic pH balancing solution left, you know, two, two bottles that are maybe, I think they're eight ounce bottles probably and that were unopened. So I essentially, what I did was I thought, all right, I'm gonna change my program because I had to, this was, this means I had to change my program because I was, it all involves timing and how long, you know, how much of that solution are you adding, right? Because I'm going from a very diluted amount now to a totally concentrated amount because I thought I had this concentrated pH down solution that never grows any mold in it because it's concentrated. I don't dilute it with anything. It just stays concentrated. So I poked a little hole in the top of the aluminum foil that covers the top, just big enough to put my little, it's a straw size um, glass, glass straw. It's like a glass straw. And I just put it in there. And that's what I use to uptake from the pH. And then I go to, um, from, from the end of the little straw are the tubes that go to the pump. And then the pump pumps the liquid into the tank, right? But because now that I'm using a concentrated solution, I had to change my program some, you know, because now I'm adding concentrated solution. That means it's a, it's a, whole, it's a lot stronger. And so it's gonna make a bigger difference. And I don't wanna over, I don't wanna add too much because then you're going to pH, you're going from like a seven to a three you know, or four, you know, and you can't, you don't want to do that. So, so that meant changing things. So um, I did that and um, I'm very happy now. I'm, I've used the concentrated uh, here during this flower cycle and, and it worked out great. Um, I would say the times when it's a little bit harder to, to, um, to balance on point, like if I put it at six, five, right? And I'm just doing water only. And I'm using rainwater. So my rainwater is probably coming in at like six, seven. So I don't even know why I'm even bothering to balance it. But if I use a small amount of water, like if I'm only uh, have maybe one quart into the in that tank, and then I drop that, even that one drop, boop, and goes in there, that can change the pH. I was sitting at six, seven. Now I might be at five. So... So when you, so 
so you have to learn like like we all do we learn right so if you use a bigger so what i've learned through using my system is the the little quirks about it that help help it run better and more efficiently are that you would use a, a bigger volume of water. So that's why when I use, like I'm pumping in there generally above a quart. If I'm using a quart, it's only because I'm measuring, uh, because I'm wanting to measure um, how much, I wanna test how much to make sure that my sensor is putting out the right amount of water that I'm calling for. So if I say I want 32 ounces of water, then I wanna see that in my, uh, Tupperware container that has all sectioned off with how much, you know, how much should be the fill level. I want to see that it matches 32 ounces, right? And uh, so I also, in my program, have included <laughs> uh, the ability for you to be able to, um, because everybody's tent might be different. Your height might be a little bit different than my height, or, or maybe some guy's working in a, in a basement and he's not even using a tent, so he can go directly uh, his, his, his distance from where the, his watering tank is into the, uh, into the watering tank, the six-gallon container into the watering tank. Um, uh, oh, man, that's such an important point here. And... Uh, just give me a second here. I'm sure it'll. Uh, oh, gosh. oh, oh, yeah. It was the. Uh, it was. I knew it. I knew it'd come back. See, it just takes me a second. The calibration, right? So I put a couple of I put a couple of buttons in there so that you can adjust the calibration because when you first get this thing, the number that's in there is will be the number that I'm using it here at home for the calibration factor, but that might not be what your factor is going to be after you get yours set up. And those, so through testing, through using the pH bypass button, and then instead of having the water go to your plants, now you've got it going to this watering container instead. And, um, and what you can do is you manipulate the calibration factor until you get exactly the right amount of water that you called for uh, coming into your uh, container. You know, so you might have to do several waterings and you would do this, you know, this is like your initial setup. This is like when you first get the box, you're first opening it up, you're first setting up everything, everything's all set up. And now before you even give any water to the plants, you want to make sure that you're, that the water, the amount of water that you're calling for is exactly the amount of water that you're getting. And so you, you're going to do a little bit of testing and it's very easy. It's just a matter of getting to the right screen on the touch screen and uh, pushing the button and then entering in your new factor. And, and all you do is you would change it in relationship to the factor that's already in there. So let's just say that uh, you, you're calling for 32 ounces of water, but you're not getting 32, you're getting around 20. And so you know that you need to run that calibration factor it needs to be moved downward right? Because that allows more liquid to pass through to be measured before it gets accounted for in the controller. So uh, it lets a bigger volume of water go through. So you would know that you would just have to adjust that calibration factor, which is like a number. It goes out to like four or five digits. Uh, so it's like a 0 0.01755 or something. You, know, you don't have to get real fancy. Just drop it 
just drop it down. So if it's at like 0 0.017, I would drop it down to like 0 0.012 and then see where I would end up you know, see how much more water. And then you, and then now you have something to work from. So now maybe you made that adjustment. You put, you went from 0 0.017, but you weren't getting enough water. So you changed it to 0 0.012. Now you're getting too much. Now you're getting 40 ounces instead of 32. So now, you know, oh, all right. Now I just need to back off a little bit. So now you just go back in the other direction, right? You made it smaller to give you more water. Now you just make that same number a little bit bigger. So you go back to the same push button, you push that button, and now you, instead of going 0 0.012, now you make it 0 0.0135 and make it a little bit bigger and then see how much until you, and you can dial it in. That's, that's all about testing, you know? And, and once it's dialed in, dude, you are dialed in. And the only thing that screws it up after that that I found um, is, if you go too long, like I, I've, I've, now I've learned that after each run, I'm cleaning all my lines. I'm cleaning everything because what happens is stuff starts to grow in there. You know, like, you, you know, I'm running microbes through there. I'm running recharge and EM1 and I got all this other just regular water traveling up through there. And who knows what the rainwater running with it. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can see, you can see stuff start to grow in the water. You know, and maybe there's an additive I could put to the water to keep anything from growing in it. Maybe there is. I don't know. But I could learn that from somebody, you know, or maybe do some research to, to make sure that it wouldn't hurt the plants and still be effective at keeping the lines clean, you know. And uh, but what happens is stuff gets built up in there and then the sensor doesn't work as efficiently as it should, you know, and then and then now your water's thrown off a little bit. But it, it took a while before that buildup happened. So I know that if I take my system completely apart, because like I said, it's just gravity fed. So nothing's glued together. You get to unpull this. I, I pull my everything apart. My whole watering manifold, which is made up of PVC pipe and uh, uh, six uh, shutoff valves um, that I have, that uh, that's what feeds all my plants. Oh, and another thing I wanted to share too was, if you go to Home Depot and uh, you buy those PEX, you know, the PEX for doing water repairs, uh, the little plastic lines, I bought half inch, half inch size of those and they come in 10 foot lengths. And if you cut them to, I think I cut it to 22 inches and, and at the same counter, usually in the same location where the PEX is sold, they also sell the uh, plastic um, connectors. And so I bought plastic tees that were made for the PEX right? And so I have a line coming from my manifolds, from my watering manifold, a plastic line, a clear line that comes to the PEX T. And then what I did was I took my PEX and I made a circle and connected it around to the T. And then I, I turned it over and I drilled holes an inch apart, little holes. I think they're five thirty seconds, uh, big enough so that shit won't get trapped in there and block it up. Like, you know, because I'm, I'm making a tea. So I know that once in a while, some that tea's bringing up stuff is coming up with it. You know, it's not just liquid tea. It's, it's just not a liquid, you know. It's got stuff in it, you know. So I know that that pump's pumping some of that stuff in there, too. Uh, so, uh, so I drilled those holes, and it works great. I mean, I got it real nice. I'm, I'm, I'm in five-gallon fabric pots, and that PEX disc 
sticks out away from the um, from the stalk of the plant, probably a good three or four inches, maybe even five, almost not quite out to the edge of my fabric pot, but real close. And, and it just does a wonderful job. And, and when it waters, it fills up, like if it had been watered every day, like the first watering, you know, how the water kind of stands up, stands still on the top, you know. But man, it'll fill up the whole top, will fill up like a little flood, then you'll see it start to disappear. And then every subsequent watering after that, man, it just, those donuts, man, it just fills up the water and works great. I, it's like a shower. It's like I'm giving my plants a shower, you know? And uh, it, it really works effective. And uh, uh, I'm just really, uh, it's cheap. It was cheap to make, cheap to use. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to buy a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and uh, like I said, for any of you DIY guys out there, Hit me up if you thought that you could, you don't have to do any of the programming. The programming will be done. All that will be finished. You'll get the program and you'll get all the hardware devices. All you'll have to do is buy your box and you can use any size box you want. You don't have to use what I used here, right? When I first built my first box, which this, this is um, my first prototype box in the actual size box. My, the box that I use downstairs and I'm running my system on is a big box. It's, it's 18 by 18 by 12 inches deep. So I got all kinds, of, I could swim in that thing, you know? I mean, it's not even hardly touched, you know? So it's, it's, it was really overkill, but I didn't know because I didn't know to the extent what I was gonna do and what it would take, you know? I just, uh, so I, and they're not that expensive. These boxes aren't, I think they're like, 25 bucks. Uh, that box that I'm using downstairs is probably more expensive than that. But this little box that I put everything into, that, I, that this is the box that you would get, is um, is uh, just uh, six feet, uh, six inches deep, and it's a 12 by 12. But the point I'm trying to make is, if, if you DIY it yourself, then you already know a little bit of something. And if you wanted to build it in a plastic box, you could build it in a plastic box. I just like the idea of the metal box. Uh, so I put it in the metal box. And, um, uh, um, but, but it, you, you're going to build it. So you, you get to build it your way. You know, that's, that's the benefit of doing it your, your way, you know. So you just would have to be comfortable being able to uh, solder wire. And that's not that hard, right? You just got to be able to know the pinouts of your connectors and be able to put those wires right where they're supposed to be, the right colored wire. And I tell you everything. I'll write it all down in a instruction so that you know exactly uh, what cable you're building and what wire goes where. And uh, and then inside, I never did show you guys the inside. I'm kind of scared to, because it looks like a, it looks like a bird's nest. But I'm going to show you. I'm going to take this thing off. I'll show you guys. guys so that's with both covers off this is an access cover I, I cut the cover on purpose in half because there may come a time when you have to get in here 
And, uh, and if you do, um, uh, then I wanted you to, I, I wanted the bottom half to come off and then the top half, the wires have to be long enough so that you can open up the cover and, and still not pull on the wires uh, so that you disconnect the switches, you know? So that's why there's so much wire there. But it's, it's jam packed. You can tell it's got its own uh, mean well driver, power supply in there for 24 volts. And then the, uh, the um, uh, you know, the PLCs in there. There at the top, and then uh, I got all my solid state relays, you know, for all my for all my outlets, all the outlets here. So anyway, I, I tried to make it as uh, user friendly as possible, you know. And uh, um, uh, the only thing that you're not seeing here is the is the actual touch screen. And uh, but I get. I get you back online, you know, uh, if I can come back on a show sometime. And, uh, and uh, I want to do it when I have the big tent. And, uh, and I definitely want to take you guys down there. And then that way I can actually show you the touch screen that you, that you would get. It's a nice, good size. It's seven inches. And the reason that you want the touch screen is so that you can get the, so that you can get the Wi-Fi. The reason that you get the touchscreen is because that's the device that gives you the Wi-Fi. That's the interface. Um, and not only is it the interface that allows you to run the entire box, the program, the system, the way that you want it to set up your timers for your lights, set up your watering event times, to set up, you know, uh, what time you, uh, at what temperature you want your heater to come on, or what temperature you want your AC unit to come on, um, all of that, you know. Um, all those things. And, and the way that I run the AC and the heater and the dehumidifier, I don't have the box do the controlling. I could, you could, you could set it up that way, but I think it's more efficient that the way that I set up the program to set up a temperature that you want it to kick on and, uh, and, and, and like, just turn it on. Right. So let's just say that, um, I'll try and give you an example. So, okay, so let's just say that I'm approaching nighttime, right? I know that I want to turn on my AC unit. Um, and on my AC unit, I have uh, the, the thermostat on the AC unit turned down to 61, I think it is, or 62, something like that. And uh, so the part of control that you have is that you are turning on your AC unit at a particular time uh, uh, via, via the switch on your, either the touchscreen or your phone, um, or via temperature, via a temperature setting, and then your AC unit will come on and then it'll just stay on and it'll stay on until you turn it off. And I did that on purpose because, um, uh, it would, it, it just gets too complicated, uh, because you have to think, into, I, like if, if, if I was to do the controlling through the box and have it, have, the, have it use the sensors for temperature inside the garden to do anything other than just turn it on and, and uh, turn it on. And, and then, you let the, then you let the thermostat of the AC unit control its cycling of the compressor 
and the fan, all right? If I try and do it through my box, I'm probably going to end up ruining my AC unit because those things work on certain sets of settings, you know? They have a compressor built into them that has to run for a certain amount of time uh, while it's doing its job, and then it kicks off, and it usually kicks off for a certain amount of time, uh, and it does things, you know? It's not like just turning on the AC unit full blast with power and then turning it off flat off, you know, like, and then you just like disconnect it from the wall. That, that's not the way those things are meant to be used, you know, and operated. You will shorten the life of your AC unit. So the way I've designed the system is that upon the right temperature, and you get to set that yourself, um, uh, you, um, uh, it'll come, it'll come on or you can manually turn it on um, and then uh, you have to manually turn it off via your phone or be in the garden at the touch screen. And what that does is it, and, and so what that does is your AC unit will, will stay in a state of limbo, but still operate correctly until it's ready to be used again, because I only use it at nighttime to drop the temperatures in my garden so that I can get the nice colors. And I heard that it can bring out real nice terpenes and stuff, um, uh, that a big temperature, a good temperature swing in your garden. I don't, I don't know, I'm just trying it. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeing if, if anything happens. I do seem to get some coloring coming out. And, um, and another thing I noticed- will bring out some fall colors, but you have to be careful with the PM if the swing is too big. Okay, right. Okay, with the powdery mildew. And that's why I'm glad that the AC unit does have a dehumidifying effect. So at least if you can keep the humidity low and cold, then you should be able to avoid that issue of powdery mildew, right? I, I hope I, I have so far. And another setting I put too is in the wintertime when I wouldn't normally use my, um, my air conditioning unit and flower at night when I want the temperatures to drop, I just... Um, there's a setting on the heater that I put in the program so that you can uh, you can put in how many degrees you want to allow the temperature to drop before the heater comes back on. So say <clears throat> during say it's, it gets cold up here, you know. So my basement will get cold, and say I want to I have that heater on, <clears throat> and uh, and it's it needs to be supplemental on to keep my temperature in my tent up above 80, around 85, 88, right, um, for my garden. But then at night, uh, I don't want to manually go down there and then have to mess with the thermostat on the heater. So instead, I built into the program uh, that you could type in there um, how many, uh, you could punch in how many degrees you wanted to allow the temperature to drop at night before the heater would start working again and start um, operating, operating at that, uh, temperature, you know, started to control at that next given temperature. I'm sorry. I had, uh, I had some dental work done on Friday. I'm still suffering. I'm still getting, uh, I hate the dentist. And, and I know it's because of my childhood experiences, but oh my goodness, man, they had to extract a tooth back there. And, um, I still feel like I'm talking funny and I still feel like I'm getting gauze and stuff on my ear. <laughs> um, oh, no worries. But uh, so, yeah, so so I've, I've tried to think of a lot of things that growers might use, you know, and, and, and you don't have to. 
you could put that temperature at night. You could leave it right where it is and leave that temperature drop at zero, and it wouldn't drop anything. It just it just control at what it is, you know. So, um, I, I've really tried to really think it through, and I know that I'm a, a new grower, and, and maybe I'm missing some things that some people might might need in their garden or currently using. But like I said, um, you'd be getting a custom box, and uh, and I would just need a little bit of time. Uh, like my existing box, I think is really good. And I've tried to think of a lot of things that, that I've heard a lot of people talk about. Um, and uh, so, uh, but if but if your setup is slightly different and you need certain other things, then, um, you know, I, we can we can alter things, you know. Uh, you well, know I've seen uh, something the other day that you might be able to incorporate uh, into your system. Yes. As far as the pH goes. They've, yes. got, uh, I, they've been showing it on Instagram, and it's like an inline pH thing. And, and from what I've seen of it, you soak this thing, and then you put it on your water line, and okay. whatever comes out is pH right too. So I, you know, wow, and it's that simple. It's a, re it's something that you soak. You, I know you soak it for a few minutes. Okay. You put it in there, and it's supposedly good for like six months. Wow! Huh? Amazing. Yeah, well, I'll look in. Yeah. Yeah, I might look into I, that. I, I um, I don't know that that would work for me because I don't um, like because I'm using a gravity system. I don't have. Th this is another unique thing about what I'm my the sensors I'm using is that because my system is a gravity fed system, my pH pens. And PPM uh, pen don't sit in the liquid all the time. And you know that when they dry, they die, right? Isn't that the same, right? Or most of these pens, right? When they dry, the ends, if they, um, I'm not so much sure about the little pocket pens, but I know on some of these other sensors, I've seen that, but, but I found a solution. So uh, in my system, I have a solution for that, and and I I do I still use a, P, a good pH pen. And like I said, I'm trying this pen out, and I hope it works. I hope the longevity. That's what it's so far. It's been very accurate, and I'm very happy with the accuracy. And I know that I can test that when I go to calibrate. But the 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 real test is going to be how long will it last before I have to replace it because that's not a cheap item. Unfortunately, I've I've tried to look at different ways to cut costs and. Um, uh, unfortunately, the sensors part of it is is kind of an expensive part. You know, they're they're not cheap. They're like a hundred bucks just for the sensor. You know, and um, uh, and you know when you got to get a couple of them, and then you have to get an associated card that works with that, and you know, so now you're talking about a total of several hundred dollars. You know, uh, to do some, one thing. You know. So, because you've got to include the interface that has to go back to the program, you know, through the right card that's tied into the PLC so that it will see it. And um, so there's more cost than just the sensor itself, but those sensors can get really expensive. And um, I like that idea of being able to put something in line, but because my, my uh, system is not like a DWC, and I thought about, I could, and I, I, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about building a separate little, um, uh, pH system for people that do like DWC. I, 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 I picture that they have a big 20 or 30 gallon reservoir that they just keep filled up all the time. 
And it must be pretty hard to keep that thing pH balanced during the course of a week. Like, I don't know how often they would go through that tank, you know, of liquid. And uh, if it's not very often uh, and that tank tends to run a week, then I would imagine the pH in there can swing quite a bit. So I was thinking about just developing a small little box. It wouldn't do anything else than just balance that tank. So you'd have a sensor in the tank all the time. And then you would have your pH up and down solutions that would be um, added at the appropriate time. Like you could have you could have it check the pH. You could have it measure the pH like every half hour or every every 15 minutes if you wanted to. I don't know, maybe every 10 minutes. And then if that's if it's out of whack, then then it does the adjustment. You know, I would think that it would maybe every 15 minutes or something like that might be. Good. I, I mean, I don't know how quickly it would swing. I guess that would it would be something I would have to learn more about, you know. But it is something I've thought about because I know that a lot of DWC guys, um, I feel like already have a pretty good setup, and I don't know that I could um, my water top-down system isn't going to work for them, you know. So the watering part of my box, my box just won't work for them, you know. Um, unless they did a top-down watering, you know, I, I, I mean, I could build a box without that aspect in it and maybe introduce this other aspect where it was just balancing a tank instead. Uh, and then maybe have a pump in that tank that might feed some sort of manifold that then could be fed to the plants. I, I don't know, you know, I, I know you guys work a lot. You do a lot of work, you DWC guys. <laughs> I don't envy you guys, man, wow. But you grow some serious dank, wow. When I heard Loki tell, say one night, oh man, I got a plant stretched six inches in one night, you know? I'm like, wow, if, if, if he's telling the truth and that thing can grow that much in just one night growing DWC, I could see the appeal of that, you know? Uh, DWC really is the race car of those yeah. systems. In my really? Opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you? How are you? Are you in cocoa or? Yeah, you're in cocoa. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Here's my setup right here. I just here's a little. Uh, oh, nice. I didn't mean to shut it off, but uh, I did. It was I was transplanting before the show, so I threw the black ground on. They were actually asking me to show it earlier. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm. I'm in cocoa. All Several right. different tents, 10-gallon yes. pots. 15-gallon? Okay. And how many times do you water a day? Once. Just once? once. In the morning? About three three quarters of a gallon to a gallon per pot. Per day. pot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, with this then, thing, you know, you, even what I was curious about is uh, you were mentioning like the HPS. And right. what I was a bit curious about when you were talking about that is uh, my all, everything I have is already set up for 220. So ah. is your box plug and play for like a kid or could it be plug and play for a 220 setup? I, th I think it could be plug and play for a 220. Um, I would have to do a little. Yeah, I think I could. I think I could bring another line. I would have to bring in. I would have to have. Wow. Yeah. Let's see. You would actually, because you've got have two one tens right there yes. already, wouldn't you just have to split it up in the box and do the yes. work of the, you know? Yes, exactly. Yes, that's right. And that's right. That's all I would have to do. I could do that and tie it into the lamp uh, and then change that outlet from the 110 outlet that I have on there now 
220 instead of two wires, just the one, right? Right, that's right. You wouldn't even yeah. need that second. That's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I could. That wouldn't be that hard to do. It really wouldn't be that hard to switch that around to, to a 220 outlet for that and then keep everything else 110 uh, for your all your other items like your coal fan, your regular fan, you know, uh, anything else that you might have in there that's running off a 110 heater. Yeah, definitely. And, and even though um, you might, like you're watering one gallon or almost close to a gallon per pot. And, and let's just say you had eight pots in there and my system, even though I can only deliver two and three quarter gallons at a shot, you can still deliver up to 10 watering. So you could have them repeat sequentially, you know, during the course. That's better. During that day. That's what I've heard. All, you and, know, that and then right we, there is better than that one. <laughs> Oh, it is. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, that's good. All right, that's good to know. Yeah, that, that might then I might change the weight because that's generally what I tend to do is one heavy and then maybe a little lighter one, just uh, like maybe fifteen or twenty minutes later. But I think they. I don't know if they should be spread out more. I, um, well, this but, is yeah. it's a hydrostatic pressure that pushes the oxygen into the roots. Oh, so okay. if you're pushing more oxygen into your medium. Yes. several times a day ah. when you're getting that oxygen boost that you would see in the DWC. That's the, that's the, just like a car, it's forcing that in, the air into the engine. Right. DWC, you're forcing it, you know, up the down the backside yes. with the yep. air stone into the roots. Okay. Oh, that's excellent. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad uh, that we talked about that because uh, with my system, like I said, even though you can only deliver 2.75, two and three quarter gallons at one shot, you can deliver up to 10 shots in a 24 hour period. So that's really up to 27, you know, 27 gallons that can be delivered, right? It's uh, 2.75. So 27 and a half gallons can be delivered in 10 watering cycles if you filled it up to the, to the top. Um, the only other thing I would say too is because I'm using a small DC pump to pump the water from the water in uh, takes. If I was to fill it up each time, it would take about 15 minutes to fill up the tank from the six gallon container where I have it located right now into my watering tank into the tent. It takes about 15 minutes only because of the size of the pump. But I I bought those. Again, I, I tried to look at it as a cost savings. It, it's a DC pump, so it's going to work very well. They're very easy to come apart if you need to clean them, if you suspect that maybe something got in there. And I would suspect that maybe the T one might need to be cleaned once in a while. But they're very easy. Three screws, they come apart, little plastic piece, clean it off, put, it, put the shaft back in there, the screws. I've done it a couple times just to see how easy it would be, and they work fine. Um, and they're cheap. And, and so it helps to keep the cost down so I can help keep this cost down, you know, um, on this thing. Because I, I, I want to try and really make it affordable. And I know that equipment in this business isn't cheap. And also, um, I mean, I'm blown away at, at the cost of some of the stuff. And, and some people just don't have that money. And, and some people aren't, you know, just, just can't afford it, you know. So, so I, I, I just tried to make it um, 
as cheap as possible and uh, and I also threw in there the DIY because not only will you be saving off the cost of me building it myself and shipping it to you, but you're going to save on shipping because I'm sure that shipping a completed box um, that weighs this much, and I'm going to have to insure it, of course, because it's not going to be cheap, and uh, uh, to make sure that it gets there uh, to you um, is going to cost, I don't know. I don't know how much. I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll have to take it to the shipping guy at where I work. He can tell me. He deals with FedEx and UPS all the time. He's a real nice guy. I know him um, real well. So um, uh, he can give me a good ballpark figure on what it would cost uh, to ship it, you know, to various locations. Uh, I don't know that I would. I would probably just stick to the U.S. and Canada. Um, I don't, I don't know about overseas. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they're willing to pay for it, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm apprehensive a little bit on that end, you know, maybe just, I might just try and keep it to North America here, um, at least as a completed box, because I don't know, man, shipping it over there. And I don't know what the laws are and I don't know if there might be requirements because it's an electronic device and maybe it's got to go through certain certifications. I don't know. You know, I don't know. So, but I've tried to, I've really tried to make it safe. I've got on all the, on all the um, high amperage current draw items, like your AC unit, your heater, your lights, um, uh, the dehumidifier. I have all those on like heat sinks that the solid state relay sits on, all right? My only fear with using a lot of this stuff, again, is is overheating and things can malfunction, you know? So so on the one side of the solid state relay, you got your DC coming in, but that's gonna flip it on when it's supposed to come on. And then that allows your AC to run on the other side, which powers your outlet. And um, so I have that little unit sitting on this small little aluminum heat sink. And, uh, you know, so I, I've, I've done, tried to do things like that, you know, and, and like on each one of these legs are the two pigtails that go into that box. They each have their own thermal overload uh, push button on the back. So, you know, if anything shorts out, that thermal overload is supposed to pop first and, uh, and uh, so that you don't do any damage to the box. And uh, so everything's grounded. Uh, everything's done right, you know, the way it should be. Uh, um, and so far it's, it's been reliable for me. And like I said, this next week will be the big test where, I mean, I've been setting it up, running it down there. I just, I, I just been there to watch it, but this will just be the first time I'm actually not going to be down there with it. <laughs> so, uh, a little nervous. <laughs> but, I wouldn't yeah. worry about it. I'm sure you're going to be fine. I'm going to I'm sure you're going to be fine. Enjoy that vacation. Jeez. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I really am. We haven't been, it's been, it's been almost two years. You know, my wife was like, you know, we got, we, the last vacation we were on was like five years ago when we went to cousin Steve's house in Ohio on the lake. And she said, you know, so we gotta, we gotta go somewhere. So we, so we are, uh, yeah, we're going to have fun and Eagle again, many props to you and all the people out in chat that are still there. Oh my goodness, man. I can't believe it. Um, uh, you know, um, many props to all you I guys. don't. It's Hardcore. been a great night. You've been a great yeah. guest. It doesn't surprise me at all that there's still 47 hanging out. Thank all. you. Thank you. And I know this is, uh, 
I don't know. Do you need a like a warning before the before I give you the uh, salute? Yeah, yeah, I've got it going right now. It's ready okay. if you want to give me the sound bite. All right, I will. Hey, this is Automation is Freedom. And I've had a great time tonight talking fucking shit with Eagle. Have a great night, folks. I've really enjoyed it. And Eagle, thank you very much for giving me this platform. Thank you. I hope I'll, I hope you'll have me back. Oh, absolutely. I 100% will. I, I, I hope, I, I'm really, I can't wait to see it set up. So okay. when you get back from your vacation and get it set up, uh, I'd be more, I'd love to see it. I, I'm excited to, yeah, absolutely. absolutely 100%. All right. And great. don't forget to send me your, uh, your address so I can oh, yes. get you the grow along gear. Yes. I'll do it. I'll happy. do it as soon as I'm we hang right out. I will. I'll do it that, right now after we hang up. Otherwise, that I'm... agent, that agent orange is fire. It All is, right, awesome. It's a good. It's a good strain. Heavy orange. If you like a fruity strain, it's very, yes. very orangey. And uh, it was when it was created. It was actually created. The vets like it. It's a for PTSD. They found it's very good for that and anxiety. Uh, vets across the board have been very happy with it that's it's one of its claim to fame but uh you'll be very happy with it nonetheless awesome. and i'll be happy to ship it to you so please awesome. do not forget to give me that address i yeah, won't because they're going out, out tomorrow all that will be going out tomorrow so okay i'll do it right now as soon as we hang up i'm, I'm gonna get it on my instagram and send it to you a uh, direct message all right yeah, thank you so it. much Hey, you have a great time. Uh, have a great night and or the rest of your morning, I should say. Uh, we're almost here. And, uh, and uh, I got to get in the shower and drink plenty of coffee to get me through this next day. But I will. <laughs> so I can get to work. Thank you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no you still got to go to work? No, oh, yeah. Hell, you got a oh, long yeah, day. Oh, man. Oh, that's all right. That's all right, man. I, I'm on. Uh, you know, I'm like you. I, I live on very little sleep and naps. I really do. I, I don't know why I'm wired that way. I just am. I, I can't sleep long. I'm, I'm a few hours and then I'm up again. And and then I'll, I'll supplement it with a little 20 minutes sleep at, at my lunch and I'll, I'll be refreshed. Uh, it, it just takes that little bit, you know. So, uh, it does. yeah, awesome. I've had a great time, Eagle. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, good luck at work, and I look forward to hearing from you real soon about when you get back. Okay, so I will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you very much. Automation is freedom. A great guest tonight, and I'm sure you have enjoyed it as much as I did. <clears throat> Jen just has us just keep playing. Just playing. Oh, we were talking to them. My bad. Ah, either way, it's time to get outy. It's time for the shout outs. It's 440. I got to get to work myself. Get some planting done, some transplanting. Is Tao still up? Holy cow, he is. What's up, Tao? Glad to see you still hanging out. It was cool seeing you hanging out with the Witchy Weekend gals. Uh, I'm very look for look very much looking forward to having them on Friday. It's gonna be a cool thing. It's gonna be a great night. Well, it's gonna be a great week. 
I've got uh, lots of surprises up my uh, sleeve for you guys this week. So, and don't forget, Smiley, the uh, the organic takeover Wednesday with episode two with Smiley and Kingdom Aquaponics. Uh, Lath Morrison will be here uh, Wednesday. Closest thing I do to a day off, I will uh, most definitely be jumping in for the rabbit hole after Lath and uh, Smiley are done. But it, it'll be a pleasure to hang out and just learn for a change. Uh, uh, I'm always learning something from you guys, to be honest with you. But uh, it'll be a pleasure to sit back and just hang and chat like last time. I had a lot of fun uh, hanging out with you guys that night. And it's going to be a lot of fun hanging out with you guys this Wednesday. So looking forward, forward to that. Eagle joint. We've been we've been through like four joints tonight so far. I gotta find a copyright friendly song so I don't give us in trouble. So I can do the shout out so I can get out. Probably go to the good go to. And it's actually <clears throat> takes takes about seven minutes nowadays for the shout outs. Ever growing is I am ever grateful to be doing shout outs. Uh, you guys are the reason this show goes forward through the reason why I continue to do it. And uh, it's an honor to be here night after night. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I. I I don't need no dates off in my book. You better plan on seeing me what holidays are coming up. All of them. I'll be here probably Thanksgiving. I'll probably be here Christmas night. I'll probably be here New Year's Eve. I'm just, that's what I, what I do. When I say I'm going to do something, I, uh, I work as hard as I can towards it. So this isn't usually my go-to. So if you guys haven't figured this out, this is uh, Gary Clark Jr. live at the surf shop. And the name of the song is, uh, I can't forget the name of the song. Is, uh, can't Go Home, I want to sure it's Can't Go Home. So with that being said, out. Let's start off with the witchy weekend with Amber, Lalana, Chicha B, Madam T, Lily Luna, and uh, Little Tilly. I believe there might be a few more, but want to give a shout out to uh, Smoking in a Small Town. They were new. Is it 440? That's the fourth or fifth time I've seen that number tonight. 444. 
This guy actually gave me goosebumps that time. Uh, this teacher says it means I'm supposed to focus on what I'm doing. I'm on the right path. That means this. It means you guys. Uh, I did just see the new one in chat here a few minutes ago. I don't want to forget them. Nah, I don't miss yet. I got too bad. But uh, smoking in from a small town was a new one. They need to go on the list. Hey, where'd you go? Here's a new one that popped in right around 4:20 there. Oh, where did it go? Give the shout out to the dude that gave, told me to get my chemo. <laughs> the rest of you guys get shout outs. So, Earth Creeper, smoking in a small town. Warlock, Artist LD, Sir Sticky, Rob, Big Day 420, Brent Wendell, Big Ed, Man of Wadi, Green Click, G3. J and K Triple G, Mr. Sprinkler, Brittany Teasley, Hope Farms, Lisa G, John, Be Too Crazy for You, BGWG420 killed it yesterday with that barbecue. Smiley, it was a bummer to see you didn't win, but you're always you know you're a winner in our book. No matter what, we don't need no warrant to know that. Dr. Budsville, you purple thumb OG. Arturo Sensamelia, or Arturo, Antro, Antro Sensamelia, Miss D's Nugs, Just a Face 420, Beast Coast Grower 420, Sir L. Howe, Trey Furlone, Keep It Real, Haggerton 420, Zeb Zeppelin, Audit Everywhere. BT Double D Grows, Bingus, Green Puffin Man, Alex Boykachip, Chief, or Chef Life, School of Crop, Cause I Love It, Green Mountain Grower, Southwest Oki, Real 100-212, Andy Man, Miranda Family Farms, Haggerton 420, Page Farms, Me All Flower, Ryan Henderson, Light 1978, G13, New Sailbot Winds, Kingdom Aquaponics. That is Wednesday. Don't miss, forget Wednesday for a kick out, kick ass episode. Indra, Native, Michigan Native, Mary Jane's Medgarden, Streamer 77 Double D, Bad Bunny Nutrients, uh, Green, Mr. Green Pots, Mr. Green Nugs. From 619 to 664, Spaniard Kruger, Jones and to Grow, Papa G Grows, Raz, Amy, Drow Grows, Seth, the Grow From Your Heart podcast, that's Ross and Jeff, Lily Luna, the Green Med Flock, Jeremiah Miranda, Green or Greg Hamilton, Stony Creek, Lost Art, Mr. No One, Smith Dude, 
LG420 Giant Mike, Prometheus Soil, Jason Eistead, P Win, David Colby. That's fresh pork chops to you on Instagram. Readis207. We got Perfectly Imperfected, Dollar Tree Grower, T1 Productions, Dank Grower, DOA Grown Meds, Miss Nudie Grows, I Grew Some, creator of all that killer artwork we see night after night. Uh, excuse me, Johnny Canseed, Miss Nudie, or uh, Nutrient Shoutouts. Nani, Nikki, Zoe, and Slammer, Pixel Monkey, St. Bernard's Observation Booth, High Spy, Aldridge 25, Madam T, Stu Moo, Mo Grower, The Can of Crate, Loki Groves, Seth, This Guy, 79, 79, Burke, Polish Hammer, Midwest Outlaw, Voodoo Ultras, Fred, Fresno Nerds, Wolverine Grower, Big Jar Grows, Late Wave Back Farmer, Jimmy One Luck, D Block, MMP, Nation's Creations. Woo! And take a drink. Let's get along. Dirt Road Dude, Kanashiva, Jose Ramirez, Red Eye Rustler, Dab Goblin. Dr. Buzz Lightyear, Acetone, Candy Queen Genetics, Stabby, Tenazi, Dirtman Dan, Keith of Black Sail, LAD, Spiky Pilot, Majestic Mark, Soiled Roots, Soiled Small Tooths, Tyler, Frosty Buds, North Michigan Micro, Ouija Buds, Dub T Roy, Big Jar Grows, JC, Modern Genetics, Last, PPG15, SoCal Weaver, Brittany, Lexi, and Courtney, Must Love to My Baby Girls, Green County Grower, CJ Apple, uh, Blind Cat 420, Light Up Again, Tim, Purple Thumb OG, UKSIF 420, Buddha Boy, Devin Shipwreck, Medical MJ, uh, Budsville, USA. Thank you for stopping in, my friend. I forgive you for the silly comments. I was just playing with you. Hopefully, you toughed it out. Resurrection Prophet, Chris Martinez, Tara Wilson, Date Man Dan, Date Man 420, Red Setter Firms, Good Life, Bill Sid, Joni Bell, we miss you. Please tell me you're tuning in and silently retracting messages. Please go back, Joe. Please go back. Chicha B, most hated grower. The Major General 420 Army. The American one. I just see him in chat. Have an amazing day, brother. Man, it's been an honor getting to know you, my friend. Total honor. Honor growing out your gear. Even bigger honor to have you a part of this show, this community, not just here, but in the whole cannabis community. Fucking A, brother. Love you, man. Uh, w Digger 714, Shirati, Kinios Genetics, Mountain Skies, ready to hit that hot fire. Much love to you, brother. You're going through your shit too, man. Much love. 
prayers to you and your family. Chris Mertz, even Jack Greensock, 42420, Spartan Rome, boom, Smiley's Gardens. You're always a winner in our book, brother. We don't need no fucking award to tell us that. Charlie's Farm, Farmer Willie, we miss another name we miss very much in this community. I know you got your stuff going. You're probably listening during the day. Uh, I don't. Hopefully, I have your uh, email, Spiky Pilots. I will. Um, 420. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, Jack Greensock. Charlie Firm, Aldridge 25, JD's, Misty's Nuts, Smoking Road Frazier, Brokoski, Twisted Roots, Faded Farmer, Twisted Roots, and Michigan Gods of Misfits, that is, man. Uh, Jeff Jarowski, Faded Farmer 420, if I missed that one. Peter Griffin, Duval 420, Cameron Bagsey, Jill Carter, Mystic Grower, Ginger Snaps, I Kill. DT, TWE, Rose, Rick Wolf, DLP, that's 10 minutes right there. <laughs> Rose, Rick Wolf, DLP, uh, 2372. Where is that one? Oh, DLP, 2372. Uh, Ned Denver, Sergeant Pepper, Cannon Trooper, Sequence 3, Pagroli, Lossley, Pedro, Liam Mass, Danny Danko, Breeder Steve, B Bear 7, Allie Noble, CK. I don't know what the fuck I wrote down there. Ah, Tom Trinidad. I'm going to go with Tom Trinidad. Empire Breeding Co. Med Grower 1, the Canicate Skill Bowl. Evolve 420 again. Bollards Farm, Scallywag 420, Dutch Grows 420, Shredder 911, Dr. G, D, G, C, Jeff, Bag Seed again. I can multi got you. Uh, Dr. Manny D, or Mr. Manny D. Now you're here, Doctor. Huh? Mr. Manny D, Dutch Chat, Joy Mid. Please say I got that right. Uh, Jay Myers. Fuel House Farm, Frank Booth, Painted Lady, Bugs One, Stoner Nation 420, Von Braun, Stoner, but Sovereign Gardens, Sark Pulley 989, Stephanie B, Endo 11, and the Breeder Collective, Matt Steelbread, Spiky Pilot, Soul Roll, Pop Little, Raz, and Boca King. Whew. I don't care if that list takes me 20 minutes. I'm still going to keep doing it every night because that's how much respect I have for you. Oh, there he is. Grow from the part, grow from your heart podcast. I just gave you a shout out, brother. Uh, much respect for Ross and Jeff and what he does over there. I will take you guys out with the dab song here. Let me get it lined up while I'm saying my goodbyes. I'd be uh, honored to take a dab with you guys and get my stuff together. There we are. Uh, pleasure, you, honor you tuned in, uh, Rasta Jeff. Big, big ups to you. Where in the hell is a torch? Grab a torch. I got my rig. You guys know the routine. Do something nice for somebody. 
random acts of kindness do save lives. I think you guys are getting to know me a little bit better uh, day by day in knowing that uh, it's a puppy. <laughs> I like that, Aldrin. Um, this ain't no bullshit. Random acts of kindness have get me through so much in my life and simple fact that you guys tune in and be a part of this is some of the biggest random acts of kindness I've ever seen in my life. So big outs and shout outs to you guys. That's why I do it every night because it does mean everything to me. So here you guys go for the shout outs and the goodbyes. Here's the dab song. Take a dab with you guys tonight on the way out. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Robert Hazelton will be here tonight, Monday night, hanging out with us. Another person you know from the community, and we all have much respect for. So please tune in and get that to the tonight's show. Gets eat out. Winner gets eat out, Eagle. Scary. What? Everybody wants monkeys. Uh, here in Michigan, I can make that happen. I'd love to get rid of a puppy to you guys. Cheers, you guys. some rest at this end of your journey if this is just the start of your journey for today make it as prosperous as you can reach for the stars or what is it oh reach for the moon this is Les Brown reach for the moon because if you miss at least you'll be amongst the stars with that being said good night good morning I'll see you guys Monday night, 11.30-ish. I love you guys. Take another day about me. Peace.